Okay. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Greater Reset Day 5, Day Cinco, for our friends down in Mexico. Today is all about community. We are super stoked to be presenting ideas and solutions about how we can work together to create a better world, not only for ourselves, but for our fellow human beings, how we can improve our relationships. The community day is usually my favorite. This is only the second time that we've done this, but the first time it was my favorite, and we'll see if today it's my favorite as well. There's a lot of ideas that have been shared, different technologies, different aspects of regenerative agriculture, healing ourselves, healing our body, our mind, our spirit, and I think and economics and entrepreneurship, counter-economics and agorism, and I think it all gets tied together through community. We've shared a lot of ideas, a lot of tips and strategies, a lot of concrete action items, and all of those are made more accessible, manageable, and easier to execute through working together with other people. We can try to go it alone, and we can try to be all independent, hoo-ha, wow. but at the end of the day, we are social animals, and together, we are more powerful more effective, more efficient, and more beautiful. So thank you everyone for joining us here today in Buda, Texas, or as the outer towners call it, Buda, Texas. And for the folks down there in Zihuatanejo, welcome, welcome. We'll be hearing from our friends, uh, uh, Derek and Ramiro here shortly. We do have an amazing lineup of speakers. And as you can see from the instruments here in the background, we're going to be doing some live music later as well. That's right. We got a drum set. I'm not playing the drums, although I will be rapping. Uh-oh, look out. Try my best not to say anything nasty. Uh, Derek Bros, a.k.a. 33, will be performing for us. He's got some hip-hop stuff going on as well. We're going to hear from Jordan Page, the one, the only. Get it for Jordan Page. He's going to perform for us. And then we're going to hear from a three-piece reggae band, So Below. They're going to be here in Austin, Texas, in Buda, Texas, I should say. We purposely didn't do stuff here in Austin because Austin's gone a little bit more uh, communist, I should say. So we decided to go to small town, much more friendly, where they're a lot more friendly to smiles. It's weird times we're living in when smiling offends somebody. I gave up on the mask a long time ago. I wore it for a little while. I was like, I don't know what's going on. Kind of got to feel this out. And then I was like, okay, just shh, never again. And I usually don't get flack because I go into a business or a restaurant. I'm just smiling and happy. And, oh, it's a beautiful day today, isn't it? Yeah, things are great. I'm not like, mm, they're going to say something to me. Oh, these sheeple. Ah. And then you like attract this negative energy. You just need to be friendly and loving and compassionate with one another. We're all on this journey together. Some of us are coming from different places, and that's okay. And what's important in the end is that we beautiful, free human beings put out the love that we expect back in return. And we're going to be talking about some of that stuff today with Lainey Liberty and her son, and we got a great day today. So uh, I think we're going to go ahead and go to Benny Wills here in a second. Uh, all right, the folks in Ziwa are are working on getting some stuff together. Together. Oh, there's old Derek. Old Derek. Old Derek. Old Derek. Old Derek. Old Derek. Old Derek.
Hey. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep drifting for you guys. We're gonna see if we can bring on the folks down there in Mexico. And if not, then we're gonna queue up Benny Wills here shortly, but I'll wait for the sound of the producer there to give me the cue. So before we go on any further, I strongly want to invite folks who have not yet joined the Freedom Cell Network to participate. So what we've been doing since 2014 is creating a network where people can work together. Right. We were creating a network where we're bringing together like-minded people, right? There's so many folks that feel isolated and alone. You know, like my, my relationship with my family's all torn up, and people think I'm weird, and I feel like I'm the only one out here who thinks this way, thinks what way. I don't know. Challenges the status quo, sees through the prevailing narrative, desires a better life for themselves and their posterity, right? And for some reason... People that think that way tend to be in the minority. But I got news for you. There's more of us out there than you might think. Like here we are in Buda, Texas. This facility is owned by some fellow Freedom Cell members and like-minded folks. Right across the street, there's some like-minded people at Zoe Market we heard from the other day. Jimmy Vaughn jammed this stage right here. He's a Freedom guy also. So there's more of us than you might think, and you don't need to feel isolated. And we've created a network. I'm going to be talking about it later, the Freedom Cell Network. We invite you to join over 22,000 like-minded people that aren't just complaining or theorizing. They are doing and building and creating. And we would like you to do all of that stuff with us. You can go to freedomcells.org, freedomcells.org. We got a lot of stuff going on on Telegram. So I'll be chatting more about that network and the opportunity that it has for for self-growth and for community growth. And again, today is day five of the Greater Reset. It's all about community building and improving our human relationships. We got a lot of great speakers lined up for you today. And we're going to go ahead and hear from the first speaker. This guy is a great speaker. He actually does an online course about public speaking. Very bright guy, very positive guy. He often speaks at liberty-minded events and really blows people away. So without further ado, let's hear from Benny Wills, ladies and gentlemen. Benny Wills. Hi, my name is Benny Wills. You might recognize me from my YouTube channel called Joy Camp, where I played a character called The Conspiracy Guy. Is he telling the truth or is he telling a lie? He's the Conspiracy Guy. I'm honored to be a part of this, The Greater Reset. Much love to Derek Bros, The Conscious Resistance, etc. for giving me this opportunity and for you showing up to listen to me do my thing. What is my thing exactly? Well, I do comedy, I do poetry, I try to keep it light. I bring levity to a very serious world. I'm coming to you live from my parents' house. I don't know why I'm telling you that. I feel like I should because the background is not of my choosing, but my wife, baby, and I Recently moved to a very rural property where the internet is um, not great. But anyway, I'm wasting your time. I won't mince words. I'll just get started. It's 2021 and you're retarded. But not to worry, not to fret. 
I'm so confident I'll place a bet. Your mom and dad are just like you. I hate to say it, but they're retarded too. I realize I'm speaking generally. You probably think you're scholarly. Just know I say this with no mockery, but you're approaching life retardedly. Allow me to elaborate. You see, my purpose is to activate and then thusly to eradicate your current retardation state. You did not receive an education. You were ushered through an indoctrination, which led to, like I said, to your mental retardation. Retarded just means less advanced, limited or slow. You're retarded by way of ignorance because you weren't encouraged to grow. You see, the ones who are in charge at the tippy tippy top don't want a threat to threaten them, nor their leveling to drop. You're a cog, you see, deliberately in society's machine. You're foggy-minded intentionally serving someone else's dream. For retardening to reach full hardening takes many, many years. Liberation from retardedness is instantaneous and can easily be cleared. I'll wrap this up with a bit of benevolence. You're currently retarded, but you're capable of excellence. <sighs> I call that piece the R word, and obviously it's not for you guys. It's for your brother-in-law or your uncle or that masked woman at the grocery store. That's who this poem is for, not you, obviously. Uh, anyway, um... Aren't you tired of being called a conspiracy theorist? I know I am. I'm the conspiracy guy. I've been called a conspiracy theorist for almost 20 years now. And I don't want to get ahead of myself here. We're here today. I'm here today. We're all here this week experiencing the greater reset because of, let's face it, the coronavirus pandemic and all that's followed and I've been studying researching trying to get to the bottom of the virus itself what exactly is COVID-19 what is the coronavirus and I've come to a few conclusions The coronavirus virus is undoubtedly, certifiably, verifiably real. All of us are affected and dejected. Many are infected and side effects include anger, panic, compliance and fear. Isolation in your domicile for a whole entire year. Wearing a mask or face shield and shaming those who don't. Your case may border on severe if you report on folks who won't. If you're refusing hugs from those you love. If you're six feet apart with latex gloves. If obedience to governance is something that you're proud of. I don't mean to be mean or interrupt your quarantine, 
but from what you're showing, I can glean you've got the novel COVID. Numero 19. The good news, though, is there's a cure and requires no mandate or vaccination. It's absolutely free of charge and offers instant gratification. Just reach behind your television and unplug it from its outlet. Then switch your phone to airplane mode and disconnect your internet. Next, go outside, walk down your street, and wave hello to your nearest neighbor. Get a good night's sleep and then repeat and you'll notice you're feeling better. The coronavirus virus exists outside of space and time. It travels through the airwaves and burrows in your mind. World government is the real pandemic. Propaganda is the real virus. The media will really scare you to make more government seem desirous. The new normal is neither. The mask is a symbol of slavery. Society wants you staying at home, but mankind is requiring your bravery. Anyway, just a few things I've learned as a result of studying the pandemic. Uh, yeah, so, like I said, I'm sick of being called a conspiracy theorist. You're probably sick of being called a conspiracy theorist and crazy, alt-right, Nazi, selfish, etc. So, I feel like one of the worst things that's come out of the pandemic is the extreme polarization that it's created and the extreme division and the extreme censorship. And not just censorship like my colleagues getting kicked off of YouTube. I'm talking about censorship amongst friends and family, shutting each other down, not listening anymore. The worst division I've ever seen. And it's heartbreaking. I mean, how many of you right now, how many of you have lost touch with someone you care about because of your differing opinions? How many people in your family think you're crazy because you don't want to get chemicals jabbed into your arm? Right? So I've spent the majority of the last year creating a curriculum to help people become better communicators. It's called parhesia, the art of communication. And parhesia literally means to speak freely or boldly. Now, if you want to take the course, that'd be fantastic. But for today, <laughs> I'd like to offer you something else. Uh, I have one lesson in particular that seemed to be very popular amongst my students, and I have decided to turn that into a one-off for free for you. How to stop being the conspiracy guy or girl in less than an hour. Go to bennywills.com and sign up now, and I will email you a link to the webinar, which I'll be premiering on my YouTube channel Tuesday night. If you can't show up for the live premiere, don't worry, the link will still exist the following day, and maybe for a few days after, you can watch it at your leisure, but do sign up. I have some uh, pretty cool information that I think will help you navigate your way through any conversation.
Because, let's face it, we all know someone like my friend, Gordon. Well, I'll just, I'll, I'll give you the whole, the whole background. You see, Gordon was a good boy who followed all the rules. He got straight A's in every grade and never missed a day of school. He could repeat back verbatim what his teachers taught with ease. Thus, his spot there on the honor roll was a monthly guarantee. He tattled to his teachers and told them who was cheating like a mole amongst his classmates, prompting parent-teacher meetings. He hailed as high school president, had a GPA exceeding four. He nailed the SAT test with a nearly perfect score. He then went on to college, earned a bachelor arts degree, and became a professor in his own right with a stable salary. And now he teaches students what he himself was taught, articulated regurgitations minus independent thought. He always votes on party lines. He's careful not to offend. He follows every single guideline the Surgeon General recommends. He reports unattended baggage at the airport before his flights. He's ashamed of the advantages he was bestowed because he's white. He always drives the speed limit. He's careful not to jaywalk. As an experiment in college, he one time sucked a... Cocker Spaniels are his favorite dogs, though he only owns a cat named Michelle Obama, whom he knit a pussy hat. He's a self-proclaimed male feminist, a proud ally to women. He marches in the pride parade shouting, gender's a decision. Writing for The Daily Show is his secret dream profession. He grapples with anxiety and struggles with depression. Gordon was a good boy, who's now an average guy, wearing stickers after voting, always eager to comply. He can repeat back verbatim what the TV says with ease. Thus, unwavering subservience is his lifetime guarantee. I feel like we all know a Gordon. We all have a Gordon in our lives. <laughs> and uh, if you sign up for my webinar, you might be able to have a conversation with your Gordon. But poor Gordon, you know, it's really not his fault. And this is something I talk about in the Parhesia course. You got to remember, these people, they're not just brainwashed. Their hearts are being manipulated. Really, that's the essence of why they can't hear what you're saying a lot of the time. They can't accept things are as bad as you are outlining. Their hearts are are being manipulated. They can't accept that people could behave so badly. Really. You gotta remember that. Have empathy for these people because they also want what's best. Crazy as that might sound, they do. It's their hearts, not just their minds, that are being manipulated. Which is why it's important for you to stop being the conspiracy guy or girl in less than an hour. And you don't have to compromise your integrity or your values at all. It's about instilling the confidence to approach and confront anyone in any conversation, be, be it a stranger or someone that you've known for 25 years. Because those people that you're talking to or wanting to talk to, there's never been a worse time to be blue-pilled. Can you imagine 
how scary it would be if you were believing every single thing the news was saying. Whoa, it's terrifying. This next piece is called Abusement Park. There's a ride that I can see that I'm glad that I'm not on, providing riders with anxiety until all their logic's gone. It's a winding, weaving, heaving, rip-roaring roller coaster, a mind-bending and mind-shattering, panicking provoker. It twists and turns emotions, takes thoughts for loop-de-loops. It whips in wild motions with nary a moment to recoup. This coaster is called the News Cycle, and it's cyclical indeed. The same old stories get recycled, and dissatisfactions guaranteed. When passengers get off the ride, they exit through the gift shop to seduce them into spending like pigs compelled to slop. As they step outside the gift shop, they have a choice to walk away and join the ones outside the park, us ones who disobey. We have gardens here and families, books, and common sense. We are waiting here for when you're ready, just beyond the fence. But our ways are too contrary, as told by CNN. So even though the ride is scary, and even though it makes them wary, and even though it's voluntary, they choose to ride again. How many people do you know who are stuck on that ride at the abusement park? Really? Um, something else of note here. Okay, I like to bring poetry and comedy. For those of you who are familiar with Joy Camp, you know that most of my work has been in the comedic field. Um, and I'm trying to keep that going. So every week, I do a meme roundup on my personal YouTube channel, which is also on my BitChute, my Brighteon, and my Odyssey channel. And it's a place to come and let off some steam, have some laughs, and be a part of a pretty cool group of people who tune in every week. Because uh, let's face it, comedy right now, like mainstream comedy is dead. It is done. It is the most PC BS you can imagine. I mean, right? We all know this now. Comedy is not doing so well. So, come to my channel Monday nights and you can watch a meme show where you can laugh. I collect all the best memes from the internet because, well, the internet is only... <laughs> the memes are the best thing, I think, that social media has to offer. Uh, and also, speaking of communication, memes are a great way to get a point across. My friend Richard Grove calls it the mind virus, that a meme gets inside your mind and infects your mind whether you like it or not. And it's in one image. Powerful stuff. I also offer the memes that I post on the show in a zip drive every week if you want me. And this is all free, by the way. If you want to be my meme mailing list, you can also do that by going to my website. But anyway, I wasn't even going to bring that up. But since I am, I deliver the memes to you so you can post the memes on your social media accounts and spread them like a virus. 
anyway, yeah. Memes for me are a very effective way to communicate. Poetry is a very effective way to communicate. Comedy, I've noticed that with comedy and with poetry, I can sometimes penetrate through programming in ways that I can't with conversation. So if you're in the Parhesia course, I also offer some avenues to explore that'll help you to unlock your creative potential because we are created beings meant to create and a lot of us uh, have just forgotten that we are capable of producing a masterpiece. So that's another bonus from the course, if that's something you're interested in. But in the meantime, stop being a conspiracy guy or girl in less than an hour. Go to BennyWills.com to get the link. Two windows made of glass. One is black. One is clear. One window shows me elsewhere. The other shows me here. One window illuminates a world seemingly gone mad. Spectacles of hatred and everything that's bad. The other instills calmness with clouds up in the sky. Green grass with dandelions and songbirds flying by. The first window is bright. But the light is artificial. The second window is lit by none other than the sun. The first window is selling things and telling me they're beneficial. Window two has far less for sale than does window one. The first window shows me people who lie, deceive, and cheat. The second one has children riding bicycles down the street. The first window has programs and channels to peruse and lots and lots of opinions masquerading as the news. Information from the second indicates that there's a breeze by the leaves there gently swaying on the branches of my trees. Window one, I gaze straight into. Window two, I look right through. Window one is done with a button. Two turns on with each new dawn to start the day anew. Oh, what would be if window one were here no more? Would stories revert to verbal like they were in days of yore? Would the pace of life slow down? Would attention spans increase? And what about the rate of crimes? Would their quantity decrease? Perhaps that day will never come. So all I can do is ponder while I glance outside the second one, which inspires me to wander and get to know the world I'm in, the domain in which I dwell, the one that I feel warmth in, the one that I can smell. Window one can be fun, but it also likes to steal my time and my emotions and my sense of what is real. Window two is just a window and it's clearer when it's clean. Better to fix one's eyes on nature than to fixate on the screen. And I firmly believe that. I'm all about solutions. 
I'm offering you help communicating in general, whether it's in front of a crowd, one-on-one, or through an artistic platform. And it's also important to build community and be self-reliant. I think that's one of the keys to my success as a person, is I, the more information I receive about (laughs) agendas and whatnot, the more I internalize and make decisions that will benefit me and my family. It's spiritual. This is a spiritual battle. And we have to keep our wits about us. And we have to keep making those decisions that empower us and get those hooks from Babylon out as much as we can. And get to know your neighbors. Get to know the people around you. Build a strong community. It sounds almost cliche at this point, but it's so true. If you're feeling alone, hopeless, if you have despair, uh, we should talk. I can help. You can email me, Benny bennywills.com. Very easy to reach, but I'm all about helping people cope with their hopelessness and their loneliness and feeling good and excited in spite of the odds, which sometimes are very intimidating. Which is why we're having this event. And I mean, an event like this, the Greater Reset, is amazing. It's so good and props to everyone behind it and for giving me the opportunity to speak. It really helps us to further our understanding of what's going on, gives us more information to work with. But if you're not going to take that information and do something with it, then what is it really doing? And I don't just mean reaching as many people as possible. It's not about waking up the world, but it's about empowering yourself so that you can ride the wave, get through the storm, and give you the tools to bridge the gaps with people that need to hear it. And I can help with that. So, everything I do is about building bridges. And I'm encouraging you to build bridges. Build bridges. Break down your walls. Build bridges. Life's amazing, but it's a maze. Lies divide. Build bridges. The fight is hard for everyone. No one's path is smooth. Isolation is universal, but desolation can be soothed. When you put down your guard and build bridges, don't be so hard, build bridges. Focus less on differences. Be patient with resistances. Shorten up the distances with bridges. For me, my bridge is poetry. But sometimes it's a smile. Sometimes my bridge is silence. while I listen for a while. Build a bridge to someone, to many or a few. Build bridges for the people and they'll build bridges back to you. My name is Benny Wills. 
if you're still watching this, that means you you, you like me at least a little bit. <laughs> uh, you've you've come this far. If you want to know more, go to YouTube.com/joycamp. That's my old YouTube channel I created with my friends when I was still living in Los Angeles. Uh, the videos are few years old, most of them, but they're evergreen. I think actually some of my joy camp videos, even though I filmed them up, you know, almost 10 years ago are more relevant than ever. Go to my personal YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Benny Wills. And, um, yeah, I do a meme show on Mondays. I'm offering this free webinar that is once again, how to stop being the conspiracy guy or girl in less than an hour. Go to bennywills.com to sign up and get the link. Um, I'm all about helping. I'm all about solutions. I'm all about getting through this with our heads held high and with as much levity as possible. That's it. Thanks to Derek. Thanks to John. Thanks to everybody who helped make this possible. The Autonomy Unlimited crew and uh, for giving me this platform. And if anybody is going to the Red Pill Expo next weekend, I will be emceeing the VIP dinner. So if you have just a basic ticket, you might want to upgrade to the VIP ticket so you can watch me do my thing at the VIP dinner. It's very exciting. Uh, it's in South Dakota. It's in Rapid City. And uh, hopefully I'll see you there. Much love. And I'll see you Tuesday night when you... Stop being the conspiracy guy. Okay, I'm going to stop. Seriously, though, yeah, come if you can. Sign up, click the link, and uh, yeah, talk to you soon. All right, give it up. How you doing, D? Can you hear me now? We're good. Yes. Oh, my God. That's great. All right. Hey, everybody in Ziwa, make some noise. Nice. Thank you guys for your patience. What's up, John? That was a good talk from Benny. Benny's always... Anybody here first time hearing Benny speak? Share. I definitely recommend going to Lots see Joy Camp. Yeah. Definitely first time in here. I'd say check out Benny's channel, Joy Camp, that he mentioned. He's got just so many hilarious videos that are comedy, and he's also just an amazing poet that I, I recommend all his work for sure. Um, he's a happy guy, too. We need more happiness in this world. And he's a new father, too, so he's fighting for his child as well. Excellent. Excellent. How You know, I just want to shout out the audience here who's been so patient through some of the issues, and they're just so sweet and kind, and... They keep commenting how, you know, how composed we are through all of it. So I know that you're staying composed down there too, and Ramiro behind the curtain over there. So it's good to uh, it's good to be chill in this world, even when things are going crazy. Yeah, we're trying out here. We appreciate everybody's patience, of course, and we're excited. Day five, building community and strong relationships. Just so everybody knows, today goes from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. We're here till 8 p.m. We have the venue till 8 p.m. There's talks till 5 p.m. Then there's going to be a couple hours of music, and then everybody here in Ziwa, we're going to have a singing circle here after the stream's over. So you're welcome to stay with us as long as you can. And uh, yeah, John, you got Dale in the house over there? We do have Dale in the house. We are super excited about our next speaker. He's going to be presenting here in person in Buda, Texas.
You know, we are all about alternatives, right? We're trying to create entire new systems of social organization. That's one of the big themes for today, community and relationships. And when it comes to human needs, one of those needs is security, right? And far too many people just assume that it's municipal police departments that are going to keep the peace. But unfortunately, oftentimes it's those municipal departments that are doing the opposite of keeping peace. In fact, they're causing a little bit of chaos and strife, right? Not all the time, but it does happen. And so I think a lot of the problem comes in, like we have this one monolithic, monopolistic institution. And if you happen to live within this city area, that's what you get for, for keeping the peace. It's this law enforcement apparatus, uh, whether you like them or not, whether they're kind to you or not, whether they roughed up your family member or not, you got to pay your taxes and subsidize their employment. Well, we would like to see a world where people have choices and where there's alternatives and where we can meet that human need for security through other means. And Dale Brown of the Detroit Threat Management Center is demonstrating that there are alternatives to local municipal police departments and that there are different ways to deal with threats that don't involve violence, that don't involve hurting people, that involve minimizing the tension and the stress and trying to bring about some peace for folks. So we are super excited to have him here in Buda, Texas. Let's give a warm round of applause to Dale Brown. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank everyone for uh, inviting us out here. It's a great place to be. It's, uh, Texas is very nice. People have been very nice to us. Um, so in part, want to you know, let people know that what we are is an actual organization that actually protects people. So we are both trainers, educators, and we're actually an organization that literally goes out and puts boots on the ground and keeps people from being killed. So this is not a uh, theoretical presentation. We're going to talk to you about what's really, what real things you can do. We're going to share with you things that will empower you, things that will motivate you and inspire you so you can make a difference in your lives and in the communities you're in, wherever you are in the world. But these are real things. And this is what's great. We're going to share with you actual empirical understanding that's going to empower you uh, and entertain. So one of the things that we do is uh, we create positive outcomes as an organization. And we do that through education. So teaching psychology, law, and skill. And the most important thing I've learned in the past 26 years is the truth that the highest form of love is protection. What you need if you're going to protect something is you need to love it. If you love humanity, you can protect humanity. If you don't love people, you can't protect them. If you don't love cars, you can't protect them. Whatever you want to protect, you have to literally care about those things. And that's what, that's what you need more than anything, more than guns, more than knives, more than fighting. You just need to care. You need to love people if you want to protect them. And this is vital. When we look at people, no matter what the situation is, we have to look at all people as though they are members of our extended human family. So when you see someone who's angry, upset, someone who's uh, showing signs of threat display, instead of thinking of better ways you can legally use force righteously uh, to harm that person or to stop that person violently, think of ways that you would want someone to do uh, to stop that person from being inappropriate if that was your own family member. What would you want someone to do if that was your, your mom, your sister, your daughter, your uncle, your cousin, your dad, your son? Treat them the way you'd want your family treated. 
That's the core thing that I've learned over the past 26 years is that if you look at people as people, not as targets, then you will create a more positive outcome. And as an organization, we believe in the anti-kill philosophy. And that is literally the belief that we should always seek a way to not use fatal or lethal force. We should always find a way to preserve life under all conditions. That's something you should constantly be seeking. Instead of righteous violence, find a way not to find violence right. Because if you don't, you will. There's always a way for you to say, you know what, because of my fear, I will now use this uh, as a foundation of some type of violent action I will take. And so where I learned this at in real life was actually protecting people. But what I first thought was all people needed was training. I thought education is all people need, just education alone. And I found out that you also need physical people that, to come out and help people. So we all need to work together. And the way I found this out was, um, in 1995, I started teaching self-defense in Detroit. What made me want to start teaching the families in Detroit how to protect themselves was uh, something I heard on the news. I heard a girl uh, watched her mother get attacked on a bridge. She was chased off a bridge in front of a crowd of people. It was about you know hundreds of people that were watching as she was chased off a bridge by some men. And I thought if somebody on that bridge could have been there trained in the training that I have that I could share with them, then they could have stopped this woman, this mother, from being chased off the bridge and her daughter from seeing her mom die that way. So what's amazing is there were, two, there were two heroes on that bridge that day. They jumped off the bridge into the river, which is about 50 feet below, and they actually tried to save her. And uh, they both failed, but they tried. That shows you there's real heroes out there. Had they had physical training, tactical training, they could have went to these men. There were, there were three men uh, around 300 pounds, six foot something. They had crowbars, and they literally crowbarred the door open and pulled her out in front of the crowd of people. And nobody was willing to go up against these three men with crowbars. And uh, you know, they may have had firearms as well. We don't know. But uh, those men eventually went to prison for life. So at the end of the day, violence not only took this mother uh, away and, and, and um, harmed this young lady, the daughter, um, but it also took away those men's lives. So all that was from violence. Violence is the true enemy of humanity. Violence. So we think about people, remember that it's not the people that are the violence that are the problem. It's never the people. It's always the violence they perpetrate. So it's not the organization. It's not just uh, some type of belief system or actions, excuse me, belief system of that organization or some kind of charter or policies or protocols. It is literally the action of violence that's really the problem. So if people were not acting in a violent way, you can solve a lot of issues. And if you can stop that violence, you can create positive interactions, non-adversarial interactions, and non-violent outcomes. And that's what we specialize in. So that was the impetus for why I started teaching in Detroit, teaching families how to defend themselves. And at first I didn't have any money, so I was teaching in parks, and I was teaching in, um, on the east side of Detroit. And I ended up uh, on the east side teaching in a community I lived in on the east side where I thought, you know what, these families are being home invaded and murdered every month in one square block. They called it Crack Alley. And so I, I thought it was the people that were the problem. I was like, you know, if people would just call the police and tell the police what's going on and work with the police department, that the police will be able to help them stop these issues. What I found out was the police are a law enforcement agency which means their job is to enforce laws. So you call them, they come there, and they enforce laws. Those laws that would, they'd be enforcing would be after they were broken. So that would be 
they're doing their job. They're coming in there to arrest the rapists, robbers, murderers after those things happened. What I was looking forward to, which is the same thing the families were looking forward to, was those things not happening. So those are two separate subjects. One prevents the arrests, one prevents prosecution, and one is the metrics by which we measure uh, law enforcement in our societies today, which is the negatives. We want, you know, how many arrests did you have for these negative outcomes? So what I did was instead of saying, you know, let's blame someone, I said, you know, why don't we make a difference? So I went to the building owners and I said, listen, there are home there's, there's home invasions, there's people being murdered in your buildings. Um, every month and the, the the guy who owns the buildings he said uh he said you know what's you know what, what do you mean i said well people being you know being killed in your home your businesses your uh you know you own all these apartments we're talking about 10 uh 10 buildings in one square block hundreds of families and this one guy owns most of the buildings and i'm thinking like in the movies you go talk to him and you say hey um you know here's a good good idea and we're gonna um help people and then the guy that's rich goes oh that's a good idea poor person go help them i will help you Here's some money. That's not how that works at all. And in fact, he looked at me and was like, hey, good luck with that plan. I was, he was like, this guy wants to help his people. I was like, I, actually, I'm, I'm from uh, a suburban town. I've, I'm not from the east side of Detroit. I have no idea what you're talking about. And he was like, well, good luck with whatever your plan is, because there's no way you can do something. And I've been here for 20 years, and it's been, I've not been making any money because people keep getting you know, killed. And, and home invaded, <laughs> kind of hard to make money when people are home invaded and killed. So I'm not really interested in helping you do anything because I'm not making any money here. And so he said, you know, basically no. And I was like, wow, what, what, what did I say wrong? I can't get the, the guy like in the movies to come help out and, you know, support good things. And what it was, I wasn't speaking the right language. His language, he doesn't care about safety for the family. That's not his interest. His family is safe wherever they live, not in Detroit. Uh, so. What he's what he's doing is providing uh, safety for his family where he lives, but he's not going to he's not willing to provide that safety for families where he's making his money. So what I have to do is get him to understand that, that if he does this, he can make money. And what I did was I told him I said, "Give me six months. I know you lost seventy thousand dollars last murder last month because people moved out. It turns out when people get murdered, the people that are there living around there they move out. So he was like, "Well, you know, you're gonna how can you stop home invasions and murders?" I, no one else can stop them. I said, well, give me six months. And I said, uh, I literally have no idea, but I did watch these movies. Um, those Charles Bronson. Um, I saw a lot of Charles Bronson movies. If you saw all those movies, you know what I'm talking about. You can do it. I believed it. I believed it. Charles Bronson was my hero. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what Charles Bronson did, and we're going to make this happen. But then I forgot. It, it's a movie. And... I was like, wait a minute, you can actually die here. Like, this is actually a real thing. And this is what actually happened to me is at one point, I realized, like, I, I'm not going to be rich at $2,000 a month, which is what the person gave me, $2,000 a month. And uh, he gave me a free 500-square-foot uh, facility to run my school out of my training center so I know how longer to teach self-defense in the parks. My survival system could now have a structure, so I now had a building brick and mortar with an indoor bathroom. So things have evolved. And what was great is I got $2,000 a month, which is, you know, basically I'm rich at that point. And um, so now I knew I was rich and I got a free apartment, which is also good. Uh, and I got a free apartment in each building in exchange for training people in the neighborhoods that would live in those buildings and then protect the building. So I had 10 people, that's one in each building, that could respond to the needs of the building together. So now I have a, a force of 10 people that are volunteers in the community 
They're being trained in my system so they can defend themselves and defend the families and do so legally. Uh, and then imagine 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there's someone to respond to your needs for safety from what is only out of uh, the, you know, 100% of the population of say 500 dwellings, uh, hundreds of families, only uh, a few of these people um, in these buildings are actually the violent people. Some are mentally ill, probably 50% are just mentally ill people that need to be in a hospital. The other 50% are actual violent predators. And we're talking about, you know, 20 people, let's say a, a number of 20 people. That's how small a group of people are. They can actually terrorize an entire community and make property values go down while simultaneously destroying the lives of thousands of people. 20 people can do that. And I'm, I, you know, from watching television and watching the news media, I really was misled. I really thought that there was nothing you can do and there, that's not true. What you can do first and foremost is treat people like they're your family. What would you do if that was your family members living in those buildings? That's all I did was looked at it like that. What if that was, what if I grew up in this neighborhood? What would I want someone to do for my family if people were being home invaded in these buildings? And I lived there and I was a kid and there were kids living there. There were senior citizens living there. And so when I went forward, I realized that, you know, death is definitely something that's real. So I had to accept my death in order to go out and help people. That's the thing that makes it not a business. So when you think about helping people, remember that money has to be the secondary thing. The most important thing has to be that you're going to help people. You can't help people because you're going to get paid. And especially poor people because they don't have any money and there's not going to be any great financial benefit in helping poor people have a good quality of life or working. When I say poor, I mean working class people who have a job. I don't mean poor as in you don't have a job. Okay, these are regular people. They go to work, but there's no protection for them. There is enforcement of laws after in a lot of cases, you know, if you get raped, robbed, or killed, the person who did it could get prosecuted. But if you didn't want to see someone prosecuted for raping, robbing, or killing your family, there really weren't much, uh, there wasn't much of an option for you. So what I did was I created a condition, a different, a different psychological position, and that was we're not going to allow those things. And we're going to use the law uh, in order to do that. So we're not going to violate anyone's rights because you don't need to. We're not going to violate any laws because you don't need to. You can actually use the laws we have right now and create safety safely. So that's the other fantasy that people have is somehow I've got to go outside the box uh, like Charles Bronson. He did go outside the box. Just remember that. If you go watch the movies, he, that's not realistic. <laughs> he did go outside the laws. So you don't need to do that. You don't have to go full Charles Bronson. What you can do is remember to think of people as family. So when people came and took... Um, try to go in someone's home or try to uh, uh, terrorize people. We would go there ahead of time myself, my dog. All I had at first was just a dog and me and a um, uh, long gun. <laughs> and, and so that's all it was, the whole army of me. And then it was one other student. So it was two of us. And then I got another student and we just went and protected the families. And what it shows you is you can actually create the change you want. You don't have to ask for what is right. Every one of us can make it safe for the families around us. And what happened as a result of making it safe was the wealthy people, the rich people, got richer. And why is that? Because we stopped all the home invasions and murders immediately. I caught some home invaders and I caught them by, by literally talking to them. I told them to sit down. You know, on TV you have to tackle them, I guess, and fight and everything. I literally could just talk to them, say, have a seat, sit down. They're like, really? <laughs> yes, you've home invaded. You're going to have to go to jail now. Have a seat. All right. Really? <laughs> yes, sit down. <laughs> they couldn't believe it. 
So it's, it's amazing. Will you have to fight sometimes? Yes. Yes, you will have to fight sometimes. But it's very rare because people uh, will try to find a way out of conflict if you'll give them a way out. And especially in their situation where they believe that you could stop them physically. So as long as they believe in you and they believe in your capacity to make to affect change, you can uh, actually create nonviolent outcomes and non-adversarial. Uh, so I say all that to say this, that from protection, prosperity is a natural outcome. It's not something you have to focus on. It's not the foundation of your successful protective environment. Your protected environment comes from your love of protecting the people that live in that environment. The results of that love will result in protection, which results in prosperity for everyone. The building owners not only made money, but the businesses in the area. Why? Because when you have more cons consumers, what do you have? More people to buy products. What do you have? What does the police department get? Less calls for 911, less violent crimes in that precinct than ever. So the police department wins. What does the city get? More taxpayers. What do the families get? A life free of predation. And it doesn't require violence. That's the point. You can create safety safely, but you have to care. I never cared about money. That's why uh, as an airborne paratrooper, the one thing I learned uh, after jumping out of airplanes and helicopters uh, for the government was that uh, money and hours don't really match up. You know, there's no like time card. So I did learn to be mission motivated. You have to put the mission first. And that's why I think the military for. I never cared about the hours required to make the family safe. So going forward, what I learned was that psychology was more important than physicality. I really thought the most important thing was to have training to make you superior in violence, to be the most violent, superior person in the room to do. I believe in something called ultraviolence. And ultraviolence is not the way. You don't have to be more violent. You don't have to be tougher, stronger, and more apt to destroy other human beings in order to be successful in managing them. That's not true. What I learned psychologically was that we can actually build a bridge towards peace by our thought process, and we can also build one towards violence. Our thinking creates our actions. Humans, uh, we as humans, are um, controlled by uh, subconscious thought processes, compulsive behavior. So when we think about what we do, what we think about, uh, how we believe in the world and how we think of the world, remember that all those things were programmed into you before you could even speak. And so we are all susceptible to suggestion, psychological suggestion. Most of our suggestions, of course, unfortunately, are nefarious and narrative uh, narratives that are negative. So we have to unlearn a lot of our thought processes, like Charles Bronson, <laughs> like all of those negative thought processes, because love literally is uh, the foundation of protection, and protection is the highest form of love. You will always protect what you love, naturally, with no training. You don't need any training. You will protect your family. You will protect your children. You don't need any training for that. You do amazing things for things you love. And you're motivated by that way more than hate. So think about that when you think about people that are defending themselves from intruders and aggressors. They're going to be a lot stronger than the aggressor because the aggressor has options. The defender does not. So when you're defending people's lives out of love for those lives, you're a lot stronger. Your commitment is stronger. And whoever has the highest level of, of commitment is going to win anyway. So now add a thought process and actions that are peaceful. And now you can win through your commitment and not find ways to righteously validate violence while simultaneously dealing with violent people. And that's what we teach now. We teach what took 26 years to evolve, which was preventive threat management. 
how to prevent threats by managing them. If I want to communicate with you nonviolently, I can do that. And, and you can respond uh, in a positive way. But once I fear for my life, once I fear for my safety, my community, once I fear for my corporation, once I have fear and I allow those fears to dictate my course of action, I'm going to fail to create peace peacefully. So what th preventive threat management teaches you is how to use psychology, understand law, and have the skills to escape, control, and mobilize physical threats, but most importantly, how to create non-adversarial interactions for nonviolent outcomes. It's literally the system. And so we have many years to develop this system in real life application, going to communities, corporations, and creating peace peacefully. And this is what we bring to the table, solutions. We all know the problems. They're in every country in the world. They existed throughout human society. Our objective is to take this system and through our schools, spread them to this country and to other countries to create peace peacefully, but showing people the methodology, understanding psychology, law, and skill in that order. If I want to communicate with this person who's violent or inappropriate and, and they're de-escalating, that's fine, but my body language could actually escalate them on accident. I can actually create an escalatory outcome just by the way I approach them, and I didn't mean to. That happens every day. So we teach how to project body language so you don't create an adversarial interaction, even by accident. How do you read a true predator? A true predator is never going to tell you who they actually are. They're going to actually tell you the opposite. Jeffrey Dahmer was one of the nicest people in the world. He talked to police officers very nicely. He talked to people very nicely, except the ones obviously after he you know, did terrible things to them. But he was very nice, very nice. Because extreme predators are able to have a high level of emotional intelligence that can trick you and deceive you. So we teach you how to read body language so you know a real threat from a false threat. And then we teach you how to use that information to create a non-adversarial, non-violent outcome anyway. So it doesn't matter if they intend to kill you or someone else. We're going to show you how to change their mind so they don't believe they can achieve that outcome. So if I want to create safety in my community and this person I think is a threat on my, in my, on my street, I don't need to approach them aggressively. I can approach them positively. I can go talk to them, invite them to a party that's not even going to happen. And then by doing that, I get their name, their phone number. <laughs> I, can, I can go and engage them in a very positive way. And the next thing you know, they think we're friends. So I don't have to go say, why are you in my neighborhood? What are you doing here? Why are you here? What are you doing? I don't have to be confrontational. I can, go, I can be in, 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 uh, a person who's inviting them, being inviting, and find out all the information I need to know on that person in a positive way. And guess what they'll do if they're actually a predator? They're going to have an excuse of why they're in your neighborhood. They're going to have an excuse about what they're doing. And it's going to be legally plausible. They already thought of that before they left the house. But they're also going to realize you're not going to let them walk around and do whatever they want to your family as, as well. But you did it in a way that was positive. And now the predator simply moves on because there's no perceived opportunity. So predation is based upon the perception of opportunity, not on reality. So the reason why people rob people they, that they choose to rob, the predators that do that, they're doing that because they believe that person is a good opportunity. And the reason they don't, someone else, they believe that's not a good opportunity. It doesn't matter what the facts are. It's a beast based on feelings of the predator. Your job is to make sure that you project to them, not my family, not my community, not my corporation. You project them what you want them to interpret so you can create the outcome you're looking for. So if you project soft, you actually can make a violent criminal choose you, which is what I used to do initially because I wanted to see the training work. I want to see my takedowns. I want to see knife disarms, gun disarms. So what I would do is I would entice them by being extra nice, by being so soft that the violent predator would think I was a good opportunity. Then... I would use my tactics legally 
to destroy their ability to function and cause harm, which is me actually creating violence. So I created the violence by, uh, by me attempting to use them as a rites of passage and a way of proving that my skills work. So I was actually creating violence by acting as though I wasn't going to be violent towards the violent criminal and that I wouldn't project myself and I was a trap. But what I was essentially doing subconsciously was creating the conditions for violence to occur. And if you don't wanna do that, you don't do that. You don't project so soft that you present yourself as an opportunity to a predator but you don't have to be confrontational at the same time. So that's really what we teach. It's a lot uh, because it's that's what it takes. Humans are the apex predator on this planet. If you're gonna manage them, it's not easy. It's very, it, there is some complexity to it. The, the steps are pretty easy once you understand them, but you know, just like the dog whisperer, the dog whisperer could go up and talk to a dog that's growling, a pit bull could be out of control. I won't do that. <laughs> if I see a growling pit bull, I don't walk over and start whispering. I get away from it as soon as possible. I'm not trained for that, <laughs> right? I need some dog whispering training before I run over there and start whispering at pit bulls that want to bite me. So what I want to do is share with you how you do that. How do you read? How do you project your body language? You don't create adversarial interactions. How do you not allow predators to get the upper hand on you as well? Very important. For people that believe that guns are the solution, remember, guns have never been the solution. Guns are also not the problem. There's no correlation between guns and human behavior. Uh, that's human behavior. If you take away the guns, there's no such thing as a safe prison. There's no guns in there and the prison is not safe, right? So if guns were the problem, prisons would be safe. And that's just not true. So guns are not the problem, they're also not the solution. The solution and the problem are the people, uh, the violence that people uh, perpetrate, and a lot of the violence is completely avoidable because it was unnecessary, because it was based on fear. And so that's the purpose of our training, that's the purpose of our systems we're bringing forward. Uh, Detroit, Detroit Urban Survival Training uh, is the uh, school that uh, is the mechanism of change. So training people, training police officers. One of the things we do is train police officers and tactics so that they can take people into custody without injury. So they can uh, create not just positive dialogue, but actually subjugate people without injuring them. We're very proud of the police officers that are, gave testimonials. They're online uh, on the internet testifying that our training helped them subjugate people not using weapons when they could have legally used them which a lot of officers do anyway, but we have a method of that. We also teach civilians how to get along with police officers, how to communicate with police officers. You don't have adversarial interactions with police officers. Very important, right? How you communicate with people in general, both police and the public, uh, coming together in training. That's what our training systems are for, so that there's a better cohesion between the public and the people. We cannot have freedom. We cannot have liberty or justice for anyone if we don't have a mechanism of education and training to create that bridge. And that's what we call this. We consider this the actual bridge. How do we go from where we feel unsafe to where we can actually create safety safely? And this is the methodology, the system for that. So if you go online, look up Detroit Threat Management Center, you'll see a lot of videos. Uh, Detroit Threat Management Center, Vipers program. Vipers is the bodyguard program. And essentially it's uh, an organization that um, has been committed to uh, protecting people for free that are that are, are regular people that are in danger. We protect people, domestic violence victims, stalking victims, um, and uh, crime witnesses, which I did not know that you can survive a criminal attack or you could be the family of them and the people actually come to kill you. And there's no protection for those people nine times out of 10. So we've protected crime witnesses, crime victims, um, people that want to go to testify against domestic violence situations. If you don't make it to domestic violence court, you uh, are often, um, the predator is often freed. 
So we want to make sure that women stay alive, children stay alive. We extract women and children from extreme violent situations. And all those are free things we've done for the past 26 years to keep uh, men, women, and children alive that are in danger. Uh, so that's how we know our training works is because not one person has been killed after coming to us for assistance in the past 26 years. None of our team members are dead, and that's also important, but the most important thing is the families that depend on us. And um, so what you're gonna see when you go through, uh, if you look us up online, look up Detroit Threat Management Center, you'll see a lot of uh, helping people for free. Uh, and the way we do that is by creating prosperous outcomes for wealthy people, by creating conditions where they don't have lawsuits, they don't have injuries, they don't have deaths. And uh, we stopped all the hijackings of uh, uh, different types of uh, delivery uh, products in Detroit. Apparently the mafia has been uh, hijacking trucks since uh, before Axel Foley and Beverly Hills Cop One, um, which I didn't understand why he was hanging out of the back of a truck, but apparently that was something that was really happening in real life. So those uh, hijacking stopped since 1998. We have not had one single hijacking, and we've been doing that since then. So we actually bodyguard those trucks every day. Uh, so we're proud that we can actually make it so we can create safety safely, even for corporations. But the byproduct of that is having the ability to help families and people that are in need and we look forward to sharing that with you. And again, uh, remember that protection is the highest form of love. So if you want to protect anyone or anything, just remember you have to love and care about people and humanity and that violence is truly the enemy of humanity. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great presentation. Wow, yeah. give it up, give it up. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. I don't know if you have, John, but I've actually had the pleasure of going to Detroit and training with Dale first, first in 2014, then again in 2018 with him and his team. And uh, it's, it's definitely a, a really awesome experience. Yeah, that's the real deal. It's not theory, hyperbole. It's like boots on the ground, literal and figurative. And I think it's just a next level way of thinking out of that violent reactionary paradigm into like a true state of control over you're in control over yourself which in turn makes it easier for you to control a situation so i think we have a lot to learn from that not just when dealing with threats but just when dealing with life in general absolutely let's go ahead and roll forward everybody this is day five again of the greater reset activation we have a speaker in just a moment here in person, Lady Liberty and her son. But before we do that, John's going to talk in a moment. But before we do that, we want to highlight a couple of the videos of the People's Reset Contest we've been telling you about. In the activation in January, all these people got excited. They started telling us, I pulled my money out of the bank. I'm growing my own food. I connected with the Freedom Cell. So this time we're holding a contest, which we've decided we're going to keep open through the weekend. So if you still want to send in a video showing us how you're changing your life and win up to $500 in Bitcoin cash, you can still do that on the website. But we're going to play a couple of clips from some submissions we got.
Wow, that one was epic. That one is really cool. We got one more we're going to play. Hold on, let's play the other one now. That one was really epic, awesome editing. They don't have to be that great, but that, that's cool too. Go ahead and play the next one. Hello, I'm Michela. No, I'm Fabrizio. And we're sending you this small video from our uh, windswept location near the sea. Voila. On the footsteps of the city of Melbourne in Victoria, Australia. You probably know about it because uh, we were in very harsh lockdown last year. Anyway, let's put that aside. Uh, we would like to share with you what we, the amazing benefits we received from uh, the Greater Reset earlier this year and the most recent D3 Disruption Summit. Thanks to John, Derek, Romano and the team that we don't know who the team is and all the other people who participated. I guess the most important thing is that that really urged us to make the step into greater autonomous, independent, self-sustaining uh, living. So we have purchased some sheep who are right here watching us, curious as to what we are doing. We have uh, increased our power supply. You can probably hear the turbines. We'll try and give you a shot of that. We've, you can probably hear the turbines spinning in the background there. We have started to strip out our computers and remove the uh, spyware that's on our computers, both for internet and uh, email. We're not much social media users. We have switched to uh, starting, we've just opened, sorry, we've just opened our Wow, those are awesome. Give it up for those folks again. And again, you can find videos and more on the website under the People's Reset Contest. We're giving you through the weekend if you want to submit a video. And even if you're not worried about winning the Bitcoin Cash, if you just want to share videos, we're going to put those out on all of our channels so everybody can take inspiration from each other. And speaking of inspiration, John, the next 15 minutes of yours, John's going to give us a special kind of mini talk focused on his thoughts on building community and organizing community. And then we're going to hear from Lainey Liberty and her son Miro right here in person in about 15 minutes or so. So it's all yours, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to do a little stopwatch here so I can stay timely because sometimes I can ramble. Although my talk the other day, I was I was I came in under time. Thank you. I do. You're amazed I came in under time or amazed with the talk? A little bit of both. Okay. Um, I do want to invite folks to participate in the workshop that we're doing tomorrow. So the formal great, well, actually the greater reset activation never ends. It's just always ongoing. It's not about the event. It's about the inspiration and the action and watching videos like those. Like I, I sometimes lose sight of the impact that this event and our work has on people and then hearing people's stories and how their lives have changed. It just really, really uh, fills my cup up and adds fuel to the fire. So Thanks everybody for sharing the stories because it's a lot of hard work to do this, but it's totally worth it. Um, I want to invite you guys to participate in the workshop that we're doing tomorrow. It's going to be five hours worth of workshops. One of the presenters will be Dale Brown. So we kind of heard an overview and some great stories. And tomorrow he's going to get into some of the strategies and tactics that you can employ in your life to develop that culture 
of peace through love. It's not peace through strength, right? That's like the U.S. military, Rawr, peace through strength. Wait a second. That's like double think, but peace through love. I love that. And we're going to hear from Lainey Liberty, who we'll be hearing from tomorrow. She's going to talk about shadows. Ramiro is going to talk about how to have greater sovereignty when using your computer and your digital life. And I'm going to be laying out some tips and strategies on how to manifest a life of your dreams. But today I want to talk about some big picture stuff, right? Uh, one of the things that I've been vibing on lately is big think. I get a lot of it from my boy Grant Cardone, the 10X guy, right? And his whole concept is to 10X your goals, 10X the activity, 10X the action, 10X your life. Not just like with business, but you don't have to have like this work-life balance. He's like, just have it all. And the dude has a private jet and he brings his two kids. They homeschool and they just hired a nanny and he brings his kids with, with him on the private jet when he goes to do speaking tours and stuff and visit properties that he's going to buy. So I'm like, goals, private jet, nanny, bring the kids. My daughter's here, which is great. It's always cool to have her here feeling the vibe and thinking big so big think yesterday i talked about was it yesterday beginning with the end in mind begin with the end in mind it's one of the seven habits of highly effective people it's also the concept with vision boards right and goals you write it down you etch it in stone you speak it you speak it to the world your goals what it is that you want to do and so one of the goals that i want to do one of the ends that i want us to reach is to have a confederation of intentional communities and eco-villages, kind of like the Hanseatic League, which was this, yeah. It was an alliance of city-states, really, and smaller communities that didn't have a nation-state central government. They just had a mutual trade and mutual defense compacts. And so throughout my activist career for the past, I've been an activist for like 20 years now, the first chunk was like truther stuff and wake up and Alex Jones ah, and Council on Foreign Relations, blah, 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 blah. Kind of come back to that, though, with the Great Reset, because it's like, man, it's bringing me back to my roots. They've really advanced their, the, the agenda since the early days, man. And they have this goal like 2030. So it's like 2030 is our big year. You'll own nothing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 2030, we're all going to own properties and intentional communities and be super wealthy and have our little Detroit threat management centers all over the place. And that's where we're going. Then I had this little political phase. It wasn't very satisfying, even though we did good work, but it wasn't, nah, it's not cutting it. And for the longest time, it was all about really how do we get from here to there, there being a genuinely free society where we align, we are in alignment with our fellow human beings through peace and harmony, but we're also in alignment with the earth through permaculture and regenerative agriculture. So like, how do we get from here to there? Well, one thing that I see is that there's a lot of people that really cling to what they see as security, the security and comfort that they get from the state, whether it's entitlement programs, whether it's law enforcement, or whether it's just having this feeling of self-importance because their person is in power or whatever. And I even think that applies to the Libertarian Party as well. They're like, we got our guy or my candidate. Candidates are running, right? We elected somebody, like three people. They lowered the budget 2.5%. Feeling really free. <laughs> so there's going to be people that aren't going to abandon the state. And if we want to be practical, yet idealistic, 
I think we need to figure out a strategy where we can peacefully coexist with those that like the state. I was going to say statist, but I'm trying to be nice and gentle and stuff, but we'll just say statist. People that believe that this, having a state institution, a monopoly on coercion that forces people to do things against their will, people think that's a good idea. And I'm not sure we're going to be able to convince them otherwise, right? We'll be able to pick off people from the margins, but for the most part, the masses, that lot of people that just go along to get along, they're content just to eke out their existence. Many of them are happy and satisfied with life and more power to them, right? I want more though. I want to change the world, the world really. Uh, people just would prefer to change the channel, I guess, but uh, that's okay. They can hang out. They can watch their sports and, you know, have a beer and do the family barbecue. That's great. We should be doing that stuff too and not taking ourselves too seriously, still enjoying life. But it's like, how are we going to coexist, right? So I would like to see us carve out little autonomous zones and leverage the power of strength in numbers to where we can reach a critical mass where while we don't have 50% plus one of the population that believes as we do and that is on the same path as we are, we have enough people to where we can collectively assert our sovereignty and do so in a way that avoids a Branch Davidian scenario little lone duck group of people that's a little bit peculiar and strange right but more power to them as well uh great netflix show that surprisingly was like wow i think this is pretty accurate the way that it portrays how that all went down and it showed the fbi and the doj and the atf as the bad guys which they were but it's not like we're going to go do our little thing in this compound in waco it's like we are going to let thousands upon thousands of intentional communities and eco-villages bloom all throughout the world. And these are going to be interconnected communities. We're not occupying the same geographic space per se, but we are connected through resilient financial and economic networks. We're connected through mutual defense. Should it come to that? I hear Ernie in my head, mutual defense. What does that mean? What do I got to do? What do you mean mutual defense? I got to show up with a gun or something? That's not what I'm into. I just throw that out there because it is an element of the puzzle. It's a piece of the puzzle. Defense. Defense from private criminals, right, which Dale Brown is demonstrating can be done with just a change in mindset, really. But the real challenge is like, what about the defense from the public criminals, the tax collectors, the so on and so forth. So that's the time. I don't know the answer The Ernie's like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, I don't know. I just say it because I think it's something that's important. But it's like, I don't know what that looks like exactly. But I do know that we ought to stand and come from a place of peace and a place of self-respect where we wholeheartedly reject subservience to institutions that we find to be unethical. And frankly, pretty useless, right? A bunch of terrible bureaucrats funding themselves and just wasting their own time. It is my hope that we can have enough people and that we can have enough level-headed rational people that can effectively communicate our needs such that perhaps each different region or area appoints an ambassador of sorts. And imagine, you know, the, the Freedom Cell Network has 22,000 people. We just experienced exponential growth through COVID from like one to 2,000 to 22,000. Hey, that's a 10X. Yeah. yeah. Woo. That's right. 
Uncle G. So I see no reason why we can't 10x again to 200,000. Or 10x again from there to 2 million. Right? This isn't like a far-fetched thing. It just takes time. And it takes each and every one of you guys helping us to recruit more people to the Freedom Cell Network. But I don't see any reason why when we have 200,000 people or even 2 million people stretched out all across the globe with concentrations in Central Texas and, and in Morelia, Mexico, uh, Michoacan, right? We already have our friends down there in Chedon. They're allies in Chedon. They kicked out the municipal police. They uprooted their city government and they instituted an indigenous form of governance and they're buddies with us like we go hang out with the elders and stuff they're cool we can have alliances with them but imagine we have 200,000 2 million people and the ambassador sitting across from the state legislator or someone in the executive branch of the state of texas and they're like you know uh i got like 200,000 people here and we're peaceful people we're good people we add value to the community at large. We're not hiding out in a compound. And we're kind of not going to pay our taxes anymore. <laughs> so we wanted to have this conversation with you to see what this transition to true autonomy and sovereignty might look like. Right? Maybe we throw in, there's a lot of us that are heavily armed. Maybe we just keep that card in our pocket. I don't know. But the idea is a peaceful transition to peace and freedom. And so maybe those negotiations are something like, okay, well, we still use the, the county roads, so we'll still pay the gasoline tax. Uh, if you, know, you really twist our arm, maybe we'll kick in a little on the property tax, just to be good stewards of some of the institutions that we still take advantage of. We don't want to pay for health and human services. We've been training with Del Brown for the past two years, so we no longer want to finance the sheriff's office or the local municipal police department. So what does this look like? How can we make this happen, right? And then they're going to be like, well, you got to follow the law because you're blah, blah, blah. And we're just like, no. No, we don't. And we're public about it, and more and more people are going to see that you guys are illegitimate. And this way of living is more legitimate and more in line. That's something that Samuel Edward Conkin talked about in the New Libertarian Manifesto. As these little agoras and pockets of freedom continue to proliferate, the people that are still living in the statist society are looking over at us with our smiles. We're not masked up and like having these little six foot poles to keep us away from one another. We're not living in a bubble. We're frolicking in the freaking daisies with beautiful abundant gardens and we're all healthy as can be because we subscribe to natural, natural medicine. And the other folks are gonna be like, well, I want what they have right? I'd like to escape this nine to five where I work a job that makes me miserable. I'd like to spend more time with my children so they're not in government schools, right? I don't want to fund my own oppression anymore or finance foreign wars of aggression. Why can't I have what they have, right? And perhaps our ranks will swell. And at the end of the day, if the statists still want to state, the statists can state, that's great. Do whatever you want, but we're going to do something different over here. So that's where I see things going. That's where I would like things to go. That's why I would like you guys to join me on this journey. We already are underway. It's happening right now. It's just beginning. We got to think big. We got to project into the future. And then we have to take action in the present that will help us increase the likelihood of manifesting that reality. So what are those actions? Joining the Freedom Cell Network is a great start. There's over 22,000 people. There's hundreds here in Central Texas. 
We have a bunch of little mini groups of eight people, inner cadres that link up, get together, build gardens in their backyards, go do meetings. We had a Central Texas land co-op meeting recently where all the folks that are interested in purchasing land cooperatively or together doing stuff, they're all got together. I mean, my girlfriend are buying 10 acres. Bill over here is in, in the process of acquiring some land. Everyone wants to do it, right? We're all working together to make that happen, right? So we got these smaller groups. We're linked up into a larger group. There's a group in Dallas-Fort Worth. There's a group in Houston. There's a huge group down in Mexico. And so we link up all the groups and we start doing stuff. We start putting the pieces in place to create that reality. We slowly but surely decouple ourselves from the institutions that so many people have grown dependent on. We start growing our own food. We start producing our own energy. We start educating our own children and the children within the community. We start defending ourselves. We start living a life that's more in line with our values. And we do so with a smile. And if enough of us can do that, and if we can support one another through it all, and if we keep our eye on the prize and we think big, 10x, 10x, then I see no reason why by 2030, we can't be, or before 2030, we can't be sitting at the negotiating table saying, how are we going to respect the sovereignty of these 200,000 or 2 million people? We require a peaceful transition, and we would like to discuss with you what that's going to look like. Thank you very much, everybody. Support for The Greater Reset comes from Bitcoin.com, your one-stop shop for all things crypto. New to cryptocurrency and want to learn the basics? Visit the Bitcoin.com starter guide at Bitcoin.com slash get dash started. While you're on the site, you can also download their simple-to-use crypto wallet, buy and sell your favorite altcoin, and stay up to date on all things crypto in their news section. The team at Bitcoin.com Bitcoin are strong supporters of the Greater Reset and the Cause of Visit Freedom. The site Visit the site and join the crypto revolution today, crypto revolution today at Bitcoin.com. That's Bitcoin.com. All right, let's give one more round of applause for John Bush. Thank you for sharing, John. Insightful as always. We're going to continue day five of the Greater Reset, building community and strong relationships. This next talk is going to be epic because it's a mother and son duo. And I think it's really important to this whole conversation. There's parents here. There's soon to be parents. There's We're all children of someone, right? So it's obviously an important part of talking about building community. How do we maintain relationships, healthy relationships as parents and as children? And Lainey and her son have been doing that all around the world. So please welcome Lainey Liberty and Miro Siegel. It is such an incredible honor to be here at the Greater Reset. Can you hear me? Ah, speaking into the microphone. So as I was saying, it's an incredible honor to be here at the Greater Reset Activation for a second time. 
And I'm even more honored to be standing here in front of you next to this amazing human being. And we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> so this talk today is for the parents here in Mexico, um, the parents in Texas, and the parents around the world. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> What I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you to take out, parents, a piece of paper or your phone, okay? And I want you for the next few minutes to write down those fears that you're experiencing right now. And it's important that we articulate those fears, that we put them into words. It's important that we create the language around those things. And so that's going to be my invitation to you for the next few minutes. And what I'm going to do is, while you're doing that, I'm going to hand the microphone over to Miro, and he's going to give you a brief introduction as to how we ended up in front of you on this stage right now. So um, continue to, to write because it's important. All right. So while that's happening, uh, yeah, for the sake of context, I think it's really important that I tell you a little bit about where we come from, who we are, what our background is. Um, we essentially wound up here accidentally. If uh, you were to have asked my mom or myself, you know, 11, 12 years ago before this whole thing really started, um, we had no idea that this is where we were going to be. So... I guess I'll just go right into it. So we're from California originally. Um, my mom uh, came from uh, a marketing and branding background, and she worked predominantly with green and eco companies. Um, she was a single parent, uh, a severe workaholic, um, working upwards of 80 hours a week to uh, appease her professional addiction. Um, I was a relatively normal kid. Uh, I attended a public school up until the fourth grade. Um, by all accounts, I mean, we were always somewhat alternative, but in the greater scheme of things, we lived a rather conventional life. So by all accounts, we were pretty privileged, we were pretty normal, um, but we still struggled to really reconcile that privilege with the fact that we, both of us, were so deeply dissatisfied with our lives. You know, she, uh, she made great money. She had her own business. She, we had all the material conditions that we needed to, or that society told us that we needed to live a good life. Um, I hated school. You know, my day-to-day -day life was a drag. Um, and uh, we lacked connection. So it was really hard to reconcile that, um, the fact that we had everything that we needed and we were still so deeply unhappy. And um, in 2008, when the economic crisis really rocked California and really the whole United States, really the whole world. Um, you know, my mom's business was one of the first to go. She worked with nonprofit organizations. And, uh, you know, we knew that we needed some kind of change. And in that moment, we decided together to very intentionally to take an adventure. Um, so she sat me down in the home office one night and, uh, she said, let's leave it all behind. Let's go have an adventure. Um, let's, let's sell everything. Let's live. Let's go see the world. And uh, of course, as a, as a nine-year-old at that time, I was, you know, ecstatic. It was, it was an easy yes for me. So we did make that decision together, but I mean, you know, it was kind of a given. Um, 
And so at that time, we thought we would only be leaving the United States for one year. Um, we thought we'd go on a year-long world tour through uh, Latin America. The idea was that we would travel down through Latin America and eventually reach Argentina. Um, spoiler alert, we've been traveling for about 11 years now. We still have not been to Argentina. Um, <laughs> but so that was the idea at the time. And, um, you know, we took off. We uh, Over the next six months, we sold all of our belongings. We gave up our home. We uh, found a home for our dog. So, I mean, this was, this was a real decision. And um, we took off and uh, travel was really the, the catalyst or really the economic crisis was the catalyst. But travel um, was the catalyst for us to change our relationship to one another. So it was really in that first year of travel, um, about eight months in, uh, in our year-long trip, we'd only made it as far as Guatemala. And uh, we knew we weren't, gonna, we weren't going back. We weren't stopping. This was uh, a pretty life, uh, serious lifelong commitment. Um, so we decided to extend our trip for it to be indefinite. And um, since we believed that we would only be traveling for a year, you know, my mom... In just innately knew that one year of travel would, of course, be better uh, in terms of educational value than fifth grade, right? She just knew that. Um, but now that we were deciding to do this, uh, you know, indefinitely, she did what any responsible parent would have done, and she started to research. Um, you know, now that this was a serious decision, we had to figure out what we were to do about my education, and uh, so she started to research and she was looking into alternative education of all kinds um, and she stumbled across this term unschooling um, and unschooling is essentially just the philosophy of learning by doing living as though school does not exist and uh, what more so what was even greater what was even funnier was the fact that we were already doing it this last year or eight months we had been unschooling. Um, I had no curriculum. We were learning by doing. We were, you know, letting the world, uh, you know, bring all of these opportunities for learning to us. Um, and so we realized it was already working. It was something that was a great fit for both of us. Um, and uh, so we just continued to unschool. Uh, we traveled for another few years down through Latin America. And it was around this time I reached my early adolescence. I was about 13 or 14. And I started to feel, you know, I love my lifestyle, but I was starting to feel this great sense of isolation, right? Like, you know, really struggling to find like-minded um, young people, you know, to find my community. And uh, so we sat down, we had many conversations about this. And, um, you know, we thought maybe, oh, well, let's go back to the States. Well, I objected to that because I knew at that time my community wasn't to be found anywhere. You know, that community did not yet exist in any one uh, space. And so we reached a conclusion that we had to make that community ourselves. And so we started to get very intentional in community building. Um, now, because we were travelers, the easiest way to do that was to build community in an online space, in a digital space. And so we began to do that. We began to curate um, groups, uh, you know, on Facebook, email groups. We began to curate all of these different things. And, uh, you know, over the next following years, we amassed um, thousands of, of like-minded parents and families that were inspired to take on a lifestyle like the one that we had uh, decided to take on. 
And um, part of that was we ended up running a business. We founded a business together when I was 14 called Project World School, um, which essentially aimed to bring young adults uh, to different parts of the world and create temporary learning communities where we were able to learn through cultural exchange um, and social learning. And, uh, you know, that was our way of creating a community. And so that, you know, went on for the next couple of years. Um, and up until recently, until the start of um, the pandemic, we were still doing that. And so we had to go on hiatus, of course, because travel was one of the first things to go. And uh, so here we are. Um, we wound up here accidentally, really. That isn't to say it was not intentional, but we had no idea where we were going with each turn in the path. And, uh, you know, I'm really glad that we're here and we have, uh, we've had all these experiences. So that's me. That's me. I'm the fourth grade dropout. Never attended a day of school after that point. Um, but that isn't to say I'm not educated, right? Um, I'm very self-directed in my learning and that's, uh, that's what I strive to do. And that's what I strive to do with my current projects. So. Thank you for that intro, Miro. <laughs> so our talk today is called 10 Tools to Redesign Your Family Culture and Educate Your Children Outside of the Government System, School System. And that is exactly what we've done. So before we get into the talk, I'm going to ask you guys to look at that list that you've been creating. And go ahead and put on one side of the list anything that deals with the outside world, those fears that are dealing with the outside world. But the fears that you have for the internal family, for yourself, and for your family culture, keep those in the forefront of your mind. We've got 10 tools here, and I guarantee you, that they're going to be, each of those fears will be addressed in these tools. Um, we know that we're limited with time here. So one of the things that we did do is prepare a document for you and you can have it for free. And at the end of this talk, I'm going to uh, give you the link so you can download that. So we're going to get to as many of those tips as possible. I want to say one other thing before we jump into this content. Um, Miro and I, Miro and I have spoken at about, I think we, we came up with 30 conferences more or less around the world over the last eight years, nine years. We have spoken in Greece, South Africa, uh, oh my gosh, U.S., um, a small group in Slovakia. I mean, we have Mexico, Mexico Spain. Spain, Thailand. And the times that we've spoken, every time besides now, we knew what we were going to say. <laughs> so the difference between those talks and what you're going to hear now is, is going to be paramount. So I'm going to share with you a philosophy or a tool or a tip. And Miro is going to reflect on two things. Number one, what it's like growing up living these tools or philosophies or tips, and number two, how it is serving him now as a 22-year-old adult. So uh, unscripted, I have no idea what you're going to say. 
So hold on. Let me. We'll figure it out. Sure. All right. So our first tip for you is to create your family compass. Let me get some water. All right, so this really deals with our philosophy of ditching the rules. This is about creating a family compass that is based on ethics and core values. And so in our family, we decided that we were going to be practicing a form of, of governance in our family called partnership. And it took us many years to actually kind of fully actualize what partnership meant. And, and one of the tips I'm going to make sure that we talk about a little bit later is going to go into this in greater detail. Um, but in essence, a partnership paradigm looks very different than an authoritarian paradigm. And within a partnership paradigm, that means everybody's needs need to be met. So you can be in partnership within a family of two people, within a family of three people, within a family of 10 people. It's absolutely 100% possible. And the way that you do that is through having the experience to dialogue about what your needs are and understanding that nobody's needs are more important than the other person. So when you've created an even playing field, it gives the opportunity for everybody to get their needs met. And we're not functioning under an authoritarian paradigm. Now, why is that important for today's world? We're going to talk about that when we talk about coercion a little bit more. But we are talking about raising free people with autonomy, with bodily agency, who practice consent that have a, a very safe space to express those things. Now, in the family is where these things actually really need to be expressed before our children grow up and become self-actualized parents, uh, self-actualized adults, <laughs> parents too maybe at some point. But the next thing that I really want to talk about in terms of the family culture is the strength and the confidence to live without rules. And that sounds like for many parents, a state of chaos. Does that sound scary to you? No, we've got some yeses and some nos here in Zihuatanejo. What is it like, Miro, living without rules? What is it like living in partnership? And can you tell us from the nine-year-old, 10-year-old, and even 15-year-old self of Miro who lived without rules? Absolutely. So one thing I would say about living without rules as a young person, as a child, is that you um, come to terms with the idea of natural consequences at a much younger age. So just because my mom didn't enforce, there weren't any enforced family rules. I didn't have a strict bedtime. I didn't, you know, have to, uh, you know, follow, I don't know, certain hygienic practices. That's a really big one, just brushing your teeth, right? A lot of parents uh, really stress about that. I would say I learned natural consequences pretty early on because she didn't tell me I had to go to bed at a certain time, but I understood that if I, uh, didn't if I absolutely stayed up, 
I would not feel great the next day. You know, it's just cause and effect. So I would say that was one thing that I learned really early on. And she didn't necessarily shield me from the consequences of my own actions. That was one way that I learned, obviously in a safe, um, you know, uh, nurturing kind of way. But that was one way that I, I was able to experience these things um, while still being supported. Uh, I would say another thing is definitely... I think we started off on the right foot. Um, my mom was always very interested in concepts of like attachment parenting and partnership parenting um, from a very early age. Now, that isn't to say that she always succeeded when I was much younger. And really, we only went into this partnership mentality. We really only took it to heart once we started traveling, once it really became apparent that it was necessary. Um, and so one thing was uh, she not only had to be patient with me, but she also realized that she had to be patient with herself. You know, she realized that, of course, she wasn't going to be the perfect parent all the time. And uh, so that philosophy definitely extended um, to her own experience as well. I would say, um, you know, at the same time, I, I experienced consequences early on, but I also experienced um, freedom. I experienced the ability to make my own decisions. I experienced autonomy at a younger age than a lot of my peers did. And uh, I think that that goes a very long way in your own uh, personal development as a young person. So I guess that would be one thing that I would say as to how it serves me now as a young adult. Um, and I guess I'm kind of acting here as a case study, right? Because I'm somebody who's been through it. Um, I would say that it's helped me a lot in my, in my professional endeavors and also within my own personal relationships, you know, now that I am uh, an adult and I'm branching out. So uh, I, I definitely think that instead of looking to someone to give me the answers, instead of looking to someone to uh, essentially tell me uh, what, I, what it is that I'm supposed to be doing, you know, I'm, I'm able to take that um, autonomy for myself and that sovereignty for myself. So yeah, it's been, it's been good. The next step that I want to share with you is choosing connection over coercion. And I'm actually glad you brought up the brushing the teeth thing because coercion can be big. It could be as, as we understand it as you do this child, you don't do this, right? I mean, it's, it could be a direct um, coercive statement, which comes from an authoritarian perspective. Or it could be these small coercions like brush your teeth or your teeth will fall out or brush your teeth or you're going to have lots and lots of cavities. And in essence, what you're doing is even though you're not demanding, there still is a Miro was very good at pointing out every time I applied a passive aggressive statement to him that was intended to shame or guilt him into doing something because I'm not perfect. And that was my programming that I was working out. He let me know, uh, he let me know. So he saw right through that. So even though we had applied and committed to partnership in our family culture, even when I slipped, even when I sort of backhandedly coerced, I realized that he was going to see right through it. 
So one of the mantras that I give the parents that I work for or work with is ask yourself before you speak the words, is this coercion or is this connection? And it may be somewhere on the scale and it's very, very subtle, but you'll know if it's coercive. You will know if it's manipulative. You will know if this is designed to fulfill an agenda that you have. And that's where we need to check in. So for those of you that saw the talk that I gave last uh, Greater Reset, I spoke a lot about sovereignty of thoughts. And a lot of this has to do with our own programming. We are programmed as adults, even as children, to the messages that are given forth to us through culture and society. And if these are not our beliefs, if we are using these belief systems to coerce or manipulate or to guilt our children into doing something, we then have an agenda, and that is coercion. Choose connection. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I think connection takes the place of coercion in a very intuitive way. Uh, I remember right when we left on our trip, we had a lot of conversations just very directly uh, about how we wanted to navigate all of these issues as a family, right? And um, I remember it almost began kind of as a negotiation. So we were both on equal footing. Um, she did not approach the situation as an authority, um, but instead as just another member of the family. And uh, early on, I remember and we might talk about this when we talk about de-schooling, right? Of course, coming out of school, I suddenly have this great sense of autonomy that I've never experienced before. What do you expect a kid to do? Probably give in to impulse, right? Just do whatever it is that they want to do that they weren't able to do before. And uh, that this was something that was actually mitigated a lot by this, this sense of connection uh, between the two of us because we essentially came up with this agreement, which was, you know, I'm able to do what I want to do and she'll support me in that. But the same applies to me. I also support her. It's a give and take relationship. And that, that part of it was very, very implicit in what we were talking about. And uh, so I remember, uh, you know, the first maybe year and a half, um, that was really my de-schooling period. And uh, all I want to do, I remember was, uh, and I'm sure you remember, maybe I'd, I'd talk about video games for six hours and she would just sit there and listen and support with endless patience, by the way. Like that is impressive as, as you parents know. Um, but there was also the flip side of that was I also went to museums. I went to ruins with her because that's what she was passionate about. And uh, I was able to support her in that by being there with her. And through that, I also would say I picked up a lot of interests um, just by adjacency, you know. I'm Now I'm fascinated and in love with classics and ancient history and, you know, all of these different things. And uh, I think you could probably trace that back to all the museums she, quote-unquote, dragged me to over the years. Um, but it was done in a very, you know, connected and, and uh, of course, friendly way. So I think that uh, that... That was such an incredible part of our relationship. And uh, again, I mean, that goes into learning 
those interpersonal uh, negotiation skills, being able to navigate those parts of your relationships um, as a, an adult. I mean, I feel like I've probably skipped over a lot of the heartache that a lot of people here have probably experienced. That isn't to say that, you know, I don't mess up, but I think I'm, I've gone over a lot of the pitfalls because of this. And uh, yeah, I'm incredibly grateful for it. I think it's been uh, integral in uh, shaping who I became. Um, yeah, I guess today, like I would say, it, it's helped me. <laughs> Thank you. I'd say it's helped me in uh, in my relationships, and it's also helped me, as I said before, you know, in my work relationships with others. You know, I think uh, instead of, uh, and of course, you know, there is that hierarchy. You do you do experience it in other ways. You know, you're you're going to experience it um, just with the way our society is structured right now. But I feel like you know, it's taken a lot of the charge out of it for me. You know, I, I don't feel less than anybody else because of that, because of some implied uh, status or authority. Instead, I, I aim to work as a partner. I, I aim to work as somebody uh, who has equal stake in things and uh, takes responsibility. So I think that that's been really big. Um, and hopefully my employers appreciate that. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you're watching. Hi, Luba. Um, yeah. So the next one I want to share with you is one that I'm really passionate about. And I just want to give you a little bit of kind of history. All right. So I'm well into my 50s now. And so that means when I was his age and younger, I was a punk rocker. And I was all about questioning everything. I was all about rebellion. I was all about that energy. And that really drove my entire adolescence. So what's it like when you've got a mother who is a former punk rocker who uh, now is raising children? What happens to those those belief systems or to those habits or to the the ability to question authority, the ability to question the dominant culture? What happens when we become parents? Well, some of that gets tamed, and I do um, admit that I obviously am not a punk rocker anymore, but that attitude has remained a part of the essence of who I am. And I can access that quite easily. And a lot of times I find that if the dominant culture says go left, I'm going to go the opposite way. That just happens to be how I'm wired. So I bet you're wondering what that looks like in, oh, he's bubbling now. <laughs> What that looks like from the perspective of being parented by a person who looks at things, questions them. Um, part of, actually part of our culture and part of the things that I taught you was to be able to discern what quote unquote, oh, yeah, yeah, what quote unquote truth is, what quote unquote reasoning looks like, and what quote unquote authority looks like. So Miro, how did that affect you as a child and how does that serve you now? I will say the, the attitude of questioning everything has been um, you know, really helpful, especially in an age of like such disinformation and an age of like rampant manipulation. I think that that's something that really has helped me and it's probably why we're here is because of that attitude in the first place. Um, however, I will say, um, I don't know, I think there's always the stereotype with teenagers of, you know, rebellion, right? 
And what, what does rebellion look like when your parent is the rebel? Um, so that's always been something. I remember this ethic of question everything has been very important to me, but I also remembered realizing at a certain point that sometimes to me it seemed as though my mom broke rules for the sake of breaking rules. And uh, that didn't really make sense to me. I questioned that. And so um, I came down to the philosophy of, uh, you know, break a rule if it doesn't serve you, right? And so that's, you know, with intention. I, I feel like it kind of stopped me from becoming a rebel without a cause, so to say. Um, but I think that, um, yeah, this, this criticality is just incredibly important nowadays uh, as a young adult. Um, also to be critical of yourself, to be, um, to be able to take criticism, to grow, to, uh, yeah, to build upon. And um, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's all I can really say to that. So we were just given the five minute mark. We were hoping to get through at least two more. We wanted to talk about de-schooling and unschooling, but it doesn't look like we actually have time for that. So I want to invite you. It's a, a 13 page document. It's yours. We list out what the 10 steps are, and we even include suggestions on how to start implementing this in your family. So please visit partnershipparent.com forward slash greater reset, or you could add the greater reset. Both will work. Partnershipparent.com forward slash greater reset. And I do want to, since we have to close, I want to say a couple of things. You, every single person who is watching this talk right now, parent or not, future parent, child, child of a parent, you were born for these times. Your children were born for these times. Encourage them to step outside of their comfort zones. Encourage them to question the, the, the authority and always reach for connection. The foundation of the next generation is being born and being raised in your household right now. If you have a teenager and the rebellious, congratulations, you've done a great job. You've done it right. Doesn't mean they have to rebel against you, but sometimes they do. Recognize rebellion is nothing to be afraid of, and you were born for these times, so thank you. Thank you, thank you. I also wanted to say, oh, it's all right. Thank you. Um, one last thing that I want to say, um, of course, exiting the school system was a part of our journey. It can feel really scary to step outside of that when you don't know any alternatives exist. Um, you can find us at Project World School. We've got a lot of information about that. Um, and I'm currently working with a uh, co-learning digital space for kids um, called The Hub. You can find us at thehub.community. So if you're interested in looking for something that'll serve you in, uh, you know, furthering the self-directed ethic, absolutely check it out. So we're online. We're always help, uh, happy to help. And uh, there you go. Do you want to mention the summit? Mention the summit. Sure. And finally, um, we were just invited to mention the event that's happening next week, which is the Project World School Family Summit. This is our seventh or eighth summit. 
We've done summits uh, for our world schooling community around the world for years in, in Mexico, uh, Europe, and Asia. And we are uh, creating a community of people to come together to talk about things that are important to us. Important to us like education, like family culture, like travel, like who we are in, as people in the world, these are important aspects. And so if you're interested, uh, prod, uh, go to worldschoolfamilysummit.com and join us either next week or at a future summit. Yes, one more round of applause for them. Yes, make Lainey, Liberty, and Miro, thank you. All right. We're going to continue on now with uh, the day. John's going to take our next speaker. All right. Thank you, Z. Watanejo, Mexico. Give it up for Lainey, Liberty, and Romero. He's got such a cool name, I couldn't even say it. I do want to remind you also that Laney Liberty will be presenting as part of our Saturday workshop that you can participate here in Buda. Just got to buy a ticket out at the door, or you can participate in Z Watanejo, Mexico. Or for our global streaming audience, we will be using Jitsi, not Zoom. I like Zoom, but my guys are like, Zoom's a big corporation, big tech, megalithic. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We're going to be using Jitsi for all of the Ramiro Romani types out there. And uh, anyone can tune into that. So you go to thegreaterreset.org, thegreaterreset.org, and there's a little menu there at the top, workshops, and we invite you to purchase a ticket so we can learn from Laney Liberty, Ramiro Romani, Dale Brown, and myself. Super excited to introduce our next presenter. He's a really swell guy, a really bright guy, and he's also a great teacher who has a community of hundreds of like-minded people who he is personally working with in order to teach them how to step into their true excellence. I myself belong to the community. Derek Bros is a part of the community along with Ramiro Romani. And it's like a 12, 13 week course. The dude can just go on and on dropping all sorts of intellectual haymakers, but it's not just intellectual thought. More importantly, it's strategies and tips on how people can fulfill their true power in life, whatever that may be. And very profound, prolific guy. He also is part of an organization called Autonomy Unlimited, and him and his team have been extremely fundamental in the success of this event. So much behind the stuff, scenes stuff goes on, and it's been an absolute joy to work with Autonomy Unlimited. They are looking for clients as well, always. They do marketing, promotion, business, all sorts of great stuff. Autonomy, the 12-week course, is also one of the sponsors of this program. So we are super excited for that support. The support's just coming in all sorts of different ways. And I'm sure some more support and value is going to be dropped on our audience today. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on Richard Grove, ladies and gentlemen. How you doing, John? Can you hear me? I'm going to guess. Yeah. All right. So I got a presentation here for you guys today. Let me press this button and go over here. We're going to talk about solutions and relationships and community building. And I'm going to first ask the question, why don't we have these things in place? Why do we have these needs? We're going to get into some of the infrastructure and the how and the why. 
but I think you guys are pretty well versed. If you've sat through this whole first week, you know, uh, of the conference here, um, you're going to see all sorts of problems being pointed out alongside solutions. So what I'm going to speak to today is my own personal experience is by no means the totality of how to do everything. It's not like a my way or the highway. This is just the slice of life that I'm bringing to the table through my experience in relationship building and community building over the past 15 years. And as uh, as we get started, I wanted to tip my hat to the excellence of this conference. So much value is given out for free. And this is the second conference of this type this year. There was also the D3 conference. These types of conferences are important because they stimulate you at home. Uh, you are making it possible. You are carrying this knowledge beyond our words here uh, and taking it into the world with your actions. That's very important. I also wanted to thank uh, I wanted to thank the team, the tech team that's bringing it here. And I also wanted to thank, uh, thank uh, Derek and John and Ramiro and Lawrence and uh, Justin for making this all happen on our end, at least. And the esteemed colleagues that I've heard speak throughout the week. I'm friends and colleagues with many of the speakers. There was a couple that were new to me. And the project range is refreshing. It's inspiring and it's invigorating. I think it's everything the greater reset is all about. So I wanted to start tonight with the, uh, or this afternoon with the big picture. Let's look at the big picture. It looks something like this. You are here and this isn't uh, how we planned things. If we had uh, a couple more decades on this planet, like such as myself, uh, this is not how we saw the future. We saw dystopian films like Brave New World as a warning. Great, uh, 1984, that's a warning. Uh, Fahrenheit 451, uh, everything being controlled through telescreens and the burning of books. Those are warnings. Unfortunately, we live among people who took it as a business plan. And they have put these sort of uh, fascistic, totalitarian elements into play. So the problems we're facing are multitudinal. They start on the individual level. They creep into our family. They keep us from having holistic communities where we can have cogent communication and actually get things done, do projects, these sort of things. Has a severe effect on small business. And without small business, you don't have much freedom or liberty. As a, as a forensic historian, looking back over time, uh, there are not many experiments like America where we have the rights and privileges that come with a society where we have some semblance of logic and reason and the foundational elements of human rights outside of a piece of paper, just because we have learned how to think over the past couple hundred years on the topic of liberty and philosophy. And then freedom itself is at risk. This is not just like if we don't do the things we need to do right now, things get better automatically in the future. They have... <laughs> AI, they have uh, drones, they have autonomous technology that they want to use, and they're going to need far less people. And that's also a part of the plan. There's a popular the depopulation, there's a eugenics plan at play. Many of you are conversant on these, uh, these topics, these subject areas. So I want to focus more on, you know, some of the other elements that are causing the problem, and then we can just get into the solutions. Censorship being a major problem these days. <clears throat> You see it on the table with COVID. Uh, there's a lot of areas where if you spoke the truth in the past year, you got deplatformed, you get demonetized, you got depersoned, you got delisted from being able to use Amazon or Airbnb or these other places. Uh, Epstein, that case, that's another high degree of censorship. The, uh, the Biden laptop, another example. The Assange, that's a more long running case of censorship and suppression with WikiLeaks. And then in, in my opinion, from my experience, in my learning curve, it goes back to 9-11. There were unprecedented events that happened that set into motion a chain of consequences that brought about the Patriot Act, severe restrictions on human and civil rights in this country, uh, mass surveillance, all sorts of things 
that we didn't have in the 20th century that, uh, you know, one year into the 21st century started to permeate our lives and still do today. You take your shoes off at the airport, you, uh, you submit and subjugate yourself to go through those processes. And it's, it's a bunch of nonsense. It's not about science. It's about the compliance. We see that also with COVID today. So let's ask a question. Why do they censor? They censor so that their propaganda can go unchecked. The censorship is like the Air Force coming in and dropping carpet bombs. You know, the censorship, let's clear the field and then they can send in their infantry, which is propaganda, which goes unchecked. Everyone just takes the story that they're told as the truth because they're denied a comparison or contrasting perspective whereby they could actually learn. So the world is changing. It's always changing but it's changing at a, a pace more rapidly than ever. We have new restrictions. We have the erosion of our rights and liberties as they have been handed down to us. We have a lot more economic uncertainty. Uh, Biden's about to spend another $6 trillion that indentures future generations. We have crumbling infrastructure and they have allotted money for infrastructure, but it just goes outside the country. Uh, we have a loss of the fact-based reality. We live in a post-fact era, they started to claim a couple years ago. I think that claim stands to be rejected. I think that if we lose our fact-based reality, we can no longer communicate meaningful things to each other. And that's where we can't build relationships and we can't build communities. That's where they want us. So how do we get out? How do we get past the learned helplessness that they have indoctrinated us with over 15,000 hours of public schooling? These are good questions. Also on the radar, the loss of individualism, the rise of collectivism. What does that mean? That the individual is inferior to the group. It's antithetical to everything that America was founded upon as far as ideals of liberty and freedom. We also have the technocratic or techno, uh, uh, techno technopoly aspect. Uh, a technopoly is a technocratic or a totalitarian technopoly. I'm sorry. A technopoly is a te totalitarian technocracy as defined um, in uh, several books. So there's the rule by technology aspect, and then there's a totalitarian use of that rule by technology. It's not like, you know, some utopia where the computers are helping everyone live longer, better lives. No, it's going to be more like Logan's run where the computer says uh, you need to go to the carousel and die at age 27 because the computer can't assign enough resources for the group. But it's all based on a lie. Spoiler alert. Uh, you got a lot more psychological warfare and propaganda going on these days. We're also suffering under that depopulation agenda, which is food and uh, personal control over human beings. Really, they just want to centralize slavery. So what do we do? We need to have a plan. We need to have colleagues. We need to have a network. We need to have activities and actions that lead to goals, getting things done, because I think we're a little bit behind in this race. I think the race can be won, but it has to be won through methods, strategies, tactics, principles, and human action through cogent communication. And it would have already been done if the pieces were in place to make that happen. So in the absence of those pieces in place, let's make a plan. Let's find a way to go forward where we still have a future that has freedom within it. All right. So in order to do that, the individuals in the world, we need skills, but we're not getting the skills taught to us in schooling. We're not getting them on the job many times. We're not getting them handed down from our families. So how do we get it? Well, those skills are taught in small communities and such wisdom is carried out based on relationships of truth and trust 
And integrity demonstrated over time is how you build trust. That's a main element missing in our society. So to have community, we need you know, these common things. We need food. We need education for ourselves and for our kids. We need mutual aid sometimes to do projects larger than ourselves. We need to develop our own technology that's off of the Google-type platforms of the, the centralized technocracy. So I call this Community 2.0. What does it consist of? What are the ingredients? What are the, what are the individuals who are coming voluntarily and volitionally into this group structure? What do they have to bring with them not to be a drag on the group? How can they bring value? And then you get people who bring value together and amazing things happen. So you need self-responsibility, the ability to respond. You need some group intelligence, meaning not groupthink, but that aspect of the mastermind where you have a problem and other people who have solved it before come and bring you options so you can have more freedom. More options in that case is, is improving your choices. Um, there's a whole bunch of aspects to the community 2.0, but if you have these elements of conflict resolution and, and cogent communication, if something's going on, how do we succinctly and non-ambiguously communicate that to other people? Those are built through relationships. The other aspect is we basically just have to decide and grow our own culture. The culture that they offer us for free is toxic. Just like if there is something on the internet and it's, it's free, you're the product. They're, they're harvesting useful data. Data is the biggest market in the world right now. So you have to go offline, create your own culture in real life with human beings. But we can also, we don't have to be Luddites, we can use technology to our advantage to be able to do this and drive it forward. And that's where it gets really exciting. It's like, let's limit the downside, the liability side of technology, and let's up the asset side of technology. You know, how can you use these elements for freedom and not slavery? That's the basic question. So we need strong individuals, critical thinkers, creative problem solvers. It needs to be decentralized. We're not looking to build silos of hierarchy. That's kind of the problem. And people need to have an attitude of no excuses. I call it, uh, you know, I refer to it as Kaizen, the continuous process of improving. None of us is perfect. I don't need perfection on hardly anything I do, but it does have to be good enough. It does have to exceed expectations. It does have to be done right on, on time, these sort of things. But Practicing excellence, whether you're taking out the garbage or servicing a client, is a good habit. And it's all about building these habits. And you want other people in the community who have these habits likewise, because it's like oil in the in the engine. It won't run very well without it. It's going to overheat and it's going to break. But if you oil the parts, they move very smoothly with each other. That comes down to building relationships and communication. I mentioned in, uh, earlier about trust and integrity. Let's define those terms really quickly. Integrity is doing what you said you would do by the time you said you would do it. It's a very simple thing. And then trust is doing that integrity thing consistently over time. If you can learn to build those habits within yourself, you're going to be very attractive and magnetic to other people doing likewise. And you're going to be surrounded by excellent people who are achieving their goals on a regular basis. And that's going to be a, a much more satisfactory, substantial, meaningful experience than probably watching Netflix or playing Fortnite. <laughs> Individuals need to meet in reality. We're all taught when we're kids, don't talk to strangers. And then we're forced into indoctrination where we're involuntarily around people we wouldn't normally voluntarily associate with. So a lot of people have shyness, introversion, coupled with their learned helplessness. 
It's a sticky wicket. So what do you have to do? You have to learn certain steps. You need a methodology. How do you meet people? How do you build rapport? How do you identify problems? How do you make a plan of action? How do you gain an agreement and move forward? And how do you build that plan out with integrity? If you can own that methodology for yourself, you now can go and do that for yourself, for other people, aid and, and, and abet in situations where otherwise you'd be too shy or you wouldn't want to speak up. But now you know how to get things done and you know what done right looks like. So you just start taking actions and it doesn't have to be perfect, but you should conduct yourself with that idea of Kaizen, that excellence. Without these skills, can you be effectively creating relationships or creating and maintaining communities? The answer is not likely. And this is why most people are in broken relationships and they don't know their neighbors and they don't have the help they need and they feel helpless. And I do have a time in my life when I felt like that. We'll talk about it in a little bit and then we'll figure out how to move you forward from that. But we can't meet the needs that we have with the absence of skills. So I had to learn how to outgrow that problem on my own. It was an arduous, uh, painful, confusing process that I wouldn't wish on anybody. And that's part of the reason I do what I do. It's like I, I, I encountered the terrain without the, the markers for the pitfalls. I at least like to come back to the trail and say, here's a pitfall and here's how to avoid it. I think that's useful. I think that's just neighborly from where I come from. Yesterday in the uh, day four, Mike Swatek said something to this effect. It was a paraphrase I wrote down. You have to educate yourself on the problems in order to envision the solutions. I spent a large part of my career focused on the problems because they needed to be discovered, understood, be able to be conveyed. What's the evidence? There's a lot of work to that. At a certain point, about 10 years ago, I discovered it's not just about the problems. We also have to mix in the solutions and the solutions, just because you know about the problems, the solutions aren't obvious and they need people to take the first steps and show and, and kind of like lead the way, even if you don't know what you're doing, because it needs to be done. So. I wanted to take you through the process since I'm talking about uh, community and relationships. I have built several communities during my time in the, uh, the, the post-corporate hive world that I used to work in, and I had to learn these things on my own. I'm hoping that some of the tips uh, and methods and, and some of the actions will help you make sense of how I got here and then how you could do likewise or anyone else can really do likewise because I don't possess any special skills that allowed me to do what I've done so far. So I have a couple of community case studies. I just want to focus on the actions I took, the people I met, and the relationships which led to strong community and the benefits that came from that. My before picture. Think of somebody you know that's extremely successful in the corporate world but has no clue how the world really works. That was me. That was me before I had reason to start thinking for myself, to start acquiring books, first edition copies of all the statecraft that was going on that I was not heretofore educated on and read my way forward. My before picture is I worked as a corporate enterprise sales executive. One of my clients worked in the North Tower of the World Trade Center it was Marsha McLennan and my office was on the 96th floor. I was there that morning and because of what I saw and experienced, it led me to question uh, my reality. It led me to question the things that I've been told and taught and schooled on and reinforced by the news when in fact I had uh, seen things that morning that conflicted with what everyone else is being told as the official story. And as I dug in, I found more 
evidence, not less. And it led me on a journey that brings me here today. My after picture is a little bit longer. So 2001 was not a space odyssey for me. Um, it did spur me into reading. I hadn't read basically anything since school. I was in the corporate world. I was making good money. My reading was very light. I had no idea about uh, the CIA secret wars over the years or any of the, the, uh, the you know, deep state history. I had no idea of uh, Anthony Sutton and Carol Quigley and John Taylor Gatto. I was basically someone who could read, but I had no idea what I should have been reading to know what was going on. It was a very slow, painful learning curve. I didn't have any points of reference. I saw things and then learned things through research about the people I worked with. And I had no one in reality to kind of, you know, there was no, uh, there was no one blazing the trail in that area at that time. I didn't know about Alex Jones at that time. So for me, it was just a lot of uh, reading, searching, the feeling of being lost, alone, without a compass, without a map, and without any guidance. There was no mentor in that situation. There was no authority. That was, it was, it was crazy to me. It wasn't like you could just call the State Department or some group and be like, here's what's going on. There's the people at the top, they profited and, and gained power top down. They're not interested in investigating. They're interested in supporting their public myth, which is what they created. So I realized at a certain point early on, probably by 2002, that I needed to bootstrap for myself. I need to figure this out for myself. I have aptitude. I needed to focus it on this topic and learn about the problem in order to create a solution. In the midst of that, I had taken another job because the World Trade Center and that client that wasn't going on anymore. So by 2003, I'm in a different job. I'm selling Sarbanes-Oxley software that prevents companies from deleting files that would otherwise let them launder huge amounts of money. The software I was selling had a back door in it. I became a whistleblower under that act. I was a federal whistleblower under the Department of Labor. And I was a pro se litigant for several years, which also taught me about the legal system, the nature of these corporations and how they play ball with everybody else. I did a lot more reading. I still didn't really have up or down yet. I just knew that there was a lot of anomalies that are factual and actual outside of the public narrative, but it was just a bunch of dots and I couldn't make the big picture out of it yet. 2004, I discovered a book by Carol Quigley that was a suppressed book up until 2004 uh, when it came back into reprint. It's called Tragedy and Hope, The History of the World in Our Time. There's a couple specific sections in that book that are very telling about this supranational globalist endeavor to control the entire population of the world and everything on it. I wouldn't recommend reading that book, though. I'd recommend this one, Tragedy and Hope 101 by my friend Joe Plummer. It's basically a Cliff Notes version of Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American establishment. That will set you on a pace to actually understand in a reasonable, rational, evidence, an artifact-based way what is going on today. But 2004, I didn't know what to do about it. Also in 2004, it was like skull and bones versus skull and bones for president. And I was not, I was not, because uh, I was hip to skull and bones by that point and their massive endeavor to corrupt the education of America. So I wasn't going to vote for either of those guys. I caught this guy, Michael Badnerick, and he's, uh, he's on C-SPAN or some channel like that making his pitch. And I understood from his perspective, libertarian economics, libertarian philosophy, that type of political uh, granularity on rights and freedom versus slavery. 
really attracted me. So I started moving forward in that. And I never, I voted for Michael for president and I never voted again after that. And then uh, I was pleased in 2019, Michael was a student in season one of autonomy. So uh, we got to hang out. He came to the Red Pill Expo. He's the one in the cowboy hat, if you can't tell. All right. So I started to connect the dots and a big picture started to emerge. So finally, in 2006, I made my first publication. That's 15 years ago this weekend. It was called Project Constellation, and it's a message to the future of America. You're now living in the future, to which I addressed uh, that, that message. So that started me out. I created a podcast after that, um, started to make friends. There's 9-11 Synchronicity podcast I started in 2006. From there, I published it out to iTunes. It's still out there, amazingly. I started meeting allies like the guys from Loose Change, and now I started to see that my dots overlaid with some of their dots, starting to get a better big picture. Project Constellation was all about, uh, let me just click back to it. It's about taking those dots and finding out what is the picture that these dots make. And it's, at, it's more closely resembling actual reality than what they show you in the news. All right. so. From there, I created my first community because I had an outlet, I had an audience, and people had needs, so I started making offers. The first audience uh, offering I made was called a think tank. So in 2006, I created a community, had about 250 members. It was interactive, immersive, intellectual, immune system stimulating for your intellect. I also uh, published uh, the Peace Revolution podcast, Right after I did 9-11 Synchronicity, this started in 2009, I then launched a magazine, which was interactive, but the audience wanted something faster and like real time. So we created a community and that community still runs today. It's had about 3,500 or about 3,000 people over the past 12 years. Uh, some notable early people, um, James Corbett. Uh, he had been podcasting for a year, I think, when he had joined Pilato, Abby Martin, Jay Dyer, Lee Camp, a whole list of people that were in there early on and that we are all exchanging information, learning from each other. It was such a great melting pot of information and activity and activism. Um, and then my first example is uh, we did crowdfunding from that community. So that's how I produced the ultimate history lesson in 2011. I didn't have the money to fly John up here and hotel route, like all the things that we had to do, didn't have money for it, but I knew how to ask my audience. I knew how to make an offer that was compelling. And then we used another fundraiser to print the DVDs afterwards. So there was one for the travel and there was one for the DVD production. John did amazing things during that interview that I hadn't seen in any of his other interviews. And I was just so, so thankful that friends of mine could get together and we can make that happen because we had some ideas, we talked about them, we made some plans, we raised some money, we took some action. And that action is still out there educating people. Today, you can find it, it's out of stock, I think on Amazon, but it's free on YouTube. I still have it free on YouTube, the entire five hour interview. Also along the way, I met Ernie and Donna Hancock, who run Freedoms Phoenix, a very inspiring community that helps people out. There's Ernie and Donna there in the middle. Ernie has a sticker behind him. And I, when I was in studio, it says, no fear, no fear, no fear. And he and Donna did my wife and I a service, and they helped us get through the fear of being parents in this crazy world. And that's why when my son was born, I was wearing a T-shirt that Ernie and Donna had made. It says, stop wars. It's got Uncle Vader on there. It's a pretty cool logo. All right. So meeting people along the way, building relationships, establishing communities, raising money and doing cool things. Here's another example. 
Bill Benny. We didn't have a budget to interview Bill, but he needed somebody with uh, good microphones, lighting, and cameras to let him have the stage. So being able to bring productions to the public through the community, that was cool. But I also wanted to up my value in giving back to the community. So around 2015, a friend of mine came and said, you got to check out Tom Woods. I said, oh, the libertarian podcaster. I know him. I know his work. I'm a fan. He said, no, no, he does entrepreneur stuff too. He said, you got to click the happy earner. And I clicked the happy earner. I started reading Tom's emails. He made an offer. We did some business. He made more offers down the road. We did more business. It was it was really good to help me focus on not just the problems, but how do you get solutions out there as well? The reason I was transacting is because he was providing me with the information that was useful so I could take the next step. So the third example is we did another interview. Uh, this was with Hector Bereas. He was a DEA whistleblower who worked on the Kiki Camarena case, Operation Leenda. And through that interview, we wrote a script, we copyrighted uh, the script, and then it came to market through Netflix and Amazon. Netflix is more the unauthorized version of the story and the Amazon is actually Hector in the, uh, the documentary. So being able to go out and capture whistleblowers and get them in front of larger audiences, that's also substantial, but I felt I could do and offer more. So in the Tragedy and Hope community, I created the Entrepreneur Expertise course, and it was a uh, it was a section of the community where people could discuss and share ideas, and I could drop some lessons. But I wanted to offer more of what I knew and had experienced because I had useful skills from entrepreneurism and corporate world, and I had subscribers that were telling me that they're struggling to make the $15 a month payment. I'm like, that's silly. We could just provide you with methods and get cash flow out of the picture. So I made an offer. I didn't have a logo. I didn't have a website. I didn't have anything other than a description of what I was going to offer. And I made it to uh, the email list that I had. So my thinking was without self-reliance and agorism and libertarian economics and the essential elements of entrepreneurism, we're always going to be dependent on authority. So we have to build these sections out. So how do we do it? Well, I figured out how to do it for individuals and I figured out how to do it for small businesses. And then we put those two things together like chocolate and peanut butter. We also realize that you don't need a magical piece of paper to read your, to get your goals. You just need some training, some coaching, access to the methods, and you need some experience. You need some time in the dojo. So the most understated, unadvertised aspect of my autonomy course is the community that comes together as a function of these people taking the training. So one part of its lectures, another part's the integration exercises where you practice with the other students, uh, another part's uh, a serious section of Q and A's during the week, but all the cool things that I don't plan on, they happen from the students talking to each other, solving each other's problems, helping each other out, supporting each other, looking over first drafts, giving uh, feedback, these sort of things. So the course is designed to provide lifelong learning for a lifestyle of liberty. How do we get that done? Well, we teach you how to use your five senses to observe the real world. So you don't have to depend on what they're telling you on these channels. We teach you how to listen, how to think, how to solve problems, how to create solutions, how to enlist the interest and attention and action of others, because that's also important in relationships and community building. The idea is to have self-management, self-responsibility, and self-optimization. We'll talk about that just a little bit. Uh, and that generates your self-reliance and self-esteem. Self so the self-esteem, self-confidence that people are looking for, it's there for the taking. It's a few actions away. And if you do those actions um, in a ha habitual way where you do it like once a week and you start doing that consistently and investing in yourself to make these, these jumps and these leaps and bounds, 
then you can really start to see rapid change. So the idea is for people to transmute their fear, their procrastination, their learned helplessness into knowledge, understanding, experience, and wisdom and move forward and be a bright, shining light in the world. So the secret sauce of the course is the community. It's a fear-free community where individual journeys combine magically. It's not magically. It's just human nature. People hear other people having a problem. They have a solution. They offer it up. That's it. It's like getting out of our own way so that this, it's getting the noise out and letting it just be signal to signal. So by creating a system where people are mutually respected, they treat each other with excellence, being excellent to each other just isn't for Bill and Ted. These cool things start to happen that couldn't happen in the corporate world, can't happen in school, aren't naturally happening in the communities. The community is a place where you can feel and be heard. You can be seen, accessible, encouraged, inspired. You can be unlimited in your potential, which is the true state of your potential. We put a bunch of artificial limits on the things that we can do. Being comfortable, being known, being trusted. These are all essential elements just of human connectivity that have been broken down in the past year by COVID. How do we build these back up for ourselves, for our families, and for our communities? We also have a Skillshare. And I don't even have time to go through this, but it's like everything people need to do to make revenue online, we have the bits and pieces of how that tech stack comes together. That's very useful. So when I talked about Community 2.0 about a half hour ago, all those elements that we need are elements in the autonomy course. All those pieces of tech, those are elements at Autonomy Unlimited that they help with small businesses. So between the individual and the business, we're going to fortify freedom. I have one more example. I just mentioned Autonomy Unlimited. That's the marketing and consulting company that we created because we have all these excellent trained people graduating from Autonomy. We have a place where they can be freelancers and work with um, the people that uh, the clients who have these needs and do business online. Clients like John and Derek, as a matter of fact, and Benny Wills and several others. So the whole structure reduces the, uh, the friction for the client. It means that they can get more done easily and fewer relationships that you can have more trust in and are easier to manage. There's a whole list of things that Autonomy Unlimited provides for its clients. Everything from social media management, shadow hosting, media production, course creation, whole, you know, whole long list of everything that you might need for a client. And then uh, we created it last year. We did over 100K in business, but more importantly, we also did over $100,000 in pro bono work for the Freedom and Liberty community because that's the major problem I see. People have a marketing problem here. We have a sales and offer problem. People have ha hangups around asking for their own true value. People are out there spending money on it every day, a lot of times on trivial things. Don't be afraid. If you have something substantial, meaningful, and timely to make your pitch, you should believe in yourself. You should believe in your solution. You should believe that other people can pick up on it and learn and improve their lives if you've built it with integrity. Uh, some of the people that we've helped out, I just mentioned Derek and John, Michael Badnarik, Mike, uh, Mark Passio, Jordan Page. We helped out on the, uh, the D3 conference a couple of weeks ago, many others. So we're helping people directly in the freedom and liberty community get their messages out to a wider audience so that they can have an education faster on the things that you need to know to survive and thrive in this world. So for individuals, autonomy, it's getautonomy.info. And for companies, small businesses, family owned especially, autonomyunlimited.com is where we handle those clients. And because of uh, the success of those two things, I was able to say, yeah, I admire the evidence of the, the excellence of this conference. And I definitely wanted to be a sponsor, not just a speaker. I wanted to put my money where my mouth is. So 
the lesson over and over is make an offer, set the world in motion, start helping people see the brighter tomorrow and help them map that dream to reality through specific plans of action that move them closer to their goals. Do it for yourself, do it for others. When you do it for others, it's value. You can get paid for it. Lastly, I started the Grand Theft World podcast. It's a podcast about all the news that's going on that's relevant, but being censored and deplatformed. We like to bring that together into a nice little time capsule. It's been going on about six months now, and uh, it's long form content, Sunday nights live, 9 p.m. GrandTheftWorld.com is where you see that. The page looks something like that. And you're going to need tools for your journey. I don't want to send you off toolless. So you need a skeleton key for success. You need a Swiss army knife for life. I have uh, something to get you started. But first, I want you to think about Sisyphus. As Sisyphus labored, he grew. And soon, he outgrew the boulder. That's the whole thing. Our problems will stay the same size. We have to outgrow them. We outgrow them through learning. And learning is the antidote to fear. And fear is how they control us. So this is really important stuff. What's your next step? Well, you could get the 19 skills for success, not taught in school, and that'll ease you on your way pretty slowly, but you got to start somewhere and you've got a lot more support and options than when I started out back in 2001. And if you adopt a no excuses attitude, you're going to be unstoppable. And I want to see you in your unstoppable mode, <clears throat> your unstoppable mode. Look at me getting worked up for you. Options for individuals, autonomy for small businesses, autonomy unlimited. There are the two URLs. And thank you, everybody at The Greater Reset for doing what you do. And I look forward to seeing the rest of the show. Support for The Greater Reset comes from Autonomy. Join navigator Richard Grove along with the passionate community of like-minded individuals for a journey of self-discovery. Autonomy is a 12-week interactive course that will help you to unlock your limitless potential. Experience the benefits of immersing yourself in a culture of excellence. Join a vibrant online community. Interact in real time with instant feedback and support. Make friends and forge powerful business partnerships. The course is open for enrollment now, so sign up today at getautonomy.info. That's getautonomy.info. All righty. Wow. Give it up for Richard Grove again. Give it up for Agora, the cute little dog. Look at me. Look at me. I'm so cute. I'm so cute. His name's Agora. The other dog I used to have, his name was Murray Rothbark. So then we had another dog called Rosa Barks. But she would bite my son. So we had to give her away. But we didn't tell the people that got her that she was a biter. One of them got bit and got... It was really bad. I'm just kidding. It was a little tiny puppy. This is a watch party from Switzerland, ladies and gentlemen. This is a global network. 
We're super excited to have our folks from all over the world tuned in. They got the projection screen and everything. Looks like they're having a good time. A lot of beautiful people. So thank you so much for everyone watching in. If you send us your pictures from your watch party to the Telegram chat or wherever, we will be sure to show them. All right. Uh, shout out Richard Grove. Yeah, the Autonomy Unlimited crew has done amazing work with me personally, with Jordan Page here, Derek, Ramiro, and they've helped immensely with this production. So if you're looking for help with your business, with your organization or endeavor, they can help you take it to the next level. Extremely professional, great to work with. And if you want to take advantage of that course that they're doing with an awesome, vibrant community, I've gotten a lot out of the community just alone, not to mention the content. Check that out at getautonomy.info. That's getautonomy.info. All right, without further ado, let me introduce the leader of our next panel discussion, which is all about intentional community. Can't get much more important than intentional community, in my opinion. That's literally where the rubber meets the road. So I'd like to bring up the one, the only, the lovely Rebecca Powers. Come on down. This is an amazing, incredible woman. She's a sales manager, community support lead at an intentional community herself, a tiny home community here in Austin, Texas. And she has just been so sweet to me and she's a powerhouse and I love her with all my heart. So she's my girlfriend too. She's not just like a speaker. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Wow. He really likes this next presenter. All right. Have a seat, my dear. And uh, let's go ahead and bring up Ernest Hancock, the one, the only. We've seen from him a little bit. He's referenced a lot. Obi-Wan of the Liberty community. I'm going to keep saying that until it sticks. Okay, and I'll let Rebecca introduce our next two speakers. They're going to be coming in through the stream. So we have a panel on intentional community. And Rebecca, I'll let you take it from here. All right. This is a topic that's really exciting um, for me personally. And I'm really glad that we have the participants in this panel because everyone brings their own unique experiences. Um, obviously, each intentional community has its own purpose and higher vision. And, you know, so many people want to live in intentional community and talk about living in intentional community. But when it comes to action and actually doing, there are so many challenges and obstacles and the entire, you know, system right now is almost like making it hard to connect with people in the land. And it's like illegal to harvest rainwater in places or to harvest your own energy. It's just wild. So um, hopefully at the end of this panel, we'll each have an opportunity to share a bit about um, our experiences in the intentional community realm and um, also where we can go moving forward so that more individuals, more communities uh, thrive and flourish. I don't know if Chloe and, oh, there's Mark and Chloe. Well, um, who could possibly introduce themselves better than, you know, yourself? So, <laughs> um, Ernie, do you want to go first? And then we'll go to the um, two who are virtual and you'll be able to share maybe in You got to give me an eight less. timer because I'll go forever. How, right, how long? Yeah, let's just do three minutes where you kind of one Save to three the minutes. Planet in three minutes. Like, what's your experience with intentional community? Why are you passionate about it? Um, I'll bring it down to this. It was my understanding that what I could, when I started doing radio in 03, 
We've been in Phoenix, Arizona, and now we're on different networks. We're traveling in the Love Bus across the country, meeting with people. And the main priority was uh, everything that we've done distilled down to two things. Well, really one, property rights. The purpose, that's why my show is called Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock, because the Declaration of Independence <clears throat> as a young man when I was 28 in the late 80s, and I got exposed and just starting to, what the heck is really going on having our fourth child? We now have 12 grandkids, so I'm invested. <laughs> and uh, so what we did, I read the documents, and it said the only purpose of government was the defense of individual rights. When it didn't do that, it was time to alter or abolish. It was your right. It was your duty. <laughs> Sign my crap up, man. I'm all over that, you know? So that's what really guided my, you know, activism. What I realized was that um, it was always the pursuit of happiness was what we were supposed to be given, and we weren't supposed to worry about any. There weren't the, the people that were to protect us from being locked down, protect us from curfew, protect us from forced, you know, inoculations and notions and potions from the crown stuck in our flesh. To protect us from that was this government thing that we were agreeing to. When the Biley, that's why Freedoms, I'm publisher of Freedoms Phoenix, host of Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock, lovebuslibertytour.com, and pirateswithoutborders.com. You want to know what our philosophy is, you read the letters of Captain Mark and Reprisal and so on. We did that so that I could skip to the end and say, look, this is what I'm looking for and why. Well, those white paper kind of things have developed into software, apps, different things that we're doing. And the trip is property rights. Do I own myself? Is this in, you know, well, the, the man can come in and kick in your door, or they go past your picket fence or they, whatever, but all kinds of arguments. Do I, can I say and have an agreement that I own what's inside my skin? Is this mine? That property right needs to be done. No mandatory vaccinations. That is, that's our primary goal. But along with that is, if it pleases the crown, may I occupy my own land? You can put the tent in front of City Hall and they'll wash your, your crap into the gutter for you and pick up your hypodermics or whatever. But if you take that same tent and you go to your land that you own without a permission slip from the crown, you go to jail. And I'm like, when the hell did that happen? So I can see in this final point that the goal, a lot of people, they'll spend all their life raising family, you know, sending their kids off to government schools to be indoctrinated. They'll go through all the tax pain and all the stress and strain of whatever, so that by the time they're 60, 70 years old, they can get a tiny house and live out in Lone Prairie and be left alone. I go, why don't we start off with that? You know, what? why is it that we're not just, you know, you watch YouTube and they'll take a bamboo forest and build a mansion with one little, you know, Chinese kid, you know, I'm going, oh my God, just give me time and pressure, man. It's like shot and redemption. Just give me the time, give me the place, leave me aloneism. I'm good. That's what we're focusing on. How do we get to that point to where I can go on my land and be left alone? It's a battle we still have to fight. That's what we'll be talking about. Amen. Thank you for that. Yes, that was a great way to start off. Uh, next, let's go to Mark. And then after that, we'll um, hear from Chloe. What inspires, what's your experience in the intentional community space, just to kind of set the stage, and what inspires you about intentional community? 
Sure. Um, my experience in the intentional community stage is really focused on the idea of creating it, building it. Um, you know, I'm the kind of person who was crazy enough to walk out into the middle of a GMO corn and soya field nine years ago and essentially experience what it was like to take over a GMO cornfield 20 minutes away from downtown Montreal, 88 plus acres that was completely barren. I had no experience. I'd never built anything on my life. I'd never planted anything in my life. I've never uh, designed anything through permaculture. I never built a community of this kind or nature whatsoever. And at the exact same time, I walked out into this field, planted a tree and declared I would build the school I wish it could have gone to and the community I wish it could have grew up in physically and digitally. And so that journey uh, is something we call the Valhalla movement. It, it evolved into Valhalla Farms. We evolved into a co-op. We started as a nonprofit. And over the years, uh, I'm quite literally sitting on the land in a little cabin in what we call our bistro or alchemy bistro, where we serve uh, coffee. We're doing farm table dinners here soon. We're build literally building a deck for 40 person dinners outside. And we're essentially building a counterculture, which ironically in 2021 is like the mainstream culture. It's, it's weird how that happened, but it really became like, this is one of the places where normal is now found. And so my experience is really all the ups and downs of that, right? We've done so many things right. We've also done an amazing amount of things wrong. We've made so many mistakes, um, but we're really transforming and regenerating this soil, this land um, into a permaculture and a market gardening uh, paradise or really building a 150 person community because it really is an experiment in what it is to bring forward what we call freedom culture which is to empower and encourage all individuals to spread their unique gifts of the world right what would it look like if we built 150 people tribe based on dunbar's number and if you don't know what dunbar's number is it's basically they're studying um native american tribes and at what scale they would start to fracture or what scale could they maintain bonds of trust and love and connection without necessarily splintering. And so tribes back in the day would get to a certain scale and eventually they'd fracture back down into you know, smaller tribes, mushroom up maybe 150 past that, and then eventually fracture and continue to grow and spread in that way. In the same way that nature spreads. And so our goal is to, to see what does it look like to build that community? What does it look like to employ that community or to employ people to follow their passions, uh, bring forward their, their um, entrepreneurial spirit, bring forward their art, bring forward what it is to them, their gifts to the community. And so it's been a beautiful experiment. Um, it's it's going incredibly well. This year is insane. It's amazing how many people are showing up all the time. Um, there's more and more energy and there's more and more enthusiasm than ever before uh, when it comes to building intentional community. And I think, you know, there's so many challenges that come with the finances of that. There's so many challenges that come with the richer generation of that. And there's so many challenges that come with the agreements of that, uh, many of which we face. So. You know, I'll leave the floor to, to others, but, uh, you know, physically building an eco village in Montreal is a short story. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, your project is truly inspiring. Just so incredible. Um, next is Chloe. I met her through the Austin Permaculture Guild. Now she's running the whole systems network. Chloe, introduce yourself, please. Hey, um, yeah, I find this to be a particularly fun call uh, for a few different reasons. I think the first reason is because um, I have been, at, I've asked John and Rebecca to speak at my different events and I've spoken with them at different events like Paleo FX, things like that. And they invited me onto their panels and stuff. So just really appreciating that vibe. And then also, you know, my, um, 
short story like what i usually pitch to people is like hey i'm chloe and one of the first places that i landed was the Valhalla movement and um one of the reasons is because of mark capola so i just find this to be such a fun call because uh Valhalla movement and mark really opened my eyes to a lot of this world and that was uh eight almost nine years ago for me so that was at the beginning and i was just a 19 year old i was looking uh you know for different ways of living and i found greenpeace and i i dropped out of college and i was like you know i'd rather just tie myself up to a tree in the rainforest than to go to college where i'm not learning the things that are essential for humans and the earth to survive so fast forward i go to valhalla movement and i just learn about community and what what really is needed for that to, to form like mark said like they didn't really know what they were doing at the time and i was helping them figure out what they were doing and that in itself was really nourishing for me as a 19 year old to be like oh you know there's skill sets in that so after that i became involved with the global eco village network i became one of their regional coordinators i talked to people that are building these all over the world i went to go visit many of them and then as Rebecca said, I also uh, co-directed the Austin Permaculture Guild in Austin, Texas, and uh, just really flourished in those environments because, you know, I think intentional community is the way that we can save the world. I mean, to keep it short, <laughs> um, you know, and I wanted to show y'all while we're on this call, I, I just recently launched a crowdfunding uh, with my partner, Leone, who has also grown up in a community, La Cité Ecologic, also in Quebec and New Hampshire. Um, and she is my person that I'm doing this with. So I'm really excited with that. Oh, thank you for sharing the screen. And we're ready to take our next step, which after all of this awesome background um, and teaching other people how to create their own eco-village. Rebecca also took that course and promoted it on the last grader reset. Uh, but yeah, as you can see, you know, eco-villages have a positive impact and there are just so many reasons why you should support them. And for ours, we really want to keep business at the center of that model. We want to keep research and case study at that model so we can show other people this is possible and inspire them to do it. That right there is the conference center and it's going to be 3D printed. We have a guy that's working on it with natural materials. So we're really stoked to also uh, bring that part into the equation. And this is going to be outside of Asheville. So I uh, would love for y'all to support it or at least check it out. And thank you so much. Absolutely. And there's just so many different projects happening all over the world. It's super exciting. Um, but, you know, we're here for the Greater Reset, and it's all about alternatives. Um, the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum, there are messages about sustainability and, you know, creating a regenerative future, but the means in which they are achieving or aim to achieve um, really take away personal sovereignty and our ability to grow our own food and, you know, pushing people to the city. And our approach is literally the opposite, like leaving the city and, you know, creating your own alternative governance models and having people that you can interact with who each maybe play a different role, but you all come together for a greater whole. And it's like a voluntary interaction that creates a 
really sustainable and even regenerative future. And, and that is hard to achieve. So I think one by one, maybe we can each shed light on a different topic. But Ernie, you have extensive research and you speak about um, how can we vet people and like know that we're with the right people and that they have a strong reputation. Um, maybe in under five minutes, you can express <laughs> the, how to go about that. You know? another the, um, this has been a very, very genuine concern for Donna and I, because everybody wants us to join their community. Oh, Ernie, man, Donna, man, you guys bust ass, man. Come over here. No, we need you to plow our fields, you know? And I'm going, okay, well, yeah, put me on a backhoe. I'll clear a field and everything while you work on my bus. I mean, you know, so it's been uh, a negotiation. I need a negotiation nation. You know, I want the nation, I want to be negotiated with as an individual. I want to be negotiated with as a sovereign entity that, you know, okay, what's the, what's the deal I got to have? I want to know what I got to do. You know, how, how do we, is that no, it's 45 to your forehead and you're just going to do it. Oh, okay. It's like that. All right. All right. I just want to make sure we all know. So as time went on, if you go to pirateswithoutborders.com, right before the, there's a, we have our pirate ship, spaceship. There's an animation of it. It's really fun and everything. But it'll, it has, you know, we have a book on Amazon and we have, you know, bad guys. Anyway, so you have uh, right at that as it online. You just click on it. And it's letters of Mark and reprisal. Captain Mark and his first mate, you know, the pay reprisal, you know, whatever. So her last letter is called Scuttlebutt. And Scuttlebutt in pirate terms means kind of like water cooler gossip kind of thing. And what we put in there, I got tired of trying, no, you're doing it wrong. Oh, I would like this. Can you add that to your software? I'm like, you know, I said, look, man, this is what I want. Second letter, Captain Mark, cryptocurrency, pirate money. I need pirate communications. Number three, hailing frequencies invisible to the ground. They don't even know I was talking, you know. So we set that up, you know, the kind of the things that we we're observing and what we want. Well, scuttlebutt is about this. What if you had a Yelp or an eBay rating on individuals? And it was weighted by, you know, the opinion that you thought, you know, if John thought somebody sucked, they might suck, you know, or if he liked them, everybody else said they sucked. Of course, their, their resume for being a pirate from their rap sheet from the crown. I mean, you know, that, that, now that's a minimum job requirement for pirates. I, I don't know, you know. So weighted, I would put John's opinion way above, you know, some sheriff or something, right? So we needed some kind of software or something that would do that. And I... And it didn't exist. And it still doesn't. There's people working on code. We have a lot of people working on different things. But I wanted to be able to out the sociopaths. Because whenever, when we started the, you know, the Ron Paul Revolution is going, we're around, everybody, oh, we're going to do the, you know, the libertarian commune of the central plan of freedom of whatever the heck over here. And I'm like, yeah, okay. But uh, uh, what we did it before, it was great. And I go, well, what happened? Well, there was this one guy. There's always that one guy. There's always that one woman. There's always that one thing. There's always that one teenage kid that grew up and has the dirt bike that likes to go up and down. The guy. There's always that. How do you do that? So what, you know, John was referring to before is what I say when I do my interviews and I'm talking to people a lot about this. I say, what do I have to do? What am I prevented from doing? What's your conflict resolution? That's all I want to know. You answer those three questions. I don't know if I want to go there. Or you're going to have to, well, I don't want to do that, so I'm good. 
Well, you can't. Well, I wanted to do that. That's why I wanted to be OLO and do that. And they go, and then if you think you're in the lines, and libertarians embrace technicality. I mean, you know, so they're always pushing the line. So they'll be doing, hey, man, you can't do it. Says who? So how do you have this kind of who? Backhoe broke when you did when you were doing it, you know, that you know, it's a, your response. How does this work? So then you can get in the smaller, and then I start finding that it's a family thing, it's a love thing. Yeah, you, you can do tough love, you can have a lot more tolerance with people that you grew up with or you raised or part of family, but you have to be cognizant of the idea that there's going to be a bad guy coming in because they see people of good heart as victims. And it's your weakness when it really is your strength. Because when you act out of love, I got to put my six pack down and I'm turning off the game and I'm getting off the couch. Oh, and that fly was bugging the living crap out of me. I'm not, I'm putting the game on pause or whatever. I'm going to get me a fly. Well, that's what's happening. We're now at the point to where we have to decide how are we going to manifest our humanity in love and compassion and do well, under what conditions and with whom? I want to out the sociopaths that mess this up all the time. We didn't even know they really existed. We didn't even really know it was a physiological thing. We didn't know that it was a lack of empathy and compassion that saturates government, you know, that that's what we were up against. It's evil. We are up against bad, bad. So we want to protect ourselves from that. So that's why I always ask that. What do I have to do? What can't I do? What's your conflict resolution? That, that's why I'm here to ask these guys. I always have these guys on, on my radio show. I'm like, hey, tell me about that. Up in Canada, they're doing you know, this stuff. Okay. Don't you want to know the answer to those three questions? Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing. Yeah, there's just so much complexity when it comes to creating um, an alternative community structure. And part of that is making sure that you can really connect with the people who live out there in a deep, uh, meaningful way. And that all circles back to understanding the underlying purpose and the reason you're there. And, you know, if there's conflict, here's how we're agreeing to resolve it because we're here for this bigger goal. And um, we're co-creating and collaborating with one another in order to achieve that. So how do we know, you know, who's cool and who's loyal? And um, it's really complex and hard. Um, Mark, you actually have a community, and I understand y'all are scaling. Um, so how did y'all invite people in? And, like, how many people live there now? Is it set up as a co-op? Like, do you just own the land, or does the... Um, you know, community each own their own share. How is that set up um, for the Valhalla movement? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a thousand ways that it's set up um, because realistically it's an organic process. Like everything that we're doing here on the farm, everything grows organically. And that's not always the best case. That's not always the best way. It's not always the way we want to do things. Um, but at the exact same time, it's the way that it actually naturally works out. And so rather than fighting the forces of trying to go in one direction or another direction, what we would say here is that we're kind of a duocracy or meritocracy, right? The type, the person who does tends to decide. And as people continue to get involved, as people continue to show up, we have built structures that are for, forming a co-op. So the co-op is they're all together owners of the business and we're all going to have our own share of land. That's the idea where you can invest in that land. And eventually I even see us integrating with cryptocurrencies um, and a blockchain so that essentially 
We can have in and out of the land. We can have an economy through our community, right? Because that's what community is really good at. I mean, we all have different skill sets. We all need each other in some ways, but how can we keep that economy internal as much as possible in certain moments and then external for what other things that we obviously aren't growing here or obviously don't have access to here uh, in the same way. And so we've grown organically um, and we've tried different versions of it. Look, we went through every nonviolent communication uh, workshop you can think of. We went through sociocracy. We did all kinds of committees and meetings and all kinds of different structures. But realistically, um, aligning people and running it a little bit more like a business, uh, I would like to call myself a philanthropist, so a business owner that has ROI in, in, in the, you know, it's more kind of known state of return on investment. And then the other ROI of ripple of impact. And so we're funding small scale entrepreneurship and the kind of passions and projects that people have, but centralizing the information of those projects so that they're not overlapping, so that one project doesn't, let's say, get in the way of the next project, or that there's cohesion within the community itself. Now, I think the biggest thing that was super successful at our farm um, and at our community is that we were here and we opened to the public at this point every Friday and Saturday. So there are people living here. There's six people living here at the moment. We're building an eight-bedroom house um, shortly. And so we're going to have a lot more people living here. Uh, and there's a ton more people who cycle through. I think last weekend, we were over 100 people who came through the farm. Um, so there's different stages of commitment and understanding that people have about the community. There's different levels of comfort and responsibility that they take. But, you know, the biggest thing that I can express as, as one of the founders or as the founder of this community here is you got to find a way to enable people to take responsibility um, and a way for people to feel a sense of ownership and feel a shift from I to we to us. When people kind of start seeing themselves truly within the community, they start acting in accordance with that. Now, there's always problems. There's always going to be little issues like who washes this dish or somebody broke this thing or somebody took and misplaced this other piece or whatever it is, right? But we find ways to kind of put people in place to kind of deal with that community and the resist the resistance that sometimes we might face the friction we might face in connecting with one another we find ways to kind of move through it to address it to have systems and 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 ways to go about that now i can bore you with all the ways that we accept members all the different ways that we kind of accept projects but at the end of the day people apply we receive it in kind of council um, it kind of goes through our business plan. It goes through the kind of future plans that we already have. And it goes through the existing filter of agreements we've already made. So, you know, I think the biggest thing here that you want to look for in any community is integrity, right? So if you're going to say that you're going to do this project, you say you're going to move in that direction, you really have to commit to that. But integrity is a two-way street. So the person who has the project has to get to a certain point before they receive some of the benefits or before they say they receive some of the funding from the community or from uh, other investors like myself, who's a, kind of a, an angel investor in this community in many ways. So um, there's so many layers of, of agreements and so many layers of that. But I honestly, we, we feel that what works the best is it's a duocracy. The person who does decides. And there are many people who decide in many scenarios and there are many projects going on every single moment. I mean, right in front of me, I see somebody cooking. I see somebody building a deck. I see somebody planting and watering trees. I see somebody um, you know, you know, preparing uh, camping sites. I see all kinds of different things happening all at the exact same time. And having that sovereignty, having that integrity with what the projects are and having to some degree centralized coordination is very, very helpful. Thank you for sharing. 
Yeah, another challenge, and I'm hoping, Chloe, that you can kind of elaborate on this. The pursuit of self-sufficiency is so challenging. There's so many complexities um, with setting up resilient systems to harvest your own rainwater or to create a microgrid. Um, Chloe, I know you have so much experience traveling to different communities across the world and a wealth of knowledge with the Global Eco Village Network. Do you have any tips or resources how people can learn what type of building material or what, you know, food forestry and what to set up on their property based on their geographic location and maybe like the most efficient forms of um, building for energy consumption or passive heating and cooling? Um, yeah, I think at first I'd like to step a little bit back and one, just uh, follow up with what the other two said. One, just for people that have never been an intentional community or eco village, it is a culture shock. One, it's a culture shock to go into one. The next is if you stay more than a week there, it's a culture shock to leave one. So when you're going, um, you know, like I, I've I've spent a lot of time in one of one of these places, and then just even going to the gas station or the grocery store outside of it, or a busy city even outside of community, you know, you just you feel the coldness again. Whereas when you're in one of those spaces, it's so warm and inviting. Um, secondly, you know, I talked to Robert Gilman, who is a person that founded the term eco villages. And what he says is something I want to follow up on what Mark was saying, which is these are spaces of innovation. You know, there's not, there isn't a right or wrong. And I think that's what really Mark was getting at. And there's a million different ways to do it. Uh, what I will say, though, is that these spaces, um, without recreating the wheel over and over, they're able to kind of learn from each other as they're happening and then evolve. So we're all evolving it together. And there's so many di different experimental things happening in those spaces. So I just I find it really interesting. And I do say that there becomes a dogmatic aspect of living in community if there isn't any definition of decision making or power structures in play. And sometimes one person can, you know, take over because they're maybe more charismatic or they feel like they know how to do things more right. And I do want to just advise communities or people trying to create these places to have, you know, some type of like, hey, are, is everyone feeling heard enough? Is how are we participating in this? How can we participate more in a way that we feel nourished and fulfilled? Um, so to Rebecca's question, I that is not my strength, to be honest. I, I love the social sphere, but I learned a lot, I think, through different permaculture guilds, taking my per permaculture certification and eco-village design certification. Um, I actually just got involved with a new group called Civil X, and that's a project that they're really working on is creating a video game that you can actually go to these sites and ask for resources. So I think the more that you just open the book and be like, what is out there? One thing I will say is I love Earthships, and that has, um, you know, made my path through these nine years. Like every different place I've been, it's something to do with Earthships. So if you haven't heard of those, look into that. And they incorporate a lot of different types of structures. Um, Hempcrete's really cool. It is very expensive, but of course, trendy. Like you can do this like same or similar stuff with coconut husk if you live in a, a warmer uh, tropical environment. 
um, you know, I, 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 it's such a broad, <laughs> a broad topic that I don't know how many different aspects I can get there. So I'll leave it at that. But if you have more specific questions about it, I, I'd be happy to answer. Awesome. Yeah, the first uh, part of your uh, response there, you were speaking about how warm intentional communities are. And for anyone who's experienced an intentional community, like once you get a taste of that love and connection and fulfillment, it is impossible to not have a stronger appetite. Like it's so fulfilling. It's challenging. Um I was hoping that we could each share, and we'll start with Ernie, why we believe that intentional communities are so meaningful and why it's important um, so that we can build a more regenerative future. We're sharing mics because I broke the other one. Um, do we have to have intentional communities? I mean, that's the first question, you know, and it needs to be of an, an intentional. Can we just have communities and it kind of evolves? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't have the answer. I'm here asking the questions. You know, this whole trip, my wife and I, we raised, you know, we have adult children. They're, you know, my oldest is 35, six, something like that. So, you know, this is something that we're embracing. I just turned 60. And I go, you know what? I was always a young man. I started this in the late 80s being an activist when I was 28. I've been doing this over 30 years. And I get to have a freaking say. And my say is, I want to have my own say on my own land and not be bothered and left alone. But there's power in community. We know this. We were in the Liberty community for a long time before there even was a Liberty community. What the heck is that? Certainly as a voluntarist, leave me alone type thing. I want to maintain my friends. I want to maintain my you know, family. I want to be comfortable where I live. I want to be able to wake up in the morning and want to get to work on my own property, do my own projects, help others with theirs. I want to, I need that, certainly as we're going into the last half of my life. <laughs> so I'm looking at the answers for these very questions. And you'll see as we talk about it, that part is always kind of glazed over a little bit. Eh, it kind of works. We're going to figure it out. We're just, well, when you figure it out, man, write it freaking down because I need it. You know, I want to be able to do it. And the more research that I find, it is really comes down to a family love. There's a Greek word, uh, philil, or so I can't remember. I was uh, reading something by Paul Rosenberg, and I had him come on the show to talk about it. And if you don't know him, you know, there's freemansperspective.com. And his thing was these communities are going to be based on a family-oriented, patriarchal, matriarchal, family-archal, whatever archal, you know, that you're going to have it based around what's your common goal. That has to be done up front. There's always that guy. It's usually called the man and the government and whatever, you know. Uncle Sam, he's the guy. So that's one thing. When we go back to Arizona, we have to focus on that. Can I even live here? Can, can, can I build a building? Can I build another building? Can I build a building with other people? Can I, can I, can I, can I? No, I'm afraid you got it, you know, and stroke dash permission slip of form, whatever the hell. So this is the battle. It's what sustainable development is all about. It's what agenda fill in the blank year. It's what this has always been. As a young activist, Anna and I, when they did 
Kyoto and, and Rio and environmental and sustainable development. That's what all this was about, was to keep you, you, and you off your own land that you can do what you want with it. That was the goal, to get you into your shipping container hovel with everything a body needs gruel next to the light rail system. That's what they want. And what happened in Arizona? Bill Gates comes in, buys a big giant swath of land. Woo, you're going to have to have your vaccine and get your matrix plug in. This is coming. It's called smart cities. So, you know, Patrick Wood and I, you know, did presentations on this. I said, here it is. So I want you to understand, I don't have the answer, but I have what a lot of people lack is the right question. Nobody's asking the right question. You know, one, why do it? You know, and how are you going to do it and what happens when? So this is, do you go to a small community? Do you kind of take it over? Do you free state it or free county it or free whatever? You, you got to be a good neighbor. That's the first thing. How do you define that? With a neighbor that doesn't like, I got a lot of experience that I'd like to share, and we'll do that another time, of my observations and what happens. But I tell you the questions. What do you have to do? What can't you do? What's your conflict resolution? And then, where is it? Well, there's this black cloud of the man, you know, whatever. how are you going to do that? And that, you want to talk about mutual defense? Man, the love bus is a mutual defense vehicle, man. I'm all over that. You know, somebody, something happens to somebody, I'm there, Woo, we're going to do a sign. We're going to make a presence. We're going to let the man know what's up. That's what we do for that and people that I love all over the country. All around, we come in and said, oh, love bus is in town. With love. But we want to make sure they know what's up. So I encourage the right questions and insist on answers. Then you can do it yourself. Thank you. Yes, the love bus is amazing. And we certainly all need to raise our vibration into a frequency of love. That's for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, you know, talking about this. And we're at this conference, or not activation, rather, because there are conflicts and issues um, that are really, like, it's pretty scary. Um, so, Mark, I was hoping you could kind of tap, chime in on this topic as well. Like, why is this so important now? And why has the demand for intentional communities exploded, um, especially after the COVID era? Um, yeah, I mean, why is there, I, I think the reason why it's blowing up, I think the reason why there's so much demand for community is because we are starving for a sense of trust and a sense of love with the people around us. I mean, I don't know about you, but I grew up in suburbia and for me, I didn't really know my neighbors. I was told to essentially, or taught is a better way of saying it, socialized into not really trusting the people around me. And therefore we all had to do everything on our own. We had to individually build our wealth. Therefore we all needed our own ladder, our own drill, our own pan, our own everything, right? And that leaves us in a game of perpetual state of lack. We are always needing to fix something. We always need to take care of more. We always want more and we're in this perpetual growth paradigm. And that's where, you know, the money system and, and the game of musical chairs that that is, and the fact that we keep printing more money, creating more debt, therefore keeping us in this cycle of needing more and more and more. That is a way, that is one form of measuring wealth. And so the reason why I think community is so important is that it reminds you that you can measure your wealth in something different than money. 
Because if you're going to continuously bring it back to dollars and cents, you're going to continuously find yourself in a very similar system in the very similar matrix to the matrix that you're living in right now. But most of what I'm doing right now, most of the, the, the work that I share and most of my resources go to the community. They go to people who I know. And so those people are part of building that community and that sense of community, the number of hugs or kisses that you give, the number of projects that you accomplish, the number of high fives that you give, the number of workouts that you do with others, the number of meals that you share with people that you love is how I measure the value of my life. And so community is incredibly rich in that. And obviously in a period of time where we had segregation, where we had to isolate, where we had to be afraid of everyone and the invisible boogeyman, you know, real or not, how much you buy into it or not, no matter what solution you have to it or not, that separated us. And it showed us how separate we were to begin with. And so the, the demand is exploding because we're afraid, number one, right? Even if you're building community, many of the people who are building community are afraid of just the system. So we're highly motivated by fear and we're highly motivated by pleasure and, and, and seeking that pleasure in some way, shape or form. And so for me, building community, for me, finding community and stewarding it and participating in it and bringing my time, energy, effort, love, attention to it is the important piece. I think that many of us, and I hate the word intentional community, many of us get stuck in the intention because through intentions, we are the architects of the universe, right? We can create with all kinds of ideas. We can wake up any, any given day, any given morning and have an idea to make this thing happen. But through our attention, we become the engineers of our reality. And community needs attention. Right, just like a plant, just like anything you're going to create or grow, anything you're going to produce in any way, shape, or form, you need to put time and attention and love and care into it. And there's going to be some bumps along the way. There's going to be some challenges as you do something like that. But it's the richest of experiences. It is the highest form of wealth that any one of us can can achieve. And to plant, let's say, last weekend we planted 101 cherry trees on our, in the ground here. 101 churches, these are going to produce cherries that I will never eat. <laughs> There's going to be so many cherries that's creating so much abundance, and that abundance is available to us in so many different ways if we were to find it, if we were to intend it, but also attend to it. And so there's just so much beauty in it um, and so much connection, and I think that's what people are looking for. Um, and we're just a place that's providing it. We're providing it in a way that many places, unfortunately, we're following the rules, can't. Um, and we find ways to bend those rules. You know, Chloe was saying earlier, we, we're operating a little bit of a gray zone, right? Like I understand the law, lang the, 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 whether they're in Quebec, there's language laws, there's laws about everything here, right? There's red tape on everything. At some point you start to bend those rules. You start to find ways of these pockets of freedom as somebody like Michael Reynolds, who's the inventor of Earthship to call them. You find ways to create those spaces and uh, it's powerful. Thank you for sharing. Um, Chloe, you designed an entire course about intentional community and more specifically eco-villages. Can you share about the whole systems network and if people are really interested in pursuing this topic, uh, what sort of information they can access through the different workshops and information that you've aggregated? Sure. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely one of my strengths is is networking and, and finding all the different pockets. And I just also wanted to add on again to, to the questions that were asked. And um, I just want to summarize by saying it's really about decentralization. And 
I think one of the things that I'm finding um, is the beliefs that have been happening the last four to six years, which I mean, you know, I've been into conspiracy since I was 13. Like, that's why that's why we want to live in alternative spaces, right? You just like start learning, like, what's alternative? What's what's different than the status quo, right? But um, I will say that uh, the more the last four to six years got scary and I got scared um, for many different reasons, environmental, political, social, economic, etc. I realized the more decentralized and free thinking that we become, and that means that we have to critique even what other people maybe even in these spaces are saying, really like tone into what you believe and what you want to follow. Um, and because when you get stuck in any thought process that becomes an issue. So I would just say that community is is a great space where you can decentralize, where you can, you know, not plug into the system and create your own systems instead. And I think that's called the human scale. And Mark was saying that at the beginning as well. It's how do we create a space that everyone knows each other, whether that's 500, 1,000 uh, transition towns, to answer your question, Rebecca, is a place where you can learn a lot about these methods and you can even bring it to, into the cities and what different pockets in, in a town like space can be doing rather than going out into a rural area. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways to plug in, but I think the most important thing that we all can be doing um, is finding out, you know, what makes us less dependent on what is and looking more at what the future could be. And I think that's, you know, essentially why we're all turning in, in turning, tuning into the greater reset, right? It's like, wait, we all feel something that's happening right now. What can we do about that? Um, so yeah, Full Systems Network is a great culmination of resources. Um, I appreciate you plugging that in. Um, also the Global Eco Village Network, there's so many things. It just, honestly, for me, it's it's almost too many things because we already are being bombarded by different information. So I think, you know, taking one course where you just learn the basics or learn or just attending something like this where you get the brief introduction, then be like, what really speaks to me in that? Because there is a wide range. And, you know, I, I won't go too deep into that, but what I teach a lot about is the spectrum. And it's a spectrum of the dying system and the new system that is becoming and where you find yourself. And you could be also the people that are transitioning the people from the dying system to the new system. But you can find yourself anywhere on that. You know, Greenpeace is one of the places that it's like, okay, like, we only see in our dimensional space here what needs to be stopped. Well, okay, that's great. Like, I, I believe that there are things that need to be stopped. But if you look towards, if you have a vision, if society as a whole has a vision about where they want to go, that's a future space. And there's people like me and probably like all, all four of us on this call where we're like, hey, you know, that's what needs to be stopped, but this is what needs to happen. So I think that's the most valuable information I can say to the people watching is, you know, when you're questioning, like, how can I help society? How can I help myself be better? How can I help my friends and family and neighbors be better? Um, then think about where you serve best and where you're most fulfilled. 
All right. Thank you, Chloe. And um, just to wrap up, I think if you could each share in under a minute or less a example of an intentional community or a really cool project that you visited that really is a beacon of light and hope that kind of demonstrates what could be in the world that we can build. Um, and they're doing it already. I've seen it naturally occur and we're trying to support. If you go to pirateswithoutborders.com, across the top, you'll see icons that say communication, energy, shelter, um, food and water, health, transportation, automation, education. Each one of those categories, all the top tech news that we have from Freemans Phoenix goes there. So you click on communication and it shows things like the IPFS project that we're doing. You look at shelter, we have a stamp press that manufactures half inch, three quarter inch and inch geodesic domes out of EMT conduit that we've been giving away for years. We had our own aqua dome, aquaponics. We had a two acre horse property area in North Phoenix. We had aquaponics. We had, you know, 60, 70 chickens, you know, goats, turkey. We did it. Why? Not because we were trying to be self-sustainable there. We were educating ourselves for now. We wanted to know how much food could we make? How fast? How much space do we need? And we shared it with the audience. Well, when people like the Green Dream Project in Cochise County in southeastern Arizona, a friend of mine, we went down to the Love Bus. We are, built a 16-foot dome for him. Peace out. Use this if you can. You know, let me know how it works out. While they're building the Earth Bag House. Aircrete Harry in Trinidad, Colorado. Build him a dome. Yeah, boom, there it is. Let us know how it works out. What I'm doing is I want them to do it so I can do it. You know, show me how you did it, you know, because I, you know, I need time. I don't have time yet, but we will. At the end of this year, Donna and I, she's a real estate agent in Arizona. So it's not like we haven't been looking. There's a lot of places. There's one 277 acre for only 300 and something thousand dollars. That'd be perfect for an intention out in the middle of the nothing with water. No road. Who's going to build the road? How are we going to do that? We might do that. So these are the things, and then who built the road, helped build the road, and I get, what do I get, and how do I do conflict resolution, and what I got to do, why can't I do I'm telling you, it comes down to basic, fundamental stuff. So the things that I enjoy, the people that I think are doing it, is a couple, a family, a small group that went out in the middle of nothing, and they just did it. And I want to help those, and then they'll be part of community, and they're part of the other people around them that are kind of doing the same thing because of where they went. Everybody you know, that's around them had the same mindset. And some have a YouTube channel and some don't. I don't think anybody should have a YouTube channel, but anyway, you know. So we're working on, I am inspired. I am encouraging, but we're at the point now to where we're going to start selecting from everybody and what they're doing, how to build. When you go up at the pirateswithoutborders.com, click on those, and you'll see what she was talking about, the technology that decentralizes down to the individual to be able to do this stuff. Yes, snaps. <laughs> um. <laughs> and you can't be independent if you're dependent. Uh, yes, FYI. so much yes. <laughs> Avalon Gardens in Tucson. Thank you. Are they down by Tucson? Yeah, I've heard about them. We haven't got there. We will. Awesome. Oh. 
So she was saying Avalon Gardens in um, Tucson, Arizona. And I'm sure there's many more if you go to IC.org and look at their directory. Uh, there's just so many inspiring projects and communities. And we have the capability to build a more beautiful and regenerative future. And many people already are. So we should have, you know, some peace of mind that it's already happening. We're on a bridge right now heading over to the other side. So thanks for uh, walking with us on that um journey are we able to do two more okay great mark what's a good example um you know a community that exists right now that you think would be a, something that people should research and maybe feel inspired by yeah i mean beyond checking out if you're coming up to canada visiting us here at Valhalla in montreal i would say that there are communities all over the place and what i'll invite you to consider is that everything is a community the sports team that you cheer for the local coffee shop that you go to every single one of the people you interact with in your everyday waking life is part of your community and so it doesn't need to just find itself in the confines of a particular piece of land or particular space although obviously these eco villages or these kind of uh, alternative spaces do kind of attract interesting characters and obviously can find like-minded people but there are communities like I think about Sirius, for example, in uh, Northwest Mass, uh, uh, Massachusetts, where a beautiful community, a beautiful space, all kinds of amazing people who rolled through there. I mean, community is found in so many different places. And I invite you to recognize and see it around you and participate in it around you. Um, it's also found online. I'll also say that there are so many amazing, talented people who have made courses or written books or created Facebook groups or pages, I mean, alternative news networks. There's so much community to be found everywhere around if you're looking for it. Thank you so much for sharing. And we're a little short on time, but Chloe did share earlier the Indiegogo campaign. If you would like to contribute, they are building a community in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, really amazing people. And her partner uh, grew up in a eco-village on the border of Canada and New Hampshire. It's incredibly entrepreneurial. Um, they, you know, she eats, sleeps, breathes eco-villages and building this more regenerative future. So if you could contribute to that um, to help them manifest that dream, that would be a amazing. So we'll uh, end there. We'll hand over the mic back to Derek and John. And um, thank you all for listening. And may we build intentional a confederation of intentional communities and eco-villages all over the planet. Thanks, Becca. Give it up for Rebecca Powers. Thanks, Ernie. All right. That was great. Super critical. Guys, just believe in yourself and together we can do this. It, this is a reality. People are doing it. We're going to keep on doing it. Let's take it over to Derek Bros to introduce our next speaker. Hey, thank you, John. How's everybody doing tonight? You guys still awake after five days? <laughs> wow. I can't believe we've actually made it through this whole week, John. And thanks again to everybody. We, we showed a picture of Switzerland earlier. We got people here from Lithuania, Romania, Canada, the UK. U.S., Mexico, of course. There's a lot of countries represented here and around the world. It's a beautiful thing. So we're going to continue the talks now. We have two more speakers, and then we're going to get to the music. Hope everybody will hang out. We're going to be doing the music on the stream so you can watch from home. But our next speaker is somebody whose work I've been following for a number of years. He, I guess you could say he took a break for a couple of years to, to work in a different way, but he took a break from producing YouTube videos and hard-hitting content. You might know his YouTube channel 
uh, it's called Storm Clouds Gathering, and he's been around for, you know, he's one of the old schoolers in this. He, his videos woke up a lot of people a few years back, especially around the time of the first attempts to go to war with Syria, and just a lot of the lies around foreign policy. And overall, he also promotes a, a mindset of community organizing, community building, not only the tools that we just heard about, but what it takes mentally for us to do these things. And so today we are going to hear, we're going to hear about all that. We're going to hear about his projects, we'll hear about what he's been up to, hear about his land project, because he does have a piece of land that he's been building with community for a few years now. And he's going to tell us a little bit about what he thinks you need to survive what we're facing with this great reset. Please welcome to the stage, Aaron Hawkins. Greetings. Hello. Welcome, brother. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I can hear you good. Cool. All right, man. Well, again, I just was going on about how great your work is. And uh, Aaron, is you're in Dominica right now, right? Yeah, the Commonwealth of Dominica. not the Commonwealth Dominica. of Dominica. Okay, so yeah. that's where you're coming from today. Let's, you want to just start there? I mean, I, I kind of gave a background on the channel. I don't know if you want to say anything about your channel and Storm Clouds Gathering, if we should just dive right into the deep stuff. I know you got, you want to take this conversation some fun places today, so... <laughs> Um, well, basically, should we start with the land or should we start with storm clouds? Well, I was thinking I would just kind of walk people outside a little bit. I have my laptop and just kind of give cool. people context because it's kind of an extreme context. And I'm going to kind of approach this from a different angle. Now, we're really out there. Like, we really put ourselves out on the edge of the world. And you know, this, this building isn't done. But this is where I live. Um, that's where I'll be talking when I come back in. We basically bought this piece of land with a group of people. And it's an agricultural, you know, semi-community co-op kind of project, you know. Um, and we've had a, a tourism angle to it. And that obviously got disrupted. And there's been a whole bunch of really crazy crazy experiences that we had to go through as part of this and one thing i've come to the realization is that um you can't just tell people what the solution is that you go move into some community in the jungle because the reality is that most people are doing their lives and those lives have their constraints and especially now with the things that are changing worldwide with travel uh, the, the choices that we have in front of us are, are going to be limited. Some some people are not going to be able to move out of their country. It was a time for these kind of things, and it's kind of shifted now. And um, I think what we're facing is a, is a time when really extreme action needs to happen. And for some people, that might mean you know going and doing a project like this. But we also need people to just be taking action the kind of action that they can take if they're going to stay in a city, that kind of thing. Um, but I, I think the main problem is fear. And that's, you know, your topic, one of the top level things that you put on um, the topics for the day is implementation of all the other asset, um, facets of what we were talking about. And in the end, it seems like one of the primary problems is that no matter what it is that people see is their path that they should be doing is not having the courage to go forward with it or waiting until they get all the pieces in order to do it the way that they think that it should be done in their vision. And 
unwilling to take the risk to basically put everything that you have into it, even though if you don't have enough to get to the next step, but just because that's the right thing to do and have the faith that it goes to the next thing, basically to, to keep taking the leap to go, to go farther, to get something done. And it, I really believe that it's that mentality of willing to, being willing to take risk and to do something, even if you don't have all the answers figured out, that's the, the real game changer. And it's going to take a, a shift in consciousness for that to happen. You know, Aaron, basically. Let, me you, let me ask you one thing real quick. So I've heard, I've read the book, uh, Creating a Life Together. We're working on building an intentional community right now, me and my partner. And one of the things that they mentioned in that book is that 90% of intentional communities, eco villages fail and mm -hmm. they give different reasons. But one of them is kind of what you're pointing to is the fact that the ones that do fail, they never get off the ground in the first place. And I think yeah. that kind of speaks to what you're talking about. So, I mean, are you basically saying like there's folks here listening right now who are who met last night to talk about intentional community, but they might still have some of these same fears and concerns. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Like, what do you think it is that people are afraid of? Like just the, the work, the time, the energy, or, you know, what do you think it is? Well, I, I guess I would put this in a little bit of context. I think community functions best by necessity when people need each other. And the way modern society is organized right now, monetary systems and all the mechanisms of modern society make it where you don't need your neighbor. Um, but that's a temporary state of affairs. It's a very stable, you know, easy time to be alive. But that tends to shift. Um, most people in the West just we haven't been given a workable example. The actual issue is mostly cultural and social, knowing how to live with other people. You have to make sacrifices. You have to think differently about a lot of things. And it's not easy. And I'm, I would never try to promote myself as, as a, an expert on that. What I, what I find, though, is that, well, I'll tell you one thing. I specifically never called this project an eco-village. I never told anybody, invited anybody as an eco-village. In fact, I did everything to, to make it seem like it's not that, even though there is a component where people do live on the property together and we do co-own the property. But the reality is I found that when advertising that kind of project and you know, seeing what comes back, you often find people who come back with a kind of a utopian mindset. They're trying to escape the world and create this alternative world in their own little bubble. And a lot of them have like really strong ideas about how that's going to be, but they're not always so practical about what it takes to actually do what needs to be done. And um, by not framing it in that way and framing it in terms of what we were going to do, basically focusing on better ways of growing food within this particular environment. And we have a permaculture angle on it, but it's not a monolithic philosophy. I mean, really every, there's some principles that you apply to the area that you're at, but it's 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 not one exact thing. It's just, just basic principles that you're trying to, abstract goals you're working towards. And um, basically people who come to work on something real, those are the people who are gonna actually have what it takes to go through with the hard work, basically, I find. Um, I do understand, I, I, my, my views on community have changed quite a lot. So when I was young, I had this perspective of wanting to seek out this kind of 
and well, I was a vegetarian even. I wanted to seek out a, a vegetarian community, live with people who were like me. But over time, my, my perspective has shifted to more of, you know, what your relationship is with um, society. So um, I think it depends on where you're at and what the culture is you're dealing with. Um, here in Dominica, it doesn't make sense for me to try to create a bubble of a community because I feel like the village down below, they actually already have community. They already have a, a nice way of being with each other and talking to each other. And being a part of that is a worthwhile goal to me. You understand? And what we're doing here, we create a facility where we can bring people in and we can be, they can experience this world. But I, I don't think that the, the goal for me is to create an isolated culture of its own. It's more like, you know, we're immigrants in a country that already has a good culture. It's not a perfect culture, but it's a good culture. So we're immigrants and part of that culture. So we're part of, of that community. Um, but I do believe that there are communities, countries where you really do need to be going against the flow. And the, the answer isn't just to be a part of the community, whatever that is, that you really are facing something where nonconformity is the answer. And... Um, <laughs> I just want to add to that what you were just saying and I think is important. We, we sort of mentioned this, that we're in Mexico right now. We're broadcasting from Mexico and there's a lot of people here looking for community. And one of the thoughts I shared last night was similar to what you were talking about, that Mexico is also a beautiful country with a beautiful culture and some benefits to some other places that might, they might not have there. And some folks do just want to be expats, gringos coming into Latin American countries and just stay in a little bubble, never learn to speak the language, never integrate, never be connected. I don't think that's smart strategically. And I also think that it's just not the way that we should aspire to be. So I appreciate you making that point. Yeah. And like I said, it's everything's relative because, you know, to be honest, if I was living in East Texas and that was as far as I was going to be able to get, I might want to be hanging out with some of the most crunchy characters around out in the woods somewhere. That's all, it's all relative to your, your individual situation. But if, if I was in a big city and there was no way that I could get out of that big city, I would be looking at, okay, well, we have to be preparing ourselves for resisting where they're going because it's not going to be pretty. I mean, that's the kind of world I see us going into. I don't think we're going to avoid the, some of these dark times that we see coming simply for the fact that people don't actually believe it could happen. And so by not believing it can happen and not standing up early enough, they're guaranteeing that we're going to have to learn some of these lessons the hard way, I believe. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that, Aaron. This is one of the things that he wanted to bring to the table. We were talking about this ahead of time. And I'll just be real. He was a little concerned that the message he has to bring might not be the perfect fit within the solutions talk because he wants to bring just a little bit of raw honesty to the situation and what he was touching on there. And, and so I, I agree with you. I don't think we can stop it, which is why we're calling it the greater reset, the people's reset. We're trying to encourage people to let's shape it. Let's direct it. Let's reset or re, you know, help direct the way things go in a way that does value individuality and all the principles that many of us hold dear. But can you talk a little bit about that? Like what you think people are not quite grasping the severity of, like as far as the situation we're facing. Yeah, what I'm calling it is the new Iron Curtain. It's, I believe it's even more powerful than the Iron Curtain of the Soviet era, and it's gonna be global. It's, and this is not something that I'm making up. If, if, if you pay attention to what they're announcing on a weekly basis now, we're moving towards it right now. 
they're setting up this vaccine passport system. And initially, a lot of the systems will be you know, creating some space so that you can come with, you can travel with the PCR test. But ultimately, that's going to be phased out, I believe. That's, that's what they're indicating. And it's really naive to not be paying attention to what the leaders of this great reset want. They're saying that they want this. And it's also naive to think that they could just be talked out of it or they could just you know, back down off of low pressure kind of protest or these kind of things, or that they'll just, it'll just fall apart on its own. Um, the reality is they have all the motive to keep going forward because they don't want to lose power. That's what this is about. Um, we're coming into a peak. You know, it's it's uh, economic, social peak. And basically, at this point in the cycle, they're very much at risk of losing power, losing control of the system. And if there's a shake, <laughs> if is the operative term, because it's definitely going to happen. There's going to be an, an economic shaking of the system. I mean, there's, it's just inevitable. And their gambit, by their actions, you can see what they're doing, is to adjust society to such, such a degree that you won't be able to move around. You won't be able to associate with people. You won't be able to do anything without their app, their AI monitoring system saying, okay. And initially it'll start with a you know, vaccine or PCR test to do certain things. And then incrementally, they're going to be conditioning people to accept more and more controls. It could, it could be just starting with buildings that you can't go into um, places you can't go, and then eventually they could even extend it to other kinds of medication that you need to be taking based on the psychological profile that they force you to take, whatever it is. Um, once they have the people into that system, it'll be a one-way street of gradually, incrementally conditioning people into a um, what China calls the social credit system. Is that, is that what they call it? I think that's what it is. But basically where they only allow you to do what they want you to do based on whether you're causing trouble or not. And it's a perfect mechanism to control a society at a time when there's potential riots and unrest, make it where people can't gather, make it where you, more than three people can't come together. You can't leave your, your region, this kind of thing. And so it, it's going to, it's going to happen gradually enough. And it's, as we can see, it's happening where people are, are going to accept it as a new normal until they really realize where it's going. And that's going to be a little bit too late for avoiding it in a nice way. So basically, we're, we're facing a situation where there's not really an easy or nice way out of this. And it's going to come to a head where basically, if we want to have a future worth handing our kids and our grandkids, it's going to require some people to take extreme actions. And these are things you can't even talk about nowadays. <laughs> you have to be very careful with the kind of things you say. But if you see what they're setting up, it's far worse than things that people fought for to avoid in the, in the past. This is the ultimate global dictatorship they're setting up. And it's horrific. And it's going yeah, it's go, it's to leave an, it's going to lead to war. There will be a war. And that, that war can't be avoided. I, I, I I believe it was important for us to delay 
you know, some of these events, I think it does impact the outcome, but in the end, it does go to something not very nice. Yeah. What yeah, Aaron, I, I want to I wanna say, I think that, you know, you've done a good job over the years for those who have followed your, your work and your reports to try to, like you said, maybe avoid or avert or delay some of these events. I know you did a lot of good work with this, the first, you know, attempt at going to war with Syria and war with Iran and you and many others have been warning about this. And, I hope that everybody listening here in Ziwa and in Austin and online, you know, doesn't just hear this and think, oh, this guy's just being negative. It's, you know, I thought I was here for solutions because part of the solutions, of course, is to acknowledge the problem so that you know the solutions are necessary. And I can definitely say for those of you who have read my book, How to Opt Out of the Technocratic State, Aaron, I wrote this book and published it a month before they announced COVID. And the book's not very optimistic as far as hopeful for stopping things. Instead, it's saying, here's some ideas. So I want to maybe bring the conversation to that in just a moment yeah. as far as any suggestions you have for people. But before we do, I wanted to give you a chance to share some more of your story because if you're comfortable with this, I know you sure. mentioned that, you know, your sort of vision of what we're facing, it also has a deeply kind of spiritual connection and experience that you had years ago that kind of presented this to you. So would you like to share about that? I won't go into a lot of, a lot of detail, but it, it comes down to, I think, really wanting to have a purpose in life. That, basically, that's where I started with in my, in my 20s. I was pretty much suicidal. I had no purpose in life. I didn't know why. Like, what am I supposed to do? I see all the things going wrong with the world, but I don't, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. And um, at one point, I, I went to some really extreme measures. I even went and fasted for a period of a week and then went and sat ceremony with the Lakota and all sorts of intense, intense stuff. And I had some really, really intense experiences. And one of them in particular was this vision that actually shaped my entire life. And it actually is a reason that my channel is called Storm Clouds Gathering. And I never talked about it really publicly. Um, and I don't know how relevant it is to the average person because a lot of people, it might seem foreign to be, you know, in a position where you 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 have nothing, nothing, nothing to want to live. But I think there is a lot of youth who basically they don't really know why they're alive. They don't have any clear purpose. But I, we're facing kind of a choice where you know you can just keep going forward, plotting forward, plotting forward in a life that you don't really believe in. But I just had this kind of moment when I was in my 20s and I was in college had a um, full paid scholarship when I realized that I didn't want what that piece of paper would give me didn't want the jobs it was, it was meaningless so why was I doing it and I questioned the entire premise of why am I doing this and then I didn't actually have an answer and that's what it was very derailing I lost all sense of what am I supposed to do with my life and so I went on all those extreme adventures to try to, to see it. And at one point, I was shown a vision. And it was, it was interesting because it was actually an actual storm. I was on a mountain and night was coming. And I saw a storm. And the storm wasn't just an actual physical storm. It actually saw a figurative storm within it. There was this great turmoil that was going to be coming, a great time of destruction and chaos. But th there was a hope. There was a way that we could turn it. But it required such an extreme level of action. It, it required a sense of 
self, a, a different approach to yourself, to where you're willing to be sacrificed, you're willing to have everything taken from you to try to change it. If you see how bad it could be, basically, the potential for a nuclear war, for example, in this equation, as we were watching what was happening with Syria, was very real. You know, we have avoided at that particular time, but the potential for an actual nuclear war was there. And it continues to be there throughout all this nonsense that these, these governments are playing. And ultimately, it's not that one person can say to the other people around them, um, everybody, let's do this, because it's, it's way too complex of a picture. What we, people need is to actually look at within their hearts and actually see what they could do and have the courage to actually do it. Because the reality is to do the right thing or to do something that's actually going to change the outcome is almost always scary. You have to take a risk. You have to do something that puts you out on a limb. And people by instinct are, are protecting themselves. They, they, they want to avoid losing things. Um, the interesting thing is from a spiritual perspective, that, that, that inaction is the worst possible way to face your death, is, is to, to, to get to the end and realize you've just protected your little comforts for what? For <laughs> to have a, a little bit longer, meaningless life? It's, that's, that's the worst nightmare to come to your death and face that. You'd be much better off to live a short life and live meaningfully. Unfortunately, most people don't. And there's reasons for that. I think you know, some people would chalk it up just to the end of, of religion. But I, I would say it's, it's deeper than even religion. It's, 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 a, it's the loss of contact with the spiritual to, to not understand the nature of the relationship between life and death and why you're here. And, and I, I put it to people kind of as an analogy, the way most people are living, it's like if you're playing Mario Brothers and you stop at the very first screen when there's that first canyon to jump over and there's a tube in front of you and you just stop right there. And you're like, well, this is, I mean, it's a great idea. I'd like to save the princess, but damn, that's a canyon. I'm not jumping over a canyon. Nah, man, I'll just sit here. And then boom, time runs out, you're dead. I think a lot of people's lives are going to be exactly like that. And from the experiences that I had with, with all those going to the Lakota and those kinds of things, what it showed me is that's the only thing to regret in life. It's not that if you made a mistake, everybody makes mistakes. You learn from your mistakes. That's not the most important thing. It's to never even try. That's the nightmare. So to get to the point that you end, you end of the game and you realize you didn't even play. And it, it wasn't so important to live forever because you're not going to live forever anyway. There's no way. Yeah. And, and all these things that they're pulling on us, all this, this insanity where they're giving, getting people to give up their entire freedom and their lives to save their lives for a few extra days or years or whatever. It's, it's only possible because people don't even know why they're alive. They have no concept of what it means to be alive. And that we need to challenge at some level. And I don't know the exact answer. I don't want to be put in the spot to tell people that's how, like, oh, okay, go do meditation and it's whatever. Man. I'm not going to try to play that role. But people need to look inside of themselves, I think, and ask the question, does it matter so much 
all the things that I'm protecting? Or is it, would it be better? Would I be happier if I actually did something that impacted the outcome, even if I lose some things, even if I go through some pain, even if I lo lose my life, is it worth it? And if you could find that something that is worth it to do that, that could change the outcome. If, an, if even just a few people acted from that point of reference, we can win. It's possible. We have to be like that. That's what I believe. Absolutely. Let's give a round of applause for that thought right there. We still got a couple more minutes with Aaron, but I just want to acknowledge what he's just saying here, you know, that we can find it within our own hearts. It's going to be different for everybody. What is it that we really value and are we willing to face difficult times to fight for those things? And maybe if you're not, then you're maybe not already, you're already not living. Maybe if you don't have yeah. anything to fight for. And uh, I, I really appreciate that, brother. I think that is important for people to say and to acknowledge that you don't have the perfect answer to sit here and tell everybody, go do these things and everything's going to be better because it's, it looks different. That's why we're presenting a lot of these different solutions. But so you've had these deeply spiritual experiences and you have this, you know, this, this vision. And I, I, I definitely can say I've feared and seen a similar vision in, in the future as well. And I also believe we have the opportunity to make the changes that you're calling for. And you spent years producing content, getting videos to go in the millions of views and waking people up and then moving to the land, trying to take care of yourself and, and, and sort of prepare for what's coming. What does the future look like for you, like as far as your, your work and your activism and, and you know, your, your journalism? What does the future hold? Mm, wow. Some of that I can't even talk to anybody about, honestly, um, because the reality is, like a lot of people I know, if you see where this is going, we're facing choices that are going to be increasingly extreme. And I'm not going to pretend like my future is just going to be sitting on a farm or just making videos or doing something like that. I believe where this is going is is the full extreme of of what you can imagine in terms of upheavals worldwide. And I do believe there's going to be a time and a place for crossing oceans to try to intervene in in relation to things that are happening. And I know a lot of people in various situations, but basically, um, a lot of people that I care about are across oceans. And a lot of the outcomes that are um, going to unfold, um, some of the most important stuff that's going to happen is going to happen in Eurasia, I believe, in, in the European continent. Um, I don't think that what happens in the United States will actually be the determining factor, for example, of who is in charge and what the future looks like. So. Yeah, I don't know exactly how everything unfolds, but um, my mindset is preparing for the most extreme. And um, yeah, it, it's been hard to get, get my head around, honestly. I mean, I personally don't like where the world is going. And I don't like the kind of realities that I see coming. But what I do focus on is that if we can learn how to be calm and peaceful, even in the scary times, then that to me is real spirituality. That's actual evolution. And it's kind of an opportunity we're facing. I find that, and I've been through some really, really crazy, really painful stuff, in the, especially in the last recent years. 
uh, stuff I don't talk about. But what I find is that going through really painful stuff actually makes it easier to access spirituality. It makes it easier to meditate. It makes it easier to contact those that higher power. And interestingly, and you know, ironically, humanity is about to have an opportunity at a large scale as we all get synch synchronistically taken into this time of difficulty that is, is going to be very terrible, I believe. I mean, we're, I believe we're going to be facing a time of really significant suffering worldwide over the next decade. And I do believe, I have hope, we do come out on, on the other side. I do believe because some of us, the people who care, are going to be much more brave than the people who are just following along and these you know wicked people who are actually running this thing. I believe that there is actually a positive outcome in the works. But we have to, in order for that to happen, we have to be operating from a very serious mindset, I believe. And that's what I, what I want. If there's anything that I can accomplish in my lifetime, even if I don't accomplish anything for myself, is to make something contagious. If, you know, if you can be brave enough even to face your own death at the right time, that can be contagious. Courage can be contagious. And if people see that there is something worth fighting for, that there is something worth doing, then we have a chance. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, brother. Everybody give him a round of applause. And just uh, really briefly, Aaron, is, is the best place to find you still on your website? I know you're on Telegram. Is there anywhere people can just keep up with the things you do release? Yeah, stormclawsgathering.com. That's the, the website. I haven't been able to update it very much right now, but hopefully that'll be able to change as conditions change, but I don't have any guarantees right now. Well, thank you for sharing your message, brother. Thank you again. All right. Thank you. All right. Wow. That was powerful. What'd you think, John? Pretty heavy. Some real, some real shit that we need to uh, contemplate and, and be prepared for, for the storm clouds that are gathering. But uh, as you know, there is a lot, it's like a light at the end of the tunnel or maybe right now we're in the calm before the storm. But uh, I do think that we have the opportunity to build something beautiful. And it just takes everyone participating and doubling down and leveling up in their own lives so we can level up in our collective experience. Absolutely. I, I think he's made a couple of just really important points there, though, that I'll just highlight for a moment. Just, again, not being afraid to take risks. That can be applied in so many different ways. You know, it, but if you're not willing to take risks, then you, know, you do come up short in different areas of your life. And right now, it might feel risky to say, I want to start building community locally or I want to gather with more than five people. What if they call the cops on me? You know, there's all these concerns and fears we could have, but if we don't choose to act, then, you know, the goals you have are not going to follow. It's just, it just doesn't work that way. So I, I'm glad Aaron reminded people of that and to just be aware of that. The reason we're here is because of people planning and trying to do crazy things. We're here to celebrate the beautiful things happening, but it is a fact of the matter that because of what they're doing, we're here today. And I think it's, you know, so we can't, put our heads in the sand like some folks in various spiritual communities like to do. Yeah. And when it comes to risk, when you really understand what it is that we're facing, sometimes you got to put a little skin in the game and take some risks. 
I know there's people before us that have risked it all. There's figures like Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and you know, I know a lot of not some not so much great stuff like the American central government came out of the American Revolution ultimately, or maybe the Continental Congress and the Constitutional Convention. But there were some revolutionaries that literally went and signed on the dotted line that they're declaring their independence. And maybe the day will come when we all collectively declare our independence together and just say, no, enough is enough. Basta ya. Right? You just spent some time in Chiapas, Mexico. They have a rich history of standing up and just saying, no, we both visited Chiron in Mexico. So sometimes things just reach a point where you have to take a stand and, you know, that with great risk, with great risk comes great reward at the end of the day. Absolutely. All right, guys, we got one more presentation for today and then we'll be getting to the music. We want to thank everybody who's tuned in around the world. You still have time to send in watch party photos if you want us to show them on the screen. You can still send in your videos for the People's Reset Contest. We're going to be playing a couple more videos in just a bit, show you guys more of the activations happening around the world. But let's go ahead, John. You ready to bring on our next guest? Yeah, super excited to hear from our next guest. Uh, how many people have seen the Thrive documentary? We have Thrive One, we have Thrive Two, just a great collection of really groundbreaking next level information. Thrive Two really dives deep into solutions and then they mix in some voluntarism and just all sorts of really cutting edge stuff. It's such a great consumable way to convey some really complex, hardcore information. And we are super excited for the work that our next guest does. It's not just communicating the problem in a really understandable way, but it's all about solutions. They even have what they call the solutions hub. So we are super excited to be hearing from Foster Gamble because he really has done some amazing work. Foster Gamble, thank you so much for joining us. You are welcome, John. It's an honor to be with you. Hello, everyone. It's really an honor to be with you guys. Thank you, John. Thank you, Derek. And you know, all of the team that has put this together, it's been a really entertaining, educational and super empowering conference so far. And I'm just really honored to be a part of it. And that was a powerful uh, time with Aaron Hawkins. It's <laughs> very sobering. And I agree with a ton of his assessment of what's going on. I'm probably a little more encouraged by what I see as the antidote to that, because fortunately I'm privileged to to be connected with groups like this one all over the world. So I'm continually, along with the bad news that I research for hours a day, I'm continually getting hours of good news from groups like the Freedom Cells and other freedom and truth-based uh, activist groups all over the world. So I'll talk a little more about that later because one of our major endeavors is to link us all together as effectively as possible. The same way that you're doing with the Freedom Cells, we're trying to take that globally and connect networks for networks. But first of all, I'd actually like to start by saying that since the last Greater Reset uh, Convocation, um, I have been really encouraged by what has been happening with the Great Reset, <laughs> because I see it falling apart already in major ways. And what do I mean by that? Well, uh, let me actually show you some, uh, let me share my screen and show you 
slides that I put together to outline this. Okay, so I've titled this talk, The Network Four Networks, Our Best Shot at a Free and Thriving World. And so here's what I mean, that the Great Reset is already starting to fall apart. And th this is just a taste of what I'm seeing in cataloging. First of all, the truth about what I call covert 19 is emerging all over the place, from the pseudo virus to the mass, to the to the vaccines, to the, all the flip-flops and, and corruption and the, you know, the, people are following the money and just brilliant people all over the world are bringing these truths out. And even the mainstream is in, in the US at least is having to acknowledge now that, hey, there's a good chance this was man-made. And, you know, of course they're blaming the Wuhan lab and I think it's accurate, but Fort Dietrich was certainly involved and I don't think it was an unintentional leak, but that's for another day. The truth is coming out. Secondly, vast numbers are saying no to the deadly injectables. I won't even call them vaccines because they aren't. Also, the success of treatments that are going on in India. You, you know, you've, you've watched the deaths mount in India just dramatically as the uh, vaccines are getting more and more prevalent, but they're bringing in the treatments that have been banned in so many places with the zinc and hydroxychloroquine and, and ivermectin and so forth. And they're having huge success. And that's going to be undeniable. You know, India, remember, is one of the countries that uh, evicted Gates and a lot of his work years ago. Uh, next, private crypto. We're actually getting a free market in currencies. And it's fundamentally fiat uh, central banking and fractional reserve that is giving these creeps the power to try to do the Great Reset in the first place. So really viable alternatives are coming out. Of course, they're trying to smash them, but so many big players worldwide, uh, in corporations, institutions, wealthy people, but especially just the masses of bright people who realize, hey, here's an alternative that we're, where we can actually sidestep the central banks, get wealthy and fund the world that we want to live in. So it's amazingly exciting to see what's going on. Meanwhile, lawsuits are exploding from Bobby Kennedy, who I know you had on. I had, was privileged to have a strategy meeting with him last week that went great. He's very enthusiastic about our solutions hub, which I'll describe in a moment. And then uh, what Reiner Fulmick is doing with this cl international class action lawsuit, it's happening all over the planet. Gates and Fauci, their corruption is getting exposed. Um, and the human-made pseudovirus that I referred to before uh, is getting known. And here's what I see coming next that I'm in enthusiastic about because I'm behind the scenes in each one of these <clears throat> areas to solve these problems. What I think is going on is that the election fraud in the US, which was so vast and has been so well documented, it's right down to absolute real-time collection of data and following how it was sent you know, to China and Italy and all over the place and altered and brought back and, and just totally rigged the election. Now, I, I'm a voluntarist. I, I don't care about left or right, but while, we've, while we have a political system that we're all subject to, we need to at least have honest elections. But perhaps even more importantly, the election fraud is going to reveal the level of the deep state fraud worldwide. 
But it, I think it's going to start with the U.S. And as that domino falls, I think what's coming next is the information that's been collected on child trafficking, on bribery through pedophilia, satanic ritual abuse, that whole dark realm is also, there's tremendous evidence. My insiders uh, have been just telling me amazing stories of the rescues, of the the, the physical evidence that's been collected, the names, that the networks that they know, and that's going to be coming out also. Then I think that's going to pave the way for the public to begin to believe how corrupt the banking system is and to really flood to the alternatives and prosecute the people who've been stealing, you know, 90% of the wealth from the rest of humanity. And with, as those dominoes fall, I think it's going to expose the great, the, the so-called great reset as the great reject. What we're going to see is the great reject of the new world order. Okay. So, What can we do about this? Well, what we're doing, amongst other things, you know, we created the film to get the information out, show the possibilities, and then show what's really, that, that all the solutions are basically already existing on planet Earth. Then I opened the Freedom Portal uh, on our, uh, through Thrive On. It's our subscription online show to go deeper for people who are really interested in the conversation. And then as people get motivated, then we can direct them to the Solutions Hub. And the Solutions Hub covers all sectors. Uh, they, and the point of it is to connect effective individuals, projects, and networks in all of these different sectors, and then to be able to encourage, to be able to educate, to be able to train uh, people who are joining these networks in how to be really effective. So why would a person bother to join a solutions network? Well, it really helps you to get active. You know, uh, both Aaron and uh, John were talking about, you know, getting some skin in the game. Well, it's a lot safer to get the skin in the game if you do it with allies. And that's easy to do if you just search around a little bit. Freedom Cells is a great example of that. So get active. If you want to expand your group's already existing reach and impact, then you can join a network for networks where you can very quickly send your communications out to you know, hundreds of other uh, groups at a time. Share best resources and practice. On our Solutions Hub, we've got an area where people can upload lawsuits, petitions, fundraising strategies, whatever it is, flyers that you have spent time creating, if you're willing to share, if you're part of the larger initiative here, then you can post those resources. Other people can download them and they don't, they don't have to recreate the wheel. And here's the key one, getting coaching on key skills, because getting us connected is fantastic. It's really important. Uh, and at the same time, what I have found through 50 years of activism now is that most groups are very hobbled by not knowing certain skills. And by key skills, I mean, first of all, how to organize a group. And all of this, by the way, will be addressed on our uh, Solutions Hub website and on trainings that we're going to be offering. So organizing, then clarifying your purpose as an individual and as a group then how do you make harmonious decisions? It's one thing to 
be motivated. It's another thing to be able to coordinate with the group without getting into conflict. So making harmonious decisions and when conflicts do come up, which I guarantee you they always will, then how do you resolve those conflicts effectively? That happens to have been my profession for 30 years in Silicon Valley. So I'll be doing trainings on how to do that very efficiently and effectively. Countering infiltrations. Our security team has taught us a lot about infiltration is the major weapon they're using against us. They always have against effective activist groups who are going for truth and who are going for freedom. So we'll be teaching people how to recognize it, how to, to uh, verify it, and then how to get rid of it. Then whole system strategies. Um, one of the reasons we've been so effective with our uh, sector solutions model over the last 10 years is that when there is an issue, oftentimes people get burned out by just trying to do it all themselves or have a, a small group of people, but there's just main things you don't, you don't have like fundraising skills or legal skills, scientific health skills and so forth. So what we're teaching people to do is make sure you, you can access people either in your own local group or in your virtual group or put out a, you know, a help wanted uh, communication to the other groups in the, in the solutions hub that you need a, an environmental lawyer or you need a, uh, a virologist or you need someone who's really good uh, with media. So you bring all those different skills from the different sectors that are needed together to address whatever issue it is that you're working on. And then uh, learning effective tactics. Uh, how can you actually be tactical once you get a larger strategy then learning about critical mass actions and notices of liability and protests and and uh divestment and just there are many many tactics which if you understand them you'll know what know which ones to bring to bear and then enjoying teamwork i've had so many people say i was really glad to join this group or that group because i didn't feel alone I found myself with like-minded freedom lovers. And then there was just the, the camaraderie and the joy, the synergy of actually working with other dedicated people who are putting their skin in the game. And then finally, we're teaching groups to celebrate your successes. Uh, don't let it be so serious all the time. You got to get, get serious, but you don't have to be attached. And, and people oftentimes forget things are going to go in cycles. You're going to take things on. And when you do get the wins, that Aaron was talking about, celebrate, you know, get together and celebrate in really healthy, uh, joyous ways. Okay, so how do we create the greater reset? And this is somewhat of a summary uh, for people who've been listening in this conference. And this is one of the things that I know in, in the, the goals for today was to help integrate uh, what we've been hearing and see how we can take that forward. Um, so we create the, the greater reset. Um, fundamentally, people ask me this a lot publicly. And when I have to bring it down to one thing, I say, build the alternatives. And by the alternatives, I mean the ones that are aligned with the non-aggression principle, that are aligned with the truth of what is, that are aligned with the energy dynamics of the unified field. And what I mean by that is truth media, real education, honest money, holistic health practices, new energy sources, 
organic polyculture farming and all the things that go with it, a stateless society, and the list can go on and on. But the people who are listening to this conference, you know what I mean, but it's the principles that are in common. That This is what is changing the planet, is we're moving from political power struggles to the empowerment of understanding natural principles and basing all your solutions on those principles, starting with the non-aggression principle. And at the same time that you create those alternatives, join together with other people, join together with other groups and be ready to defend them. This is where it gets serious. Aaron knows this, Derek knows this, John knows this. A lot of you out there do. They are coming, we saw it with the censorship. Now we're seeing it with the vaccines. They're coming after us. If anybody thinks this is the calm before the storm, yeah, the storm could get a lot worse, but we are in the storm. They've spent centuries learning how to create the quiet war and they're trying to do it and they're doing it really effectively. You know, I, I have friends and relatives who, who actually know some of my work who's, who are completely blinded still and think that the government's gonna save us uh, and uh, Gates is a saint. And if we just leave it to the traditional institutions, we're gonna be fine. Well, that's not my experience. It's consistently quite the opposite. We need to create the alternatives and be ready to defend them. So I'm gonna back out of here and I wanna make sure I'm not sharing my screen. Am I out of the share screen mode? No, not yet. Stop screen. Okay. All right. So I want to tell you a quick story because I hope this one will stick in your mind. It's inspired me for many years. It was something I lucked into back in the 70s with high intention, but very little experience or knowledge. Uh, I lived on a ranch in La Honda, California, a beautiful place uh, outside of San Francisco and, and Silicon Valley. And um, suddenly I got a, a notice in the mail to come to a town hall meeting and all the farmers and ranchers came together at a, in a school auditorium and our local congressperson um, stood up and started telling us, we've got fabulous news. The government is gonna create a wonderful new wilderness park. It's gonna be over a million acres. And that's the good news. Unfortunately, some of you may not be pleased that we're gonna to need to take your land to make it. So they were gonna take all of the land from basically just south of San Francisco all the way to Santa Cruz and west of the, the Skyline Ridge that goes over down into Silicon Valley. They were gonna take all of that property for the so-called Golden Gate National Recreation Area. Well, <laughs> the second meeting we had, all the farmers brought their shotguns and had them sitting across their laps. And they told this Congressman, over our dead bodies, you're taking our land. These are fourth and fifth generation farmers and ranchers. And he said, no, we're gonna pay you fair market value. And he said, no, that's not voluntary. We worked for this land, it's ours. If we wanna sell it, we'll sell it, but you can't take our land no matter what you pay for it. So the whole thing smelled so bad to me. I thought, okay, something's gotta be hidden here. What My point is that, in each of these major problems, there's always a big lie. And I sense that there must be a big lie. Now I had been involved in fighting against offshore drilling in the same area 
So I thought, aha, uh -huh, maybe this is another, because we've been successful with that. Maybe this is another way they're going after oil. So I spent two days, I went down to the geological uh, survey place in, uh, in Menlo Park, and I spent two days in their, their microfilm library searching oil and gas exploration areas for the north coast of California. And lo and behold, on the second day, I found it. I hit gold with a, a, a map that was exactly the overlay. They had literally used the same map for what they were going to turn into a park. And then the, the pattern on these things that then they, once they own it, then they start licensing it out for cutting of timber, for uh, oil exploration, whatever it is. But uh, it's a very little of it's going to remain a, a park. And meanwhile, people will, will have been taken away from their homes. So I made a copy of that uh, map, brought it in, created it as an overlay for the congressman's uh, proposal for the the park. And I watched his face very carefully as I overlaid it on the, the old overhead projector. And literally, I saw his jaw drop. And this was a guy that I that I knew and liked. Um, and his jaw dropped and the, the, a hush came over the room and he just stood up and he was in shock. And he said, he said, Foster, listen, I promise you, I did not know this, but I'm really glad you found it. I'm going back to Washington. I'll do everything I can to stop this thing. And we never heard from it again. So that's a couple of guys going on a wild goose chase to find the seed the, 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 the big lie. And fortunately, we found it because once you find the big lie, then you can bring in the seed truth that is at the core of every effective solution. Okay, so let me go back to the slides for a moment. I've shown this slide the last time that, that I was on, and I need to show it again because it sums it up in a single picture that's so powerful. Uh, Buckminster Fuller, who was one of my major mentors, said, we are at the crossroads. Uh, we will either end up in oblivion or in utopia. So on the left is the oblivion, and that's the agenda of the Great Reset. That's where that will lead. I have no doubts. The other side is utopia. If we actually base all of our solutions on recognizing the collapse of natural systems and then learn how to restore the wholeness of those natural systems, we can do it. We can turn the new world order great reset into the greater reset. And that's what our Thrive Solutions Hub is for. So I recommend that people go to thriveon.com. And this Solutions Hub is not launched yet. We've had a team of 12 people working on this for seven months. And we thought we were going to be ready. We thought we were going to be launching 
today, <laughs> literally the 28th. It looks like it may be another couple of months or more before we launch. We've got uh, over a uh, hundred uh, members. I mean, uh, member groups. Uh, Foster, the, you, yeah. I just want to let you know that your, your slides are not showing on the back of the screen anymore. You might have to share them again. We lost okay. your slide. Okay. Right. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to stop that sharing for now uh, and just go back to uh, to talking about the Solutions Hub because, uh, as I said, we've got over 100 groups in beta testing right now. And um, the groups are really excited about what we've got. This is what's taken so long to build. There's so many capabilities in there for organizing a group, for getting clear on your purpose, for uh, for learning how to resolve conflict and encountering uh, infiltration and getting your message out to uh, larger and larger groups and so forth. Um, what we're finding, however, is that it's we've done the technical end, we've got the infrastructure, but it's not sufficiently user-friendly yet. So that's what we're working on on a daily basis right now is making it very obvious, very intuitive to other than technical people uh, so that when people come in, they're like, oh, I found my home. You know, this is where I can find a group to join. This is where I can bring my group in to coordinate with other groups and be more effective in fundraising, getting my word out and all that type of thing. But we want to make sure that it's really user-friendly. So for now, go to thriveon.com, go to the tab on Solutions Hub, and you can get started on seeing the there's a PDF document that shows you the kind of training that we do to help people clarify their purpose and then choose which sector they want to work on and then which topic, which issue within that sector do you want to focus your energies on? And even more than what level of engagement do I want to work on meeting immediate needs, on working on uh, changing the systems, systemic change, or, do, or am I more a philosopher? Am I more a worldview person? So I want to work on the consciousness shift. Those are critically different levels of engagement, immediate needs, uh, systemic change, and consciousness shift. And when you get clear on all of that, you have become a very powerful person. You know a lot who you are and have to offer. And so you can get started on Solutions Hub is going to be kind of bring your own personal potential engagement as an individual or potentially as a group, and then we will uh, we'll let, we will definitely let you know. Uh, we'll let the whole world know as soon as we're ready for launch. We're super excited about it, and uh, I don't think that this they see this coming. I'm mean, certainly they've heard me talk about it, but they. This is the Aikido of solutioning. I was an Aikido teacher for 15 years. And so I know the principles of nonviolent self-defense quite well. And one of the things is you, uh, the, in martial arts, they say, when you take a fixed position, you open yourself to death because you're much more easy to attack when you're rigid. So the key is 
take your stand, but take it in a centered place that then you can humbly move. And that's the basis of Aikido. Be strong and clear, but then be willing to get out of the way of an attacker, actually see their point of view, blend with them, and then lead the whole situation to a nonviolent uh, resolution. So that's the way we're designing the hub, and, and it's, it's on an open source platform. It's totally decentralized, so it can't be taken down by attacking one group. Or we've got backup servers in different places and so forth. So we're trying our best to, to just create the alternatives, as Bucky said, so that you obsolete that which isn't working. Because I'm very clear, as you all are, that it's not only not working, it's dangerously not working. We're in a lethal global situation. So it is time to get clear on your purpose, to get skin in the game, but do it in a really well-organized way. Through this model, we were able to stop a billion-dollar project from George Bush Jr. It was a secret project to spray Northern California for up to uh, nine months a year for 10 years with toxic spray. And they started doing it with nobody's permission. And people started going to the hospital. Uh, birds and, and fish and insects were dying in vast numbers. And so, uh, so we've, we had to fight it. And we started using this model and it instantly got effective. I'm not going to describe the whole thing, but we stopped a billion dollar requisition by the president out of Homeland Security to spray 11 million people with toxins. We stopped it in six months with about probably $50,000 and a lot of volunteer time. And, the, and that involved scientists and media people and doctors and relationship specialists and worldview specialists. I mean, we're bringing all these different sectors together in a very organized format, which we're going to be training on the solutions. And the long and short of it is we filed two lawsuits. We had a huge media campaign. The, the governor finally turned around when he knew the lawsuit was going in, in a direction that he hadn't anticipated. He joined our, our, our team and we ended up stopping the whole thing. And even more importantly, then we had a network throughout Northern California with emails uh, that of people who were committed to solving this type of problem. So they tried to come back with several other different types of spray, and we would shut them down within a few weeks because the, the real gem is meeting the like-minded people, connecting with them interpersonally, and then connecting uh, on a on a technical platform and in a professional way that you can very efficiently come together to get the job done. And when we won that whole thing, our trophy was that through a Freedom of Information Act request, we got a, an email, an internal email in the California Department of Food and Agriculture that, we, uh, that was part of the perpetrating team. We, we got a hold of an internal email that said, we anticipated some resistance from Santa Cruz, but we had no idea it would be so well organized. So Martin Luther King, one of the things that he said that really stuck in my mind was that the people who love peace need to get as well organized as those who love war. And the Great Reset people are very well organized and very well funded. The Greater Reset people we're not all well-funded yet, 
but we're getting well organized. And as Aaron said early, earlier, it's the people who are actually willing to look at the truth and take a stand for freedom. That's where the real power is because we've got truth, we've got love, and we've got the life force on our side. So I am absolutely in awe of what's being done through the greater reset. I loved participating in, in, in one. I saw how the whole thing took off globally. I'm so glad you followed it up uh, with a number two. And it's really a, a privilege to get to spend this time with uh, you know sharing our message with the network. Um, and then uh, to be able to be an opening act for the music that I know is following. <laughs> So thank you very much. I think I'll wrap it up there. Woo! Give it up, give it up. They love you. They I love, you. love you. We so can do, do this. We You're will win. <laughs> You're a good man. I think we have a little bit of time for Q&A, so maybe I'll grab a question or two here from Buda. You can grab uh, someone from Zihuatanejo, Mexico, Mexico, Mexico. Anybody have a question for Foster Gamble about Solutions Hub or the work he's doing or his ideas on activism? Come on down. You're the next contestant on The Greater Reset. Dun -dun -dun, dun -dun -dun, dun -dun -dun, Please introduce yourself. Athena here from uh, from Boulder, Colorado. Welcome. Um, so we are involved with, or we are, my other partner over there, we are um, having a pretty good group in Boulder, Colorado, and we would love to get more information about the solutions group, better groups, and how can we know more about that? Okay. Great question. Yeah. Thank you. And the, the best things to do right now are to go to thriveon.com and check out the Solutions Hub tab, as I suggested, but also send an email. If you already have a group that's being effective, send an email to me at info at thrivemovement.com. And I will make sure that it gets on to my teammate, Zenka Caro, who is uh, who's managing the onboarding of various teams around the world right now, and we'll get you hooked up. Excellent. You got any questions down there in Mexico? Uh, do we have any questions for Foster? I'll add while we wait for a question. Uh, anybody interested on the Freedom Cell Network? I know we do have a big Freedom Cell called the Colorado Freedom Family out there and lots of different groups organizing there. So if you haven't checked freedomcells.org as well, if you're in Colorado and looking for people, I suggest that. Any questions out here? Anyone? Yeah, let me let me tag, let me add one one other thing on to what you just said, Derek, was <laughs> I need to make it very clear to people that these groups are not in competition with each other. If it comes out that way, then it hasn't been structured right. So we have no desire to replace or complete with, compete with the Freedom Cell Network. We want to be partners with the Freedom Cell Network and the people's rights uh, and yeah. the children's health defense and on and on. When we synergize our efforts without competing but with cooperation, that will be the decentralized global grassroots movement that the world has never seen but that we need right now. Heck yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Foster. I have one question for you. Um, 
just in relation to solutions and community, I know a big part of this is for us to become energy independent, to not have to depend on the, you know, the governments or corporations for our power in the long term. And I know that on Thrive too, especially, you guys focused on alternative sources of energy. Is there any latest development you can tell us as far as any of the individuals you interview in the documentary um, that they, you know, anything they have, new developments, products that might be available for people soon or just anything to add in that department? Yeah, the, unfortunately, um, the pandemic uh, threw a monkey wrench in a lot of the great activities that were going on because we had some major investors, engineers, uh, licensees uh, lined up to go to various places, uh, particularly in, uh, in Thailand, South America, and others, uh, to vet these things for themselves in order to know if they wanted to invest. Uh, we had several people who already run major energy companies and they already have the infrastructure for uh, R&D, for manufacturing, for distribution. They already have the clientele who is looking for alternatives to dirty energy. And that has been postponed for basically a year um, with the travel restrictions, especially to uh, Southeast Asia. But it looks like those are starting to get lifted. So um, I know that one of the, the uh, technologies that we featured in the film, the hydrogen technology, I can't be really specific about this, but one of the wealthiest people in the world um, from Asia uh, made a huge um, multi-million dollar offer to the inventor and 50% ownership in the new company to, uh, to partner in bringing this thing out. Um, so they had sent three different vetting teams for a week each and, and came to the conclusion, yeah, this is the real deal. This will not only provide free energy, but it will restore the balance of the carbon cycle as it does it. Um, but then the inventor did some due diligence on this guy and found out that he was partnering hand in hand with Bill Gates to install millions of 5G antennas all over India. And so, so the inventor pulled out of the deal. But, and so I appreciate his integrity. And that, that's one of the places where we are going to take our investors and engineers. As soon as that travel ban lifts, we hope to be able to empower him. And there's, there's several other technologies also that, um, that I can't speak about yet. But once the travel ban is lifted um, and these people are secure enough, then I'll be announcing those to the world as well. That's Thank great. You. Yeah, it really exposes just the evil of the cabal when they're suppressing this technology that's so beneficial for mankind. All right, we do have a question here in Buda, Texas. Please introduce yourself and ask your question to old Foster Gamble. Okay. Hi, Foster. I am such a big fan of yours, and I've been promoting your Thrive movies for a while. Like, so honored. <laughs> and Thank you my so heart's much. beating really fast just to, to speak to you. I'm really grateful that you're part of this. Um, so my question is, I feel like this is a time for all of us to really step into our courage and step into a place that's uncomfortable. And when I go into a store not wearing a mask, I feel a little nervous, but I do it anyways. And that's, you know, like my little way to like stand in my truth and my freedom. But for you to put this, these movies out there in such a big way, like, that is a tremendous act of courage. And what repercussions have you experienced from, from doing this? Hmm. Well, thank you for your concern. And also thank you for 
doing all the courageous acts that you and so many others are doing every day. I, I don't believe that courage is, you know, somebody's special birthright or something like that. I think it's uh, a capability for beings. And we get better at it as we try it and find out that it works. It's not without risk, but it's with the greatest rewards of all, because you get to be, you get to stay in touch with your soul. And therefore you get to follow your own inner guidance, which leads you to your purpose. And then you can actually end up having a fulfilling life rather than just, you know, people say to me, hey, you could be sipping Mai Tais on a beach in Guam. You're taking all these risks. Well, that would not be life. For me, I, I'm so deeply in love with my fellow humans that I could not be sipping Mai Tais while, while children are getting toxic vaccines while people are uh, having their businesses taken away, while they're being locked in their homes, they're not able to, to see their, their grandparents and so forth. You know, we're really at the threshold of utopia or oblivion. And this is not predestined. We don't know how this turns out. What I do know is that it's up to us. And it takes just as much courage to get people's dirty looks when you're not wearing a mask uh, or to talk to your friend who's wanting to get the vaccine about the risk when you know they're going to be upset at you. It takes just as much to do that as it does to do what we're doing. You know, we, we have so, a little bit of safety in the, in the fact that we're very publicly known. So stuff that happens to us will get publicized worldwide very fast. We also have been blessed with a highly skilled security team for the last 20 years and they've kept us completely safe we have had no issues we've had a you know some so forth but we've never had actual issue and all the trolls on the internet who tried to attack us personally and all that that stuff went away within a year because there was no truth to it and our growing network was able to combine on all the different social media outlets and just say listen you guys don't know what you're talking about they, they have a consistent track record of honesty and truth in what they're, they're putting out. So open your minds and hearts because this is really important information. So I, I just really acknowledge everyone who is being, who feels like they're at risk and don't take risks unnecessarily. If you feel like your, your life is unnecessarily at risk, then, then wait. Wait till you have a large group. This week, what we call a critical mass action. We'll be doing those through the solutions up instead of one person taking a big risk and getting shut down. You know, when you've got 20 restaurants all, all open at the same time, when you want to, to have a tax revolt or, or uh, protest dishonest media, you know, show up with 300,000 people because then you're, you're still taking a stand, but you're doing it with the wisdom of a martial arts master. <laughs> Thank you for that, Foster. Thank you. Now, I have one more question, just a brief question before we let you go for this evening. And again, thanks for your time and for sharing all of your wisdom with us. Do you have any practical advice, suggestions for folks who are paying attention to what's going on with immunity passports, vaccine passports, you know, the potential of free travel pretty much coming to an end for some people, uh, depending on what they want to deal with or don't want to deal with? Any suggestions, thoughts on that situation? Well, yeah, it's obviously a huge one. And people like uh, like Bobby Kennedy are, are really blowing the whistle on this. And uh, Naomi Wolf as well. Um, and th the number one thing for me is if you do any serious homework at all, you will know 
not to do not to take any vaccine like that in any of these vaccines and don't even be tested unless you it, I can't imagine the situation in which I would uh, would allow myself to have what's on those swabs stuck up next to my 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 brain and to go on you know get in their records and all that type of stuff much less the vaccine I've got numerous friends who have friends and relatives who are either in the hospital now or have died from the vaccine. This is very real. This is World War III, it is on. So my main suggestion to people who have any doubt about that is wait, wait and see, because the, the vaccine death numbers and injury numbers are like nothing we've ever seen before. The information is coming in very fast. So if you think that you need to see a relative or go to a wedding or something like that, just postpone it for six months. Postpone it for a year if it's going to involve you getting having to get these injectables put in you. And then I, I think it's going to be dramatically different within a year. And we'll have a lot more companionship in people who are standing up for health freedom. Thank you so much, Boston. Thank you. Yeah. Give a round of applause. Give it up to Foster Gamble. All right, Foster. Thanks so much for your work. Well, how you guys doing out here? Everybody still awake here in Ziwa? What's happening in Texas? Yeehaw! We got the horses saddled up up front. Got some hay bales out back. That really is what everybody thinks in Texas. Derek's like, I'm from Texas. I don't talk like they that. Think we're all, they already think we're all riding horses. You're not helping. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, it's been an amazing day. It's been great. Heck yeah. It ain't over yet. Yeah. We're back. All right, guys. In we're 2021, continue. the free hearts and minds of the world are standing together in celebration of freedom and community. The people are waking and organizing. The people are recognizing their own power. The people of the world are uniting against the Great Reset. The people are celebrating the Greater Reset. From May 24th to 28th, join us as we gather online and in person for the greater reset from activation to expansion over five days we will focus on practical solutions for the most pressing issues of our time over 30 world-class speakers will share ideas in five different themes may 24th mind body and soul may 25th regenerate the earth May 26th, the counter-economy. May 27th, liberating technology. May 28th, community and relationships. Don't miss out on the next step in the greater reset. It's time to get activated. This is our world our way all right what's up guys thank you so much for being here for all five days can we get a round of applause for all the speakers everybody who's traveled to be here everybody 
holding it down, helping in Central Texas as well. We really appreciate you guys being here. Thank you so much. We have already been posting the archives to the, the full day replays on our different channels. If you want to check them out, we've been sharing that on Telegram. And next week, we'll start posting all of the individual archives. You won't have to pay for any of these talks. All this information is going to be available for free if you missed any of them. So please just follow us on all our channels. And uh, yeah, we're going to... John, you want to come on for a minute before you perform? John's going to perform in a moment. You guys want to hear John? He's going to flow. He's going to rap for you guys. Um, <laughs> this should be interesting. And I just want to say thanks again for being here for the second reset. Those of you who traveled to Mexico, traveled to Texas, those of you watching at home, if you want to send in watch party photos, please send them in. We'll share them online. We're also going to show a couple more people's reset videos. But I think this has been, who feels like this has been another successful event as far as getting new ideas out, meeting new people? Yes. Thank you, guys. Who, who wants to get together in four or five months and do the Greater Reset 3? Who wants to, yeah, if you, we're going to do it. We're going to keep going until, like I said, you guys don't care anymore or until we've fixed things. I guess we'll just keep going, right? <laughs> we'll be doing it with gray hair, rocking on the front porch, streaming from the front porch. What do you think about this whole week, man? No, I think it's been really successful. We had a lot of stressful things leading up to it and some technical difficulties, but we're really thankful for everybody who's been here with us through this. Yeah, I think it went really smooth. I think overall the stream was pretty clean. We had some tech issues here in Buda and Zwa, but it's all just learning opportunities for next time. Uh, super stoked to do this again. Uh, keep our cool, love one another on the organizational team, and I think, I think we'll be all right. We're really excited about this. Let's show a couple of people's reset videos so we can show you some more inspiration of what people are doing in different parts of the world. Let's pull one up, Ramiro. Hi, I'm Joanna. Hi, I'm Paul. And we're from Southwest France and I heard about the Greater Reset because Paul was really up to date on everything that was happening with COVID. And I said, I just can't stand it anymore. I want to know about some solutions. So he told me to have a listen to James Corbett so I had a look on his website and listened to an interview with John Bush and he was talking about the Greater Reset. So we watched that and it was really amazing. And since then, we've started we've started our own vegetable patch. So we're starting to grow veg. Um, I've been volunteering at a local organic vegetable farm and learning about planting. Um, what have you done? Um... Hello and uh, welcome to Buckwheat Farms Magic Emporium and Ballroom where the uh, Greater Reset <clears throat> has already started. In fact, five months ago I sat down and wrote out kind of a vision for this place and it was based on three things. It was based on uh, sustainable permaculture as the means of providing for our family. It was based on voluntary uh, interactions, based on voluntarism and agorism. And it was based on the world of magic or changing or using your will to change your, uh, your outcome, to change your environment, to change your world. And, uh, we've, we've been working on a series of videos since then. I've got a YouTube channel, uh, Buckwheat Farms, uh, Magic Emporium and Ballroom, uh, where we promote, uh, voluntarist ideals. We promote, uh, permaculture, sustainable permaculture, but we also promote the world of magic and, and the world of, uh, of quantum, physics, using quantum physics, uh, using science uh, in our minds. 
and uh, we've seen it come to fruition. Uh, we have about a half acre to three quarters of an acre here. Uh, we've got a greenhouse, uh, sustainable permaculture, uh, um, uh, an aquaponic system's coming in. I'm waiting on the fish. Uh, a flock of chickens, uh, three kuni kunis just had uh, a litter, uh, uh, I guess that's what you call it, of uh, piglets, three other piglets adding to it. And uh, we've got uh, apples and hazelnuts and, uh, and plum trees. And uh, we're just really rocking and rolling here. But the best thing is, is we're starting to make uh, connections within our community as well. We're looking to establish a, a community exchange system here. Uh, we've already actually got one set up and looking to get it going here uh, and using uh, that with uh, community supported agriculture to uh, eradicate basically the uh, the food insecurity here in, in, a, in a, a, a really uh, stratified area in, in middle Georgia. Uh, but we're just so excited to see everyone coming in because that's the thing. It's a lonely walk. It is. It really is a lonely walk. And, and those of you who are doing this, you know, we're swimming upstream. So it's good to see. It's good to have a little confirmation by. Wow. There you go. Two awesome videos of People's Reset. That, where was that farm? Where was his farm at? John, did you catch where he was located? Georgia. The South. Georgia? Wow. Cool. Thank you, guys. Please keep sending in your videos. And again, those of you who are here watching at home or listening here in person, you can vote on the website if you want to support the people who are just trying to be another example of community members who are stepping up in different ways and getting activated and taking real steps. That's what that phrase means. You know, maybe it sounds kind of silly to get activated, but really we're just trying to help educate each other, inspire each other, and then activate each other in the sense of moving towards tangible goals, taking real steps towards that. So once again, thanks to everybody who's tuned in this week for all the knowledge from our five speakers. And uh, John, you ready for your performance? I am ready. If I could get my lovely girlfriend's phone so I could use the timer function, that would be great. That's I'm a very specific All righty, ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble. I think that guy gets paid like $50,000, $100,000 every time he does that. That's nice. Okay, so, all right, I'm going to do a freestyle rap for you guys. Freestyle means I'm making it up as I go, also known as a flow. Okay, so I can do that while giving a speech. There's no reason why I can't do it while listening to rap music, right? This isn't the first time that I've done this. I've been doing it since middle school, I guess, so. All right, so uh, this is gonna turn off as the challenge. No, it's, can you, is yours gonna freeze though? Because this is gonna have a timer that, or the screen's gonna turn off. Will you, yours do that? Okay, we'll just give it a try. All right, I have two songs prepared. And both of them, hopefully the YouTube video doesn't get pulled for copyright infringement, but whatever. All righty, let's kick it off there in the back, MC Dave. All right, Ice Cube, man. Give it up, the greater reset. View to Texas, man. It was a good day and it was a good week. 
Because we came together, solutions we seek. And now we all feeling oh so good. And if you speak the same language, then I know it's understood. Starting off with the mind, body, and soul. There's no need to stress, because it really takes a toll. Instead, flip the script and get a new lease on life. Man, it would be oh so nice if we could all move together in a community. And then together we have unity. You and me, us and we, he and she, together we'll flee the prison state. It's a state of mind. You gotta just dig deep and I'm sure you will find. Let's move forward. There's no need to rewind. But together we can blaze a doobie and you know we'll unwind. Feeling real good. Such a good time. Big Johnny B, man, he's about to bust a rhyme. Do it in no time. Smoking weed, it ain't a crime. That's why I like to slang the CBD dime. Hey, back to the event. Everyone in this room, we were heaven sent. And together we can get through the weather. When we work together, man, it turns out much better. So send a letter to your congressman. No, there's no time for that because we want to win. Instead, we focus on creation, creating our own sovereign nation. There's no degradation on the signal. It's smooth. So listen up to this ice cube groove. Five different topics. Together we all came in this room and you know we rocked it. And we're not going to stop it. Going to take it back home. Looking so smooth like the wheels that are chrome hey on the damn honda pilot man i really like it when you smile it smile on your face there's no need for no mask because if you got one then we walk right past actually we're gonna be together and outlast immune systems man we do it fast we can do it fast we can do it slow we can sell out every single damn show man all right don't worry, it's not over yet. I know we're gonna win, man, I will make a bet. Yes, you know that we steady trend set. I'm making the words up so there's no way to forget. Cause it comes right off of my mind. And it comes right out of my behind. <laughs> I make it up as I go. I like being on the stage, I like putting on the show With my boy Derek Rose and Ramiro Romani You know that you can never stop me We ain't stopping, we keep going We keep flowing like the river now Snowing down in Texas, call it a Texas flood Jimmy Vaughn rocked the house, it wasn't a dud It was so hot, man, dropping the bombs I'm always fired up and sometimes I'm calm There's no need to feel stressed because when we work together, man, you know we so blessed. And at this time, I must confess, you know we that gotta, oh. And I fell off, but I'll pick it back up. My girlfriend has a really cute pup. His name's Agora, he's got the black fur. And I'm so in love with her. And my daughter, she's in the front. I really love her, man, she's about to have to bunt. The ball on the baseball field. Let's get in the garden and grow a big yield. We got the tomatoes and the carrots too. The pumpkin got messed up and it turned out blue. What's that all about? Is it GMO? Hell no, man, we don't fucking roll like that. And it was a good day, like I said. Today was a good day. A good day and a good week. We all got together and solutions we seek. A good day, man, it was a good week. We all came together and solutions we seek. But don't let it stop, keep it going. Just
just like John Bush about to keep flowing. Yo, yo, yo. Remember when I used to be all stressed out all the time, watching TV, yelling at my kids. Now I'm steady chilling, steady chilling, cause I'm hooked on the feeling. About to stack millions, nah, scratch that, call it billions. But we ain't gonna be like Bill Gates because we preach in love and we never preach in hate. Freedom, it's in our fate. Together, let's go on a date. Let's go have some dinner. There's no need to be a sinner. Been in this game, I ain't no beginner. Been rocking for about 20 years. Now I only drink Kratom and I never drink beer. And I stand so tall with no fear. Putting diamonds in my baby girl's ear. All right, all right, let's talk about this week. It started off talking about the body, and we're all so healthy, yes, we're all big hotties. We were also talking about the soul. Man, you know I'm on a roll. We had some speakers that really went deep, and together we came and we seeked. Man, some of them made me want to weep. None of them were nasty, ugly creeps, because they all have such a truth, and they all got big shiny tooth. <laughs> all right, so... Started with the body, then down to the earth. I've been a free man since my birth. But every single day, I seem to get freer. And every single day, I seem to see clearer. Because I'm really understanding. And you know I'm steady planning. Planning my future, please join me. And you know that we will scorn thee. Anybody that steps against. We'll try to shake their hands, but instead say get bent. Like Bart Simpson, in the future I'd be glimpsing. Steady together, you know we always be pimping. Pimping, cause we on the same path. And you know we about to have to blast past. Any cop or status that wants to tell us to stick a needle in our ass. Cause we ain't taking no toxin. Cause that stuff, man, it is obscene. It's probably laced with stuff that makes you feel sick. All week you be feeling green, and they say that is just how it works. But instead, I think they're nothing but some corrupt jerks trying to sell us a pack of lies. But we don't believe it because we are so wise. We can see through it, through the disguise. The veil of legitimacy, man, they're just gonna try to hide. I'm a king with the crown, representing nothing but the damn A town. But today, we be rocking Buda. Man, some people, they like to call it Buda. That's right. Speaking of Buddha, it's the mindfulness, it's the meditate. If you do that, then you'll soon levitate to a whole nother level. Cause we all so peaceful, man, we don't roll with the devil. We roll with the angels in heaven above because we pimpin' nothing but the sweetest, sweetest love. And we always giving hugs. And we aren't gonna take Big Pharma's drugs. Instead, we use the cannabis green. <laughs> all right. All right, man, we all having fun. I got a daughter and I have a son. We gonna go float up like the sun. There's no need to bother anyone. Just leave us alone. All we wanna do is sit back and smoke homegrown. Tomatoes or maybe the weed. It don't matter, it's whatever we need. As long as we don't hurt other people, we can worship in any church steeple. 
Our religion shouldn't even matter. Instead, all the cops, they need to scatter. Let me be free. So together we can represent our sovereignty. Sovereignty and liberty. If we unite, there's no stopping we. Together, forever, we can make it through any weather. Whether it's a storm or a light shower. When we unite, man, you know we have the power to devour any coward. Woo! Greater Reset 2. Check us out, Linky B Freedom Styles. It ain't over. Got good luck like a four-leaf clover. Lately, I'm always sober. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. Greater Reset, Freedom Styles, a.k.a. Linky B, a.k.a. Johnny B. Thank you. Bailouts, inflation, social credit scores, and monetary controls? In a world with increasing surveillance and financial tyranny, millions are turning to cryptocurrency to help them find greater sovereignty. John Bush here to invite you to check out the Demystifying Crypto Workshop. Matt McKibben, Ramiro Romani, and I recently produced over 17 hours of content aimed at taking you from crypto curious to crypto confident. In the workshop, I break down the basics of cryptocurrency, including how to buy it, hold it, and transfer it without revealing your identity. Matt McKibben of Decentranet delivers a primer on decentralized finance, explaining how you can multiply your crypto or use it to give yourself no-interest loans. Finally, Ramiro Romani of Above Agency teaches participants how to cultivate a privacy mindset and how to cover their internet footprint. The Demystifying Crypto Workshop is already receiving rave reviews, and you too can gain access to the over 17 hours of incredible content. To learn more or purchase your ticket today, go to to CryptoAndPrivacy.com. That's CryptoAndPrivacy.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's what rap looks like when you don't have time to write music. All right, thank you so much for letting me rock your stage. And we now are joined by a very good friend of mine who flew in all the way from Washington State, right? Washington State these days. This guy has seven kids, ladies and gentlemen. He's procreating as part of his activism. We have to outbreed the statists, people. That's right. Get to it. I want to introduce you guys to Jordan Page. He is an amazing activist and he speaks truth to power through his music, his incredibly powerful vocals and his face-melting solos. And we're so excited to have him here in Buda, Texas, and we're excited to have him playing for the crowd here, the cloud in Mexico, and everybody watching on the live stream. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for Jordan Page. Thank you, John. I'm not sure how I'm supposed to follow that act. guitar in the monitor, dude. Thank you very much. So 
I've been listening all day and have been very, very moved by everything that I've heard. These aren't things that I'm hearing for the first time. I've been, I've been in this for most of my adult life. And, uh, you know, every, every day my wife and I try to instill most of these values <clears throat> into our kids. You know, we've done the unschooling thing. We've, you know, we, we, we live a fairly alternative back to the earth lifestyle. And um, it is, I just say it's a privilege to be amongst, amongst like-minded people, people who are seeking the truth, who aren't afraid to look the problems in the eye, um, you know, to be sharing the, the, the screen here and then the stage with people like Foster Gamble and Richard Grove and Benny Wills and, and Aaron Hawkins. This is the first time I, I've, I've, I've seen uh, Aaron speak, but I was incredibly moved by what he had to say. And I agreed with just about everything he said. And uh, you know, I, he kind of articulated things in, in a, almost verbatim the way that I have in the past. And it was, it was uh, like Foster said, it was very sobering to hear his assessment. It's the same assessment I've come to. But you know, my, my hope is not in the things of this world. My hope is in God and in the resilience of the human race and the goodness in every person. And it's gonna take all of us waking up and standing together and that happens through education and getting people emotionally invested. And how I do that is with music. And I'm gonna share some with you now. This is called The World Can't Wait. I know that the time has come for the whole world to see. But the world will not bear the burden we wear or the truth that enslaves us and sets us all free. I know that the time has come for the whole world to see how truth takes a slave from cradle to grave down the walls of his
all consent is broken on the road to ruin. And there's no turning around. And the Dave, could you bring my monitors up, uh, both vocal and, and guitar, please? Awesome. So it's been a pretty amazing day. I've heard a lot of, uh, a lot of awesome opinions. And, and like they were talking about earlier, it's, it's, you know, we have to identify the, the, the problems and we have to be willing to look at the problems. And uh, years ago, I sat down and I tried to think about, or I, I tried to kind of encapsulate what all, all of the, you know, big problems are. And of course, you know, that's too much to put in one song, but I did my best. Okay. <laughs> and this song is called Sedition. And sedition is defined as a subversive act of rebellion against the established authority. So when the established authority is poisoning you and <clears throat> is trying to uh, implement global slavery on you, then I think it's every breath coming out of your mouth should be a seditious act. That's, that's where I'm at. I've been there for a long time. Um, I'm very encouraged by 
by so many things, by so many people waking up and, and saying no. You know, it's a bummer that so many people are, are bending over to the rebranding of the New World Order, which is the Great Reset. Um, but I, I, I tip my hat to John Bush and Derek Bros and Rebecca and everybody who put on this event, and everyone who participated, and to all of you for coming. You know, we are the people that our neighbors who are uninformed are going to be looking to for for guidance and leadership when everything comes crashing down because we were already we were already ready for it. So this is sedition. to the flags that cover our soldiers whose stripes run red with their blood for young men will die in an endless supply while the real killers hide from the flood yeah here's to a flag a symbol of conquest an empire of violence unfurled I'll not pledge or applaud save only to God as I grieve for the pain in the world but you won't consider the notion that things are not all what they seem Blindness is vision, slavery is your religion, and there's no waking up from the dream. Now here's to the centers of indoctrination, controlled by the power blind, deaf, and dumb, and prepare to accept your defeat. The Greater Reset team would like to send a special thanks to InnoScale. With over 15 years of experience in data management and hosting, InnoScale delivers innovative and reliable cloud hosting and cloud servers for your personal or business needs. We trusted InnoScale with the hosting of thegreaterreset.org. They helped us to handle over 150,000 visits during our last stream. No matter how big or small, you can trust InnoScale with your hosting needs. More information at InnoScale.net. That's I-N-N-O scale.net. Test one, two, three. Tell me, tell my story. Well, I was like anyone else. I was just kind of interested in my own life and my own story and hadn't given a lot of thought to uh, what was going on around me. You know, I was raised in a fairly non-political house, although my parents, I, you know, I, 
think were Democrats when I was a kid. Uh, you know, they they switched after after a while, but um, there there was no real discussion of politics in our house, and which in I wouldn't. It's like it's like you know, even though you go through hard times in life, I wouldn't necessarily go back and change anything because that's how I became me, and I'm awesome. So I wouldn't want that to not. I wouldn't want to turn out any different, even though I had to go through some horrible stuff. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade that because it, it's it, it led me to all of you on the stage right now. You know, it led me to being part of this event. Like this. This is what I'm about. This kind of stuff, just spreading the truth as I see it. And but I had I had to go through some really really difficult realizations that uh, honestly, I, I was just kind of thrust into through divine intervention. And I was just kind of pulled from my little happy bubble and was thrust into the, to the dark abyss of information that exists out there. And you all know what I'm talking about. You guys have all been up at 4 a.m. researching lizard people and don't tell me that you haven't because uh, I won't believe you. So there's... <clears throat> Everyone has to make choices. Everyone has to make a decision about what their life is going to going to be. It's like Aaron was talking about, you know, <laughs> like Mario Brothers getting getting all the way to the flag before the castle and then just stopping and letting the time run out. What was it all for? Some people never get past the first mushroom. You know what I'm saying? They just they just they just don't live lives of, of significance or meaning because they don't know who they are. You know, and. I want, I, ha I want to know who I am. I want to know who God is. I want to know who all of you are. I want, to, I want to know the truth. And I want to speak that truth every time I open my mouth. That should be everyone's goal because we live in a time of universal deceit. So speaking the truth is a revolutionary act, to quote Orwell. So to that effect, last year I was contacted by a group out of Virginia who were fighting all the red flag laws. And they asked me to write a song for their cause because it was like 97 counties in Virginia collectively stood up against the, the, the red flag legislation and declared their counties, uh, sovereign counties, free of that legislation. They just declared themselves independent. Like, no, we're, the, the cops, the sheriffs, they were all part of it. Like, we will not enforce this, which was a huge triumph, huge triumph. And... They asked me to write a song, and I, which I wrote in like two weeks. And then uh, the, the pandemic came down like the Iron Curtain that it was and just shut everything down, and there were no recording studios, and I didn't have the gear, and I couldn't record it. I finally got this thing recorded. It's coming out this summer. This will be my next single. My current single, Hour of Change, I'll play for you in a minute. I played it last night, but I'm play it again. And, uh, but this song is called The Red Flag. And over last summer where we saw the, the kind of like the breakout of, you know, communist violence all over the country, destroying cities and, and just assaulting people left and right. Uh, you know, that didn't happen overnight. That, the, 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 the rise in popularity in this deadly ethos has been brewing a long time. You guys know that. So this song kind of took on new meaning for me and I see it now more like an anti-communist sort of anthem, even more so than it was about the red flag legislation, uh, which removes due process. I mean, they were even banning karate 
They were banning martial arts. Any technique that could be used to harm another person, they were trying to ban that, to stop people from meeting to, meet, meeting to learn how to protect themselves. Any sort of self-defense was illegal. So just one. Okay. All right. Well, this is a good one to do then. All right. So this is called the red flag. Look for this this summer. Covers all that you can see. It's fabric woven into everything that you believe. The burdens of your silence now, like many times before, are invitations to begin the war. Well, can't you see the rain? Can't you see them bear the standard like blood against the sky? Tomorrow waits for no one. Will you kiss it all goodbye? Because if you don't resist, you might as well just lay right down and die. A wicked man will conquer all, for violence is his game. A righteous man resists him, where a spark becomes a flame. Your enemy revealed to be unraveling their plans, as they legislate to confiscate the weapons from your hands. Can't you see? Red flag flying high Can't you see them bear the standard Like blood against the sky Tomorrow waits for no one Will you kiss it all goodbye Cause if you don't resist You might as well just lay right down and die The rights of men Given by the Lord who reigns above, and no man can truly rule another. To wage war on your brother is the greatest of all sins. But if they mean to have a war, then here it shall begin. Whoa. Can't you see hey, hey, the red 
Cause if you don't resist, you might as well just lay right down. The future's unpredictable. The past is all a lie. If you don't wake up, you might as well just lay right down. Thank you guys very much. Jordanpage.net is the website. You can find music and all kinds of good stuff. Jordanpage.net. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. All right. Thank you so much. Give it up for Jordan Page, ladies and gentlemen. All right. We're going to take a break to hear from some of our sponsors. And then coming up, 33. seeing this message right now through the beauty of the internet. This is a place where you can say what you think, express how you feel, and manifest the ideas that you have. But this freedom is under attack. Censorship, mass surveillance, and abusive software services attempt to track and trace everything you do. If you want to protect yourself and you're ready to take your digital life back into your own hands, then join us at Above Agency. We're a team of engineers, privacy researchers, designers, and marketers who help educate people on privacy and technology. We also offer both the product and the service, the Above Office. This office allows you to work completely privately. We support you in running free and open source software on your own servers. You have all the capabilities you need and more. Run your own email, collaborative document editors, calendars and appointments, video conferencing, encrypted messaging, and more. Your servers run on a reliable infrastructure and we administer your server professionally with daily backups. Most of all, we respect your data. We do not share, sell, or transfer logs or data of the server of any kind. Please visit our website at above-agency.com and sign up for the newsletter. Email services at aboveagency.com to learn more about what we can do to help your digital identity. Above Agency, a digital agency for real-world empowerment. Support for The Greater Reset comes from Souls Enterprise. You're already on the spiritual path, but do you feel deeply and authentically connected to yourself, source, and others? Souls Enterprise offers spiritual advancement through in-person and worldwide events, workshops, retreats, and individual work. Find out more at soulsenterprise.org. Souls Enterprise. Connection. Compassion. Consciousness. And now, without further ado, back to the activation. seeing this message right now through the beauty of the internet. This is a place where you
What's up, everybody? I go by the name 33, and I got a couple songs to share with you guys. Ramiro, let me know if we have any issues on the stream. Hip hop. Yep. Ready? Ready? Oh, that one's. Second, everybody. Thank you for your patience, as always. Check, check, check. John, can you guys hear me on the stream before we start? Can I hear it on the stream? Start it over. Let's do it. All right, let's do it now. One more time. You guys ready for this? This will be my first performance as 33 live for you guys right here. So thank you for being here. Check, check. 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 Hip hop king waiting to be crowned. Another election passes and you're still voting on clowns. You think you made a difference, but you're a fake resistance. Keep voting for evil and you might get sick. Six, how many times must we play this game? They're washing our brains, they're watching us kill ourselves from the siege. And I don't mean to offend, but you hate free speech. You can do it, fuck. You can do it, fuck with the rest of the mob. And all those who treat politicians like gods, you need to wake up, join the fight against evil. And I don't mean Trump or the average people. I'm talking about the hidden hand. The deepest state, the ones you don't see who are robbing from your plate. The banksters, gangsters, murderers, and mobsters were being ruled by psychopathic monsters. The pedos in the Vatican are doing it again. The CIA, the NSA, the Zionist clan. They got the plan to keep you trapped in fear. Can't you see, my friends, the great reset is here. I'm not talking about some rich man's plan. I'm saying we can manifest the promised land. If we stop hating and killing each other, maybe we'll see that we have the same mother. I'm just trying to say, as we've been saying all week, we have the power to manifest anything we want. So let's do something with that. Check. Before I scare you away, I don't want to lose you before you hear what I had to say. I ain't got no diamonds, I ain't got no drip. All I got's my body, soul, and tribe I roll with. Only thing I do is put the truth in them reality. It's a neat trick, manifest, and you'll see anything you want. You can have health or wealth. It's time to wake up and love yourself. Love yourself, release the demons you befriended. They're gonna hold you down, man. I promise it's an early ending. We can have anything we want. It's up to us. Overcome create our dreams. I dream to the bottom, let the demons and fight them. Hiding from my trauma, man, drugs, I got them. 
but in my pain and dope till I can't stand up. I might be puking, but keep throwing in my cup. But that wasted life is just a waste of life. We need to wake up and see we are made of light. I know in my heart we're here for a purpose. I can see the truth rising to the surface. Don't you see it? The future's in our hands. It's time to find out where everyone stands. If we stop hating and killing each other, maybe we'll see that we have the same mother. Right. Let's hold off on that for a second. Is it coming through on the stream? We're hearing good things? Cool? All right, good. Shout out to Texas and everybody else watching everywhere else. So again, I go by the name 33. You can find me on soundcloud.com slash 33 is here. And that song is called Same Mother. I write lyrics. No matter what I do, if I'm going to write books, write songs or articles, it's got to have a message. It's got to be about something that matters. And so this is all a part of an album that I'm working on putting out later this summer. It's called Letters to Myself. It's just kind of some therapy for myself. And these next two songs, they go a little bit deeper. You know, I'm mentioning some of the truths about the issues we've been talking about. But really, this for me is a personal journey, a spiritual journey. Some of you, as I've mentioned many times, know that I was addicted to crystal meth at 20 years old, which is, I can't believe it, 16 years ago. I went to prison for a total of 18 months in and out of institutions. I struggled with suicide as a young man. You know, I've come from a family with prison and drugs and alcohol and had to go through a lot of those things to even get to a point where I can say I care about myself and I want to learn more about the world and I want to help other people. I spent most of my first 20 years on this planet in a really dark place. And this music, the thing I love about hip hop and the way I like to do it is it's all about storytelling. Right. And it's just it's such a powerful tradition. It comes from so many different traditions and, you know, comes from the, the black community of telling stories and just now it's all over the world and I love that medium so I'm here to share my stories with you guys and this next song is about the inspiration for this song was just the single thought I said I want to do a song that helps people see that we're all just reflections of each other so this is called reflection we have to reestablish our identity check one two Bring it up a little bit out here, Romero. The people who have created this system and they perpetuate this system, they are out of balance. They have made us out of balance. I got doubts on my mind. It's time to let them fly away. It's time to unlearn poison and heal broken hearts. Go back to the end. It's time for a fresh start. This is the place we can atone for our sins. This is the place where our hero's journey begins. A space between love and hate, where there's no escape from our fate. Rather than be irate, let's create, let's build. The better world we know is possible. I've got no fear, cause we can overcome any obstacle. I stare all my demons in the face, I'll show you what's possible. I send love from my heart, I'm intuitive, not illogical. It's just that lately I've been searching for deeper meaning. I'm sick of drugs, booze, mindless sex, and criminal scheming. Feels like I should have more at this point in time. I'm talking knowledge, not money. I'm trying to feed my mind. See, we are powerful. They deal in violence and repression. We are powerful. We are powerful. They want us to believe. It's not just a mantra. It's true. We can do anything we want. I hope you hear these words from my mind, from my heart, to your ears. Let's do this. 
Open up all three of my eyes and fly to the heavens. During my meditation, I see my life in chapters of seven. I connect to my inner child to heal my wounds. I recall those I've lost to dope gone too soon. My life flashes before me, a collage of joy and pain. I recall the highs, the lows. I swear I'm going insane. I'm trying to wrap my mind around this journey. Spent too much time worried about things that don't concern me. No more time wasted, not chasing my dreams. I wake up every day knowing this world ain't what it seems. We gotta find our own path. We gotta make our own meaning. Cause we can't be sure we might be dreaming. All I know is when I look in your eyes, I see myself. Could it be that our whole reason for being, our existence, is a lesson to teach us over and over till we get this? You are powerful, you are beautiful, and you are free. Shake off your chains, you are blind, but now you see. Grandfather, help us remember where we come from. Grandmother, walk with us until the battle is won. Shout out to John Trudell, that's who's speaking here. We are a natural part of the earth. We are an extension of that natural energy, that natural energy which is spirit and which is power. That is natural power. And just as it takes millions and billions of elements to make a blizzard to happen or to make the earthquake, to make the earth to move, then it's going to take millions and billions of us. We are power. We have that power. Thank you, guys. I got one more, one more. And like I said, this is all going towards a six-song album, a six-song EP I'm going to put out later this summer. I got three of them written, including the one you're about to hear. And I've been working on this every day this week to get it down. I'm going to have my phone here as backup in case I need to reflect a little. But I think I got it. I've been working hard since this morning. So, again, this one is going a little bit deeper on that journey. This is kind of, I like to work with concepts and bring truth in that way. So this song has three verses and each verse takes a kind of a different point in the path. The first verse deals with my mindset, putting myself back in the mindset when I was still hooked on drugs, when I was still dealing with that stuff and kind of getting locked up. And then the second verse is sort of just getting out fresh out of that state and really looking at the world with fresh eyes. And the third one is kind of maybe where we're at right now. So it goes into some deep stuff, and, and uh, I, I, like I said, it's all therapy. So hopefully none of, the, none of the things I'm sharing are taken as sob stories because I believe, as I'm sure many of you do, that all the struggles we go through in our lives make us who we are. So I'm thankful for all the scars I wear, physical, metaphorical, whatever, because they help make me this person. And one other thing I will address, since it seems interesting to people, this name, 33, I am not a Freemason. This is... Not some Illuminati stuff. Um, slight brief rant. People make symbols and numbers and things. They give them power. Sometimes you let them have power over you. Do the people we are opposing, the people doing this agenda, use symbols and numbers and things? Absolutely. 100% every day all around you. But do they control these numbers? Do they own the swastika? Do they get to determine what that means? Do they own the cross? Do they own the numbers? I don't think so. I don't give them that power over me. We also have 33 vertebrae. Some people believe Christ ascended at the age of 33. The same thing for Buddha. There's a lot of different things. So it's all about your interpretation. I started rapping at the age of 33 and some of those other things. And so every time I talk about it, there's always somebody that's, why 33? Are you a Freemason? I know you are. Okay. All right. I'm done. Okay, this song is called Another Cage. And it's about living in cages, physical and otherwise. 
Yeah, let's do this. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for being with me. It means a lot. Check. Check. I got a story that I need to tell It's about rock bottom and living in hell I'm losing my mind, but I'm finding myself So many sleepless nights, man, I ain't living well I'm trying to find my balance, I'm trying to find my center But I keep on living the life of a sinner I like pushing limits, so I'm searching for the edge But if I keep doing dope, man, I'm gonna end up dead I'm headed down the same path as my father I'm not having fun, don't know why I bother The apple don't rot too far from the tree Does that mean he's what I'm destined to be? I'm trying to be a better man and carve my own path I tried drug dealing, but that ain't where it's at Now I'm locked in a cage doing time behind bars I got better things to do, man, I'm aiming for the stars It's just another day It's just another cage It's just another day It's just another cage Now I'm free from the prison and my journey begins As I start a new life, the old one ends So this is what it feels like to be alive This might be the first time that I'm whole inside But now I see my people, the living as slaves They hide from the truth, they don't see the cage So I left the prison walls and my battle's been won But I didn't get out of cage just to go back to one Sometimes a prison is a place in your mind If you look deep enough, you just might find The doubts and the fears that are holding you back Watch out for the darkness, I promise it's a trap Maybe it's time we face the opposition Let's take a look at society's division It's time to recognize our place and our position Cause there's plenty of blame from where I'm sitting Yeah, it's just another day Just another cage this one will be a little more difficult. But I think I can do it if you guys help. Make some noise, let's do it. Last first, thank you guys, 33. I know it's a cliche you've probably heard before, but we are the ones we've been waiting for. This is our moment to shine, to fly free. This is where we find out what we're destined to be. Can we open our eyes and free our minds? Are we ready to see and read between the lines? I give thanks every day, because I hope it's our time. The moment we heal, because I can see the signs, the symbols, the people we are searching for. This journey's about finding out what's in store. And I don't got all the answers, but I know I'm free. This is the truth, this is what we're meant to be. The only thing holding you back is your shadow Escape the dark, find the light, and you will grow The truth is this, we are meant to survive We ain't meant for cages, we are meant to thrive It's just another day It's just another cage Thank you guys so much Appreciate that, thank you Thank you guys Find me at soundcloud.com slash 33 is here, and I'm here. Thank you, guys. Peace. In 2021, the free hearts and minds of the world are standing together in celebration of freedom and community. The people are waking and organizing. The people are recognizing their own power. The people of the world are uniting against the Great Reset. The people are celebrating the Greater Reset. From May 24th to 28th, 
Join us as we gather online and in person for the Greater Reset, from activation to expansion. Over five days, we will focus on practical solutions for the most pressing issues of our time. Over 30 world-class speakers will share ideas in five different themes. May 24th, Mind, Body, and Soul. May 25th, Regenerate the Earth. May 26th, The Counter-Economy. May 27th, Liberating Technology. May 28th, Community and Relationships. Don't miss out on the next step in the Greater Reset. It's time to get activated. This is our world, our way.
All right, welcome back to the Greater Reset Activation. Thank you guys for listening to my music. I appreciate that. We have one more musical performance this evening. Again, shout out to everybody who's been with us this entire week. Different people tuning in from Switzerland, across the U.S. and Mexico. We really do appreciate it. It means a lot. We hope everybody is going to take that word activation and expansion and really live it and recognize that we're not just trying to gather and do these things for for a lack of purpose. We want to make sure that there is intention, there is goals and, and things coming out of this, that there's fruit so that when we do the next greater reset later on this year, you guys can come back and tell us your stories of activation and all the wonderful things you've been doing. You can share your videos and you can come up here and speak on this stage with people because that's what we want all of us to realize. It's not just about the people who are up here talking. It's about what each of us are doing, right? And part of that is music as well. So Miriam is going to introduce our final performer of the night, which is So Below. So tell us about it, baby. Well, So Below has started a few years back in Houston, and since this whole pandemic has started, they got activated, like Derek's talking about, and instead of staying home, like a lot of different musicians have done, they've decided to start touring, touring the U.S. and bringing, I mean, recognizing that music is healing, it's medicine, right? It's medicine for the spirit, so that's what they started doing, going to the momentary, like, autonomous zones, like um, Jackalope, like a lot of you are familiar with, and sharing that music, sharing the love, and I hope that you guys feel that love from them. They're a reggae band, and they're psychedelic reggae, so super beautiful. I hope y'all enjoy them. So below. Oh, no. How's everybody doing tonight? Shout out to all the live stream family out there. We are So Below from Houston, Texas. Coming around here, helping ways the vibration through music and sound inspiration. This one's called Rebel Lion. This is for anybody fighting against the system. Thank you. 
next one's about uh kind of coming out to events like this and things like jackalope and uh kind of finding like your newfound family and the experience is just so like beautiful and profound it's kind of hard to leave those those places and spaces and it's those moments are very fleeting so this song is called back to babylon it's about not necessarily going back to but just trying to go back into the forest and and be a part of those those experiences more than trying to be a part of what society is providing for us. So back to Babylon. Natural way, so it'll bring a whole lot of heartache, but they know we 
Easier with a pedal. <laughs> this next song right here is called uh, Life's Change. We actually released a music video on YouTube. You can check it out. Just look up So Below Life's Change. Uh, we filmed it in Roosevelt, Texas, or not Texas, I'm so used to being in Texas, yeah. Roosevelt, Arizona. And it's just uh, about life's change, you know. Things are a little different sometimes. Gotta keep the positive vibe and just go with the flow, huh? Just like See, living this way is always gonna change And Babylon cannot take it away 
Searching for its higher ground Searching for its brighter sound We're looking deep inside Go and find your gem right now Go out and let it shine now Go let it shine now Come on, go let it shine now I say, ooh, what a feeling just to love And be loved in return I'm looking at this world and it seems like all we need a little motivation to brave the storm that we're all facing. And yeah, your friends may leave. <laughs> your times get tough. We gon' have to suffer, let go, be no, we will never give up. Never give up on our dreams, so oh no. Never give up on our family, so oh no. Never give up on ourselves, oh no, no. Don't be afraid of change. It's gonna be okay. Oh yes, one day. Don't be afraid of change. It's gonna be okay. Oh yes, one day, one day, one day, one day, one day, one day, one day. Yeah. And everybody knows it's gonna be okay one day. You just gotta keep trying and keep pushing on. Like Uncle Bob said, if it was worth it, it would be easy. And if it was easy, it would be worth it. On a television, uptown living isn't what you really after. Not like Babylon, and brings no happily ever after. But what really matters for the moments you can get back to these days. To the days when things were so good. Oh, yes, I
Thank you. Thank you. Shout out to everybody who's uh, joining in and participating. Again, we're so below. Check us out on uh, sobelowmusic.com. This is for all of our friends and family that we meet on the road. We love you guys. This song is for you. Give up hope. So I sing this song to you. So don't blow up the spark Kicking in the door But we've already smoked what we got The bad minds are too upset, you know They couldn't catch the naughty dread Steal the earth, jump provided to the earth Well, I'm free to share All the love I have for my girl. 
got to keep moving on Then I'm morning gone And bring up noon That's soon I do it You know I come my bed Lord knows I want to go back on my bed Thank you guys. This one's called Honor to Earth. For all the people sitting in a cell right now. Yeah. 
Thank you guys and gals out there. We are Sobolo. Make sure you check us out at sobolomusic.com, Facebook, Instagram, Sobolo Music. Much yeah. love to you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, y'all. That was great. Sounded good. Grooving. Myra's over here grooving out. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, guys. That was excellent. Appreciate it. Good jamming. All right. Wow. Good vibes to close it down, to close it down. Where are my peeps down in Ziwa? Give it up here in Buda. Well, what's up? There he is, 33. Or is he Derek Bros now or is he 33? I don't know. He's got to let that hair down to be in character at 33. What's up, man? That was great. How did it sound down there? Hey, it sounds great, man. Thanks for, thanks for being with us. And yeah, so below. Give it up for so below. Wow, it's been one heck of a week. I want to thank everybody that's been here, whether just a day or two or the whole week with us. This has been pretty, uh, pretty epic. I hope that you've taken a lot out of it. I know that I have just being a part of this experience and listening to the speakers and presenters myself and connecting with all you guys, really powerful stuff. How are you feeling down there, D-Bros, at D-Bros, live free on Twitter? I'm, I'm doing well. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, cool. You're a little quiet on our end. We're working on that. But again, thanks everybody for being here. Thank you to So Below, for Jordan Page, for John Flowen, for everybody who's contributed in different ways this week. It's been pretty amazing. Um, I just want to mention a couple of things before we say goodnight and end of the week and thank all of you for being involved. I just want to remind you that during my talk, for those of you who heard me speak, I mentioned my book, The Holistic Self-Assessment. I want to remind you that it is online to download for free. There's a course, there's an online course by the Autonomy Crew, Richard Grove, who we heard speak earlier today. But even if you don't want to take this on online course, it's nine weeks long, just download the book for free. Print it out and work through it. It's like I said the other day, it's some of the steps that helped me when I went to prison and worked through some of my issues and some of my traumas. So I put it together because I think it could be valuable. So if you find value in it, please download it for free. If you want the books, they're over there. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that. And again, remind everybody that we are having workshops tomorrow, one with Lainey Liberty, who we heard speak earlier with her son. She'll be doing a shadows workshop. And we have a workshop from Amira, who's also here. There'll be two people here in Ziwa, two people in Texas with John and Dale Brown. Dale Brown's going to go deeper into self-defense and how we can, you know, like he said, protect the things we love. So for those workshops, it's $100 US dollars tomorrow here at the same time from 12 to about 4 p.m. And uh, then tomorrow night, I'll remind everybody again, we do have a final end of the week celebration. And all of this information is on the Greater Reset Activation Telegram and the Ziwa channel. John, what you got? Yeah, we're going to be doing an after party here at Indra's Warehouse. Give it up for Indra's Warehouse. Some of you guys don't even know what that is. And you're just like, yeah, we're vibing. Nib High Football Rules. Anybody knows that reference? Yeah, we're feeling good. Super excited to have uh, pulled this off. It was a bumpy ride, but I think the content was there and the vibe was high the entire time. 
I want to shout out the volunteers, Philip, Serge, everybody, Ramiro's above agency team, all the folks helping here on the ground. Uh, super excited. It's Dave, the sound guy. Uh, we're going to bring all the volunteers locally up here shortly. Definitely shout out Rita for sure. Uh, also, the, the team there at Autonomy Unlimited, everything that they've done. And remember, this is all about activation. It's about getting active. It's about feeling inspired and doing things and building things and creating things. And that's really what's going to bring about the change in this world. Yep, it's about getting activated, expanding that activation, doing new things, continuing to take small steps. Remember, we heard a lot of big ideas this week. Don't be overwhelmed no matter where you're at, what position you are, how old you are, what your background is. There are steps you can start taking today to make yourself more free mentally, physically, spiritually, economically, to help free the kids. There are so many things we can do. So expand your activation by looking at practical steps you can take. And then for us, when we look ahead to the future of the Greater Reset, it seems like the next conversation we need to have is about integration. So maybe we can look forward to that in the next Greater Reset. All right, man. I'm, I'm good over here. What about you? You ready to say goodnight? Yeah. I would encourage people just to find little things. Take some baby steps. So pick out some nuggets that you heard from this week and apply them this week. And then apply some other nuggets and some more nuggets and some more nuggets. Before you know it, you'll have a 20-piece nugget. So. Not from McDonald's, though. All right. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're good. This has been great. Thank you so much, everybody. Until next time, we're going to keep on keeping on. See you next time, everyone. Peace. hearts and minds of the world are standing together in celebration of freedom and community. The people are waking and organizing. The people are recognizing their own power. The people of the world are uniting against the Great Reset. The people are celebrating the Greater Reset. From May 24th to 28th, join us as we gather online and in person for the Greater Reset. From activation to expansion. Over five days, we will focus on practical solutions for the most pressing issues of our time. Over 30 world-class speakers will share ideas in five different themes. May 24th, Mind, Body, and Soul. May 25th, Regenerate the Earth. May 26th, The Counter-Economy. May 27th, Liberating Technology. May 28th, Community and Relationships. Don't miss out on the next step in the Greater Reset. It's time to get activated. This is our world, our way.